0: Chasing your monsters and they've been driving you bonkers Just them with rocket launchers of light to blow out their conscious If you really want to juxtapose and take a darker color with the blush of rose And then you put it in your ink and watch it go Your mind is always open when your eyes are closed Because you're blind of color and you're blind to greed Blind to all the things that you don't need Then you find a mind and then you plant a seed Then
1: you nourish it a little, bit you you it up, and breaking it down
0: Wanna
1: give up. It's
0: June 25th, 2020 from Salt Lake City, Utah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Whiskey Throttle Show. I'm your host, David Pinger. With me, as always, Grant Langston, Donnie Bills. And uh, today we've got a, a super special guest, Australian racing legend and two-time Supercross champion, national motocross champion, badass. Most Supercross starts ever. Like by a long shot. Record holder of of some pretty cool records. Mr. Chad Reed's going to be with us. Um, Coming from press conference, so he'll be here shortly. We'll welcome him in and get started right away. But uh, it's going to be really fun. You know, Chad's been obviously somebody that's been on our list from the very beginning. Uh, And now that he's sort of winding his career down, may or may not be calling it a quits after this year. Uh, But uh, we wanted to get him on and let him tell his side of the story in detail. And uh, So we're looking forward to that. Big thank you to our, our sponsors that make this show possible, uh, starting with Yamaha, uh, an incredible company, um, winners of pretty much every shootout for the last uh,
2: half a decade. And Reed's both his Supercross titles. Yes. Factory Yamaha no, uh, uh,
0: Supercross titles with Chad Reed. So uh, just an incredible company, all kinds of amazing products. If you guys are looking at bikes, uh, you're looking at uh, watercraft, you're looking at generators. Side by sides, they can now get those in California. You mentioned. Oh that. yeah, so some very cool things going on with them, and just incredible products. And something you mentioned earlier, I thought was really uh, interesting. You said in your shop, you get all kinds of brands coming in at 450s and stuff to get rebuilt, the engines rebuilt. But, but we have a we have a really strong service center. Right.
2: Yeah, but rarely do you get Yamahas. Well, it's just something I've noticed in my store. I can't speak on numbers or national average, but yeah, I mean at at our shop. You know we see what comes in and and not to blow anyone out but the least that we see for rebuilds or engine failures or mechanicals is yamahas yeah it's truly i think most of our, most of our yamaha service work that we do is is an oil change and then usually that can let you know if there's filings or something going wrong yamaha do not
1: break mm-hmm. hey i got you, a they buddy do that's not a, it's break. a it's a vet guy but I'm telling you for real, he has over 300 hours on his bike, unrebuilt. He was a mechanic, so he adjusts the valves and everything. And Do your oil change in the basics, and, and it'll run and forever. And the bike yeah. runs, runs forever. Well, I, I love having a company like that involved
0: with us. Uh, the last thing you want to see, because we do, do try to really stand behind these brands that, that stand behind us, and I don't, I don't allow them to come be a part of this show if I can't really 100% say, yeah, awesome product, get it. And so to have that, them have that reputation,
2: man, I, I'm stoked. Yeah, at I think Donnie hit the nail on the head. If you're a mechanic, you do a valve adjustment and your oil changes. Yum. Clean filters. Yeah. yeah, exactly, air filter. Yamahas do not yeah. blow up. One of the awesome things about this design, too, is that air filter stays
0: clean way longer than down where the typical air is. it's Airbus so easy. Is. So easy. Pop that
2: yeah. clip, and it, it's a flat...
1: Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I know it's not... <laughs> Even a, I feel like... Yeah. I know it's not a dirt bike, but I have a 1990 Yamaha Superjet. I bought brand new. Never been rebuilt. Yeah. that's well, amazing products. Yeah. yeah.
0: Big thank you to Yamaha. PowerDot also. Go over and uh, check them out at PowerDot.com. Uh, this has been an awesome time. Uh, if, if you have need for massage or chiropractic or physical therapy, and you haven't been able to do that through this whole coronavirus drama... These power dots have been an awesome supplement to that or replacement for that in a lot of cases. So, for a very, probably the cost of one visit, you can yeah. buy this unit and do that all as many times as you want throughout the day. So, check them out. 20% off using our code Method Whiskey Race Throttle. Wheels. Yep. Whiskey Throttle. No spaces, no capitals. Method Race Wheels bringing you our front end chatter segment. Uh, those guys have been an awesome supporter
2: of this show as well. Uh, you just got some on your truck. Look dope. Dude, I love them. Yeah. They, we were just talking about that even up here, you know, the, the Spencer, who we're staying with in Utah, he's like, I got methods. I love them. How's my truck look? It's like, they just make the best yeah, stuff. They, they really do. Stoked to have them involved. Again, your 20% Your truck off. looks good,
1: dude. Your truck looks good with those new wheels on there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I feel biased, but I was I said the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's a badass truck.
0: 20% off your wheels using the code Whiskey Throttle, so go take advantage of that. Twirly Design's bringing you the timeout today, and uh, those guys releasing a brand new D4 helmet recently. They've got a, a brand new... Uh, air helmet that's out that is not price point, but it's the least expensive Trolley Designs helmet ever. And it's got all the same technology that keeps the SE4 so safe and makes it the safest helmet you can buy in the motocross world. Go check those out. You'll be stunned at what you can get into a helmet for these days over at TLD Uh, SKDA. uh, You know, those guys are amazing and I just can't say enough about the coolness of their design. They are so outside the box, the way they think, the way they look at things. Um, just go have a look. Go look at their Instagram, yeah. uh, SKDA. Awesome stuff. And 20% off our Whiskey Throttle Show graphics, which I really like. Adidas. Don't be addicted to your feet. Don't. Simple. It's very simple. You wear other brands with a little swoosh on them, you're going to fall on your ass. <laughs> <laughs> and you deserve it. <laughs> no, Pro Circuit. Uh, big thank you to Pro Circuit. So stoked to have those guys a part of the show also. Um, you know, I, I love companies that invest in the sport. And I think Mitch...
3: <laughs> I mean, invest too much. I think he invests too much.
0: He just loves the racing. You know, that's his passion. Uh, and they develop these products for
1: racing. You know, their, their, their slogan is we race. See him, so, seeing him at the practice track, uh, the other day, like he is super vested in watching and seeing and making sure what's going on oh, the yeah. entire time. Oh yeah. He's it probably
0: should be more hands-on with the business side of it, but it's like, He just wants to make awesome parts and race. Yeah, He wants to win. That's it. That's what drives him. And that that gets passed down to consumers through the parts they make. They make great stuff. So thanks to Pro Circuit. Dunlop tires, simply the best. Uh, 53 in the rear, 33, or sorry, 53 in the front, 33 in the rear. You want
2: the best traction you can get, buy that combo. I've had people ask me, is that really the combo? I'm like, try it for yourself. That's Ping's combo, and I think it's good. I've ridden it because I got that 250. But I said, try it. But they have some options. But I've told people, just try it. Tell me yeah, a thing. Think. They're like, I think Ping's right. If it's super sandy or you ride
0: a lot of mud, sure. then maybe you want to go to that 33 front. But if it's anywhere between medium and hard pack at all, that's the Which that I think amazing.
2: is what most people are on. I think
0: so too, Barring a few areas, yeah. but yeah. If you live in next to Southwick or uh, maybe, Ma- Massachusetts, maybe in the UK where it's just muddy every time you go ride. I don't know. Uh, anyway, big thank you to Dunlop Tires. Just the best products in this business, period. We're stoked to have them on board with the show. And Hilo Concepts, all kinds of rad stuff over there. And they'll get a free you get a free gift over there buying anything. So go purchase something. Use our code at checkout. Uh, I don't know what they're giving you. Free gift. Maybe, I don't, maybe it's a pack of Omaha steaks. Well, I don't he, know. Well,
2: here's the thing. If the gift was lame, I'm sure we would have had a lot of complaints by now. That's true. So I haven't Good heard point. anything, so I'm sure everyone's happy. <laughs> Fire Department Coffee,
0: 20% off using our code over there. Look, you're going to drink coffee anyway. Right? So, unless you're Donnie who doesn't drink coffee, you weirdo. 20% off. They're giving 10% of their net proceeds to fireman charities. It's run, operated, and owned by firemen. Uh, it's vet-friendly. Look, these guys, it's just a great company, and they make literally any kind of coffee you want in any way, shape, or form. K-cups, you like whole bean, you want it already ground, whatever you want. They you, got it. They got it in actually, massive bags if you if you go through it in a commercial yeah. setting.
1: Do you actually want me any more hyped up than I am? no. No. Actually, that's a good point. It's a good point. I'm just, just, I'm
2: just saying. Yeah, you're a decaf guy for just sure. Stick with that.
0: <laughs> I like you on vodka. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, that yeah. one. There's that. There's, <laughs> that one. There's
1: that one for you. So apt. So apt. It's Donnie, to
0: be here. Donnie got forced into doing one shot of vodka at dinner the other night. Hasn't had a drink in 15 years. He was bouncing off the walls like a well, and, kid. Well, and,
1: and no, not for any reason. I just don't
2: drink.
0: It's it's not a, not, drinker. Yeah, not a drinker. It was just funny
2: how it happened, but. You were like, how was that?" I'm like, you were like a kid that we gave like two ice cream bars and just the sugar hit him. Hey, and you were like, you should have been up. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, you, you looked sad when I took your drink from you. You were sad. <laughs> it was. I sh- was shocked. <laughs> I think it was less, sa-
2: I was, <laughs> I was more uh, shocked. So in Utah, you can't get double. So you get this pour and a half and then. I couldn't get a shot to add to my drink. So I said, he's drinking, pointing to Donnie, who doesn't drink. So I was like, the girl's like, I want to see this. I was like, yeah, cheers. And then he's all... (laughs) Gio's like,
0: that's my shot. You drank my floater, you son of a bitch. Dude,
2: I was holy crap, I've known this guy for quite a long time, and he's literally never, ever, ever, ever had a sip, and now, anyway, it was it was funny. You had to be there, people. That was funny.
0: All right, uh, Seat Concepts, another awesome partner of ours. If you have a need for a seat, take a look at these guys, all right? Amazing, amazing products. They've got different foams that are way more comfortable than stock. If you have issues with your stock foam, they make covers, they make bases. So anything you want. You can order a complete seat, yeah. wrapped up and ready to go if you want. Uh, Great products. Great guys over there uh, out of uh, Idaho. Really, really stoked on their stuff, so check them out. Yeah. Specialized bicycles. Uh, I was up at Deer Valley today riding some trails uh, with a couple of friends, and man, I rode the Levo, which we have the Kinevo a little bit more travel, slightly heavier. Uh, The Levo is lighter, has a little bit less travel, maybe a little more, obviously because it's lighter, it goes a little bit quicker on the turbo mode, but we climbed from just uh, 6,500 feet all the way up to 9,000 feet. And I mean, you could have done it, dude. I'm telling you, you throw that thing in turbo and it just goes. Yeah, you, no, no. If you don't want to work out, you can just cruise and the thing will take you up.
2: It, it was so fun. Well, that's what's funny is you hear about people, um, and I've heard people go, oh, you got the Kinevo. Why don't you get the Levo? I'm like, um, and different people like one over the other. And I yeah. said, the I think the Levo has a little more of that traditional mountain bike feel, whereas the Kinevo, with that little bit. If you yeah. it's got a moto feel, and I think that's yeah. why we love those. Yeah, and my buddy was riding a Levo SL, which is an even lighter
0: yeah. version. I want to say it's 15 pounds lighter than the Levo, but it's uh, the motor in that one only matches your wattage, yeah. where I think our uh, our our motors will, are up to four times your wattage. Yeah, make so us look good. I'm telling you, so for a minute, we threw it on turbo. I said, let's just, it was kind of up and down, single track, just going. I said, let's just pin it in turbo and see how fast... and. We had to stop pedaling at times because you're going so fast. I mean, it's coming at you like you're on a motorcycle. Yeah. I, I can't tell you how much fun I had. We were up at Deer Valley. If you've ever ridden, uh, there's a trail coming down called Tidal Wave. God, we had so much fun. Mine is a Levo. Is that what yours is? Yeah. yeah. It's a very subtle difference between the Levo and Kinevo, but amazing bikes. And they got a brand new Epic coming out if you're into cross-country bikes. This thing is the Porsche of cross-country mountain bikes. Um, it's going to be available on By the time this shows out, it will be available. So get over to Specialized.com and check those guys out. Just the best stuff, period. And then finally, but not least, OGO. Uh, You know, we talk about this all the time. You've got a bag that's 15 years old. It was, I
2: got it uh, when I went to Yamaha, I think at the end of six. So there you go. 14 years, yeah. Uh,
0: These things are so durable. Just simply the best gear bags, roller bags. I've got the same roller bags
2: I've been using since I was racing. You know, since... uh, uh, my dad still has an OGO bag that has Red Bull KTM from when we were teammates. I swear in my life. Yeah, they're just super durable. Uh, and it <laughs> super looks durable. pretty freaking good yeah. still. I was like, jeez. And
0: they uh, they also, uh, there's a brand new rig, that the biggest gear bag that they have, and it's got these compartments you can move, so you can adjust it to, for however you want to set it up. Just very functional, very cool stuff. Check those guys out over at OGO Power Sports? Yep. OGOpowersports.com. Dot com. Uh, okay, so those are our, our folks that, that kind of keep us coming to you week after week. Uh, if you like this show, if you guys are, want it to continue, we got to support these folks. Uh, like I said, GL and I stand behind these companies one hundred percent. I wouldn't, I wouldn't associate us with a brand that I, I couldn't tell you, yep, their stuff is rad. Period. Uh, so. Uh, just know that.
1: We're, we're not going to do that. We're not pushing a bunch of baloney on you guys. Hey, as a PSA, you do you get people every now and then, like, why do they have to rattle off their sponsors? Like, this show would not be here without them. Yeah, I'm not interested in working for free. I'm sorry. Yeah. There's costs oh, associated with free? traveling. You would have had to pay your flight to Utah, yeah. your accommodation, yeah. Yeah. your yeah. food. I'm just saying car, that, yeah. like, you know, you gotta, people have to think yeah. about that for a second. It's like, they don't go to work for free. And it's like, this show costs money to produce. Yeah. And, you know, d- don't bash us for trying to talk sponsor yeah look i I don't i don't put any stock in those comments but we are
0: going and and now taking this on the road with with coronavirus it's gotten weird we said you know what let's just go to these folks that we're having trouble getting to come to us Uh, a trip to oklahoma for larry Ward and guy cooper if you haven't seen those shows they were phenomenal those guys are just uh a couple of characters and their story they're great at telling stories and they've got a million of them yeah um and now here we are uh, with, with Chad Reed coming in today. So it should be a lot of fun. Uh, our method race Wheels front-end chatter. These guys are bringing you just the lightest, strongest, fastest wheels in off-road. If you're looking for something for your truck, sprinter, UTV, van, check them out. Uh, awesome, awesome stuff. So a couple of things I want to talk about. 2020, this is supposed to be Reedy's last season. He wanted to do kind of a farewell tour, you know, one last ride. Kind of get to, because as a, as a competitive pro racer, Unfortunately, a lot of times the fans get a, l- a little bit neglected. and It's not intentional. You're just you're being pulled in in a million different directions from sponsors You're trying to focus on your job, which is to win races. And so I think he really wanted a season where He still wanted to go out and do well make mains maybe bump but that he's to not in there for the championship No, and he yeah. knows that he just wanted to go and 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 shake hands and kiss babies so to speak and just spend some time with the fans and thank them for all the support over the years and so the way that the second half of the season has gone, man, I, I gotta think it's a bummer for him. No fans. You're, you know, he even said he goes, "It's it's so weird." He goes, "Going into the stadium, it's silent. You can literally hear somebody, two people chatting up in the stands, and you know, because you think That's about it, vibe, not huh? only the 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 sound of the crowd and that kind of buzz that it has, but you also hear the announcer talking over the intercom. You hear."
1: There's so many sounds, and when you cheers and roars, and then now you're racing, and it's just hey, they should silence. have like a uh, laugh track, like they do, you know? <laughs> yeah, sitcoms should. just a laugh track yeah, of yeah. noise, canned, canned, canned laughter, canned laughter. That would go down well. A guy just eats shit, and you just put the laugh. <laughs> <through that. laughs> you know, that's as much as he's it. getting the shaft, the, the fans are also getting a shaft because I mean, he's a fan favorite, and it's like they can't go yeah, and say true. thank you to yeah. him as well.
0: So he's made some comments. Recently that, oh, well, maybe at first it was, no, this is it. I'm done. And now in the last few weeks, there's been the, well, you know, maybe we'll see, maybe, maybe one or two, you know, uh, I think that's funny. So I think this may not be the last time we see him on a dirt bike at a race at a
2: supercross. Chad's always good at, um, kind of leaving you feeling like you don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah, It's like a teaser. So, but knowing how much he does enjoy being on the bike and racing, it would not surprise me to see him. Probably not do the whole series in 2021, but I could see him doing a few of his favorite rounds. I mean, he's 38 rounds and right away.
1: now, right? He's 38. He'll be turning 39 during the Supercross season. Next year, yeah. I'd like to see him just come to the race, do a parade lap and
0: opening ceremonies, and then just hang out in the in the pits and talk to fans. And yeah. do it that way. Yeah. Maybe come out during the show and do a... Have a Chad something. Reed fan zone. Yeah, something. I think people would dig that. i I don't. Know. I mean, if he still wants to race, he wants to race. But Dude, hey, the guy's hey, been knocking hey, on the door
1: of top tens. Hey, like, here's You gotta the, remember. That. You a, can't count someone out. Here's a crazy question, out. and I know this isn't. I mean, he'll be 39 next year. Has a 40 year old ever made a Supercross main? Dowdy, how old was Dowdy? 39. 39. Is that 38 right? or 39? Yeah. yeah, he was I at know 40. he was up in the 30s. He raced 40. He he <laughs> raced nationals at 40. Actually, you know I what? How old on, was Harrah?
2: You might. I think Dowdy lost Supercross was like maybe even 37, and then
1: he did outdoors after that. But He did outdoors above 40 because he did it a couple times with his kid or whatever else. But I'm talking about the main of a Supercross. Well, Donnie, you're the producer. You're supposed to be over there tapping away. Oh, don't worry. We'll have some keyboard warriors telling us yeah. how dumb we are yeah, well, here in a few yeah.
2: days. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Well, anyway. Well, um, if you do know, feel free to share it. How,
0: how old was Larocco? He was pretty old at the end of his deal. I don't think he was into 40s, no, though. I no, think he, he was, was like 34, 35. Uh, by 40, 30, you're, by 40 you're usually smart enough to not be signed up for Supercrosses
1: at that point.
2: Right? Yeah. Maybe. Or maybe smarter than you think he, he is.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Uh okay. It's good to see him out there though. I mean, I still enjoy watching him race. I still, you know, it's obvious that he's not in it for the championship, but man, he has the passion and the skill level is just another level. You just yeah. you just look at him and you just, he fits the bike. What but, a, and he gives people from
2: I guess my generation someone to cheer for, you know what I mean? For they, sure. they
0: know him and they might not know a lot of the other guys. The,
2: the so. turnover rate now sport is too fast. You know, you look at, at NASCAR and, and maybe even F one, you know, other motor racing where guys sign multi year deals there with, you know, Lowe's and Chevrolet and Rick Hendrick and you know, yeah, and yeah. you become this. In our sport, it's like oh, like even Villapoto. If you talk to people that are, say, fans but not hardcore, like on d- distant length, they're like, oh yeah, Villapoto. Yeah. I heard of him. I'm like, yeah, he kicked everyone's ass for a period, but a short period. I mean short, four years, five yeah. years, whatever. I mean, yeah. that's long and motor. But the problem is for fans, it takes ten years to resignate who this guy is. And this there's there's so much the only guy that's been around a long time with a, a name and that's popular. So when people say he should retire, I'm like, this is my opinion. The day he cannot qualify is the day he's gonna say, I'm out. So the results will prove that. And as long as he feels, I still got it, I can go and compete and win an LCQ and get maybe a top 10. He's, he's knocked on the door several times now. Who, who, who's anyone to say, you need to retire? Like, nope, who nobody. is it? There's no pension fund. When he retires, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's unemployed. Yeah. And people, I think,
1: don't really realize that. And it's very quick to, you can criticize. but It's because all the fans never raced it professionally and they just see it as a hobby. So they don't understand. Sometimes I don't know what the fans think because sometimes I've heard fans say things and I'm like,
2: I I don't get it. Like, I think you're on the wrong page. But there are fans and we're there, you know, we're on the inside, they're on the outside. And not saying they're clueless. I'm just saying, I don't know the ins and outs of being a fireman. I've talked to you and I hear stuff and I'm like, wow. You know, so you don't just put out fires the whole time. You're like, no, man, we're picking up OD'd people on the sidewalks, you know? Like, I'm like... Well, I didn't know that back in the day. But over the years, I realized, oh, Fireman is just a name. There's a lot of things that come with it. Chad Reed's an athlete. There's a lot of things that come with it. And if you can make money, please, fans, and do your thing. Who's anyone to say you shouldn't be allowed or shouldn't be out there? Yeah. I've heard he's taking someone's ride. I'm like, oh, really? Who's taking the CR22 ride? Yeah, yeah. No, that's you know, we case. can go round around. But anyway. Well,
0: I, 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 either way... I can't see Chad Reed just disappearing next year. So, even if he's not racing, my guess is he'll be there in some capacity, kind of mingling with the fans. I'm sure a lot of people would off. would appreciate that. Okay. Well, one other question. So, th- this has gone around a bit. Could this new format um, where we pack multiple rounds into a shorter period of time be something that we see continuing in the future?
2: Yes or no? I don't see the logistics and the numbers, so... I don't know the, the you know, Feld runs Supercross like, like a business. So a Wednesday night race, I mean, they have baseball and basketball, I believe, you know, during the week and all that, and they get crowds. We've never really done it. Could this be the, op- is this the, you know, I always say um, for every action, there's an opposite reaction and we've had COVID and it's changed things, but I believe it's going to change certain things in our sport permanently or meaning that's going to be the way it is they're not going to go get back. a radar
1: gun on the forehead every time you go into a race well
2: listen i mean here we are middle of summer already
0: they're they're expecting another wave likely just prior to the election is what how, I do I they, how do they know that well uh, who knows i am not getting into all that but what i'm saying is i'm just asking do you me. think that that's a stupid question donnie yeah don't be an idiot donnie. <laughs> do you think that by january it's all good no come on in 50 no. 60, people come on in the stadium I don't think so. I think there's going to be things still lingering on, lasting repercussions. And so I'm sure Feld is just yanking hair out by the fistful trying to figure that out for next year
2: because they've got to start booking stadiums and getting it figured out. But I mean, even like the Nationals, you know, MX Sports at the moment. Yeah, that's really tough. Two round series at the moment. They said there's more to come, but you kind of go, well, there's got to be
1: more. But at the moment, it's it's, um, Ironman and Florida. Now, do they lighten possibly just lighten capacity, right? Where they go, okay, Anaheim holds forty five thousand people. Well, now we can only have twenty two and a half thousand. Yeah, and that's it. So, so here's the question. And All now, right. and by the way, those tickets aren't one hundred dollars anymore. Now they're two hundred dollars. By the way, that's an interesting. Well, that's an interesting if, point. If that's the case, then you
2: won't have the other twenty two and a half yeah. thousand. that's an easy way to mitigate. Well, it right listen, there,
1: yeah. like I don't want to bash on Anaheim, but if if you buy a ticket, to Anaheim, their top ticket, it's way more expensive than the one in San Diego. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's supply and demand. Supply and demand.
0: I found those people at Angel Stadium to be dickheads, if I'm just being real honest, for a couple of different reasons. Nothing to do with Feld. I mean, the stadium owners and people. Yeah. Very uh, rigid. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. My point is, Uh, (laughs) That was a little... (laughs) He just had to get that off his chest. I've had a couple run-ins with him over different things. So have I. Hasn't everybody. But my point is, what is the amount of money that Feld pulls in from the gate? From butts in seats. Is that a big part of that component? Here, let's see. Does it it offset if Feld can say, okay, we're going to do three races at Anaheim. It's going to be one on a a Friday night. We're going to do one Sunday evening. Maybe it starts a little bit earlier, and then we'll do one on Wednesday. Then it's going to go to wherever the hell it goes, and we're going to do two rounds there, a doubleheader. You know what I mean? You could shrink the series down to a much shorter time, which is good for the industry, right? Gives riders uh, a, a bigger break either before the Nationals or whenever you want to put it. Uh, think of the cost savings for Feld. You are going, okay, We instead of going from Anaheim to San, Phoenix, San Diego, here, there, you just keep everything in one place. You're not buying those people tickets. You're not shipping stuff around. Everything stays in one place. You can plus, save a
1: ton of money there. But wait, it, they it's, can also—it's two million dollars plus for filling the stadium with with people. Okay,
0: so so I I don't know any of these answers. What I'm saying, what is their
1: cost of trucking the dirt in? Not the trucking the dirt out. Parking is another flying in. Flying everyone in, Hotels, flying everyone flying out. In. So uh, let's say about three million do- dollars between parking. And people sitting in the stadium, but they don't get all of that. Uh, yeah, no. a lot of that's going. To I'm the just saying that revenue. Yeah. Somebody's going to be missing that revenue if the key component to their income
0: is merchandise. Uh, that's a problem. Merchandise, uh, sit, uh, ticket sales, and parking. Which I don't know if it is. Then it's. I don't. know, You got to weigh. Well, listen, it. I got. If an a idea. lot of it is TV. Well, now, now, who cares about the fans? I got so an much? idea.
1: I got an idea. Every seat, it's a webcam, and you buy your webcam seat, and it's like you're sitting there in the stadium.
0: That is stupid. That is the <laughs> dumbest idea I've ever heard, Tony.
1: Well, I just saw these people <laughs> sitting in the stadium with their cardboard cutouts. I thought, why not add a webcam to that? <laughs> That's mm-hmm. actually not a... Terrible idea. And moving yeah, forward, is it's going
0: to be a worse view than just watching the TV broadcast? Yeah, but free? what if
2: you could scroll
0: it,
1: see both? And what if you could in. see both? You could see the TV, or you could see the perspective, like you're there with VR, with those VR goggles. Hey, look!
0: I'm in the shitty seats up in the nose. You please. can have a very, look at my view. You
1: have. Let a, me look around. <laughs> I see nobody on nose. <laughs> you is awesome. You <laughs> can have a virtual fight with somebody that's drunk. <laughs> Oh my All right, God. Now, now you're really me in. Yeah. Now it's a BR right. thing. Yeah, I let, like me, let me yeah. throw this back. Who am I fighting? am fighting? <laughs> hey, that guy. This guy? <laughs> that guy looked at your chick or something. You get into a big fight with this him. It's not my
2: chick, <laughs> it's my buddy. But anyway, I still want to fight him. Watch <laughs> this.
0: I'm going to pour my beard on this guy's back. All right. I'm
2: telling next you. Thing- the webcams.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm you can, telling you. Hey, I'm you saying. can order hot dogs <laughs> hey, and nachos. The
2: dude in front of you poured your beer on, he's suing you for a new webcam because yeah, yeah, you just yeah. showed
1: it out. Hey, door, when you order a hot dog, DoorDash shows up to your house with those crappy Yeah, And that. just keep shoving
2: sure. it into the lens. Yeah. <laughs> so it feels like That's great. Well... All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> I,
0: I anyway. think there's something. I think you might see something to this. I, I don't... Maybe it's double headers only. I think double headers you'll see for sure. Friday night, Saturday night. Yeah. I think especially if you're going to have to minimize like... Uh, look at the planes we flew in here on. No middle seats are full.
1: Hey, but you so, could do like a Saturday with half stadium filled and Wednesday with nobody or or something like that where, you know... Well, but you could do Friday night, Saturday night. You could, yeah. Half, half, you just yeah. you put a space, you know, every other seat. Well, let me ask you another question. Because that'll definitely cure the, hey, the virus. No, then no one can get okay, it for sure. So, <laughs> it, this last week, it does not look like they um, changed the track at all, basically. No, that was weak sauce. Someone told me... For the last seven rounds, they came up with five track designs. Right. Why I'm not? Like, what, what's the difference between five and seven? Well, were you out designing them on a napkin at a bar and you got drunk it. enough? You, went, you know what?
0: we good. got good. We don't good. need two more. No one will notice. <laughs> track was exactly the same <laughs> Hey, last how race. about that one corner?
1: The ruts were exactly the same as the yeah. week before. Yeah, it was deja vu. That's exactly what I was saying. I was like, watch it. I'm like, no, this was lost race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did the new one's
2: s- coming on there. For right a out.
1: second, I thought we were watching the race before. I'm like, wait, is this a rerun? Yeah, I think our house guests up here, they enjoyed our commentary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, all right. Maybe uh, his mom, not so much. No, but.
0: That's our Method Race Wheels front-end chatter. Uh, big thanks to Method Race Wheels. Hey, get over to whiskeythrottleshow.com. Check out our website. Uh, it's new. There's a couple glitches with a couple things, but we're working on it. And uh, we've also always got cool photos and video. Uh, at Coops, we did a, a walk around through his race shop, like the uh, kind of museum he's got. Uh, At Larry's, we went through his whole Stonewood Ranch. So you can check that kind of stuff out. Photos that are out of their scrapbooks that no one's ever seen. We try to post those on our Instagram page and also share them on the website. So check those out. Uh, And also, Mad Skills Motocross 3 is out. Get over there and get that. Uh, And pick up some merch. You can do that at whiskeythrottlemerch.com or on our website. There's a link to it. Uh, Well, this isn't it. I guess I pointed the wrong thing, but like this hat, we've got uh, Mike Metzger's new design t-shirt, which is super rad. Uh, A bunch of uh, race team tee, we call it, with all our sponsors, or uh, just different shirts that just have the logo, different colors. Well, like a hat at least. Yeah, so uh, all kinds of stuff. Go check that out. Uh, And we've got Chad Reed here. He's showed up. We're going to sit him down, and we're going to get right to this. He's on a time crunch, guys. He's got in between press conferences, so uh, we've got a hustle, but let's get to his interview. So, Chad, let's, uh, let's jump into your, your questions, man, and your show. Uh, grew up in Curry Curry. Am I saying that right? Yeah, Curry Curry. What's it
3: like down there? Oof, what's it like? Uh, I mean, small town, Australia. Um, I think there's 5,000 people. Yeah. Oh, it is a little town. It is very little. Were well, you like um, an hour north of Sydney? Is that right? About an hour and a half, two hours. Okay. Up, okay. Yeah, north of Sydney. It's so a Gold Coast? Um, no, Gold Coast is more, up? more 10 hours. Like it's about eight hours okay. north of us. Um, but we're on the coast. Like where I grew up, it's it's what we consider inland, but it's only 20 minutes from the beach. Mm. Um, yeah, anywhere, you know, 20 minutes outside of the beach, you're basically in rural Australia. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, growing up, I had a very just normal childhood, you know, like mom, dad, um, both worked, you know, jobs. Dad was a a concreter. Um, you know, we went to school, have a younger brother, 21 months younger than me. Um, so yeah, nothing, nothing crazy, you know, like probably the biggest thing that I remember as a kid is, is that the access that we had as, as a family, you know, like my, you know, for the people on the show that don't know, but Craig Anderson is my cousin, uh, five years older than me. Um, he came to the U S in Oh three. I think he left Oh six or Um, you know, multiple Australian champion. So I kind of had this playbook of five years ahead of me. Um, okay. and so as a kid, I was always like, I feel like I was always like a growner a bigger older kid than what I really was because I always just wanted to be like my cousin. Um, literally down the end of the street was what we call bush. You guys kind of call it, you know, the woods, the brush, whatever it is. Um, and we called it the bush in South Africa as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and we just had access to that, you know, back in the... But like, Was there trails w- and stuff that? on it or? You know, like I started riding in 86. So, you know, kind of like late, you know, mid to late 80s into the early 90s. The world was so different then, you know, like you... Sure, yeah. You know, like me and Craig, you know what, I'm on... You know, a sixty, at six, seven years old, um, following my, you know, five-year-old, you know, or five-year older than me cousin, and off we went, and we had just full freedom. You know, like that's cool. Mom, dad, my my uncles, like they they trusted us to, you know, basically know how much fuel you had, and yeah. and so I think that when you take on all that stuff, like you learn so much, you know, you have to be responsible. You don't yeah. want to be hurt. You don't want to be in the bush laying, dying yeah. on the side of in the middle of the mountains. Um, can't run out of fuel. We'd done that, you know, once and you only do it once. <laughs> so you only do it and, once. And, uh, you know, and then we had a track, um, you know, my dad was in, uh, worked for the council and, and, you know, was doing concreting and stuff. And then uh, Craig's dad was, uh, was with the backhoes, you know, tractors okay. and stuff like that. So amongst the two of them, um, we had equipment, and then we had access to, you know, dirt that would come out of driveways and mm-hmm. pathways, and so we would, like, dump that in the bush and, um, and literally, you know, shape it up um, with, with my uncle's uh, backhoe, and, nice. and so we kind of, like, you know, over the years just formed these uh, tracks in the bush that, that were mine and Craig's, you know, and the world knew about it, and they become, even still today, they're still there. It's pretty, yeah. you know, it's pretty fun. So I su-
1: okay. uh, Sorry, I assume
3: Craig lived in curry curry as well then yeah I, i'm going back a little bit you guys are, it's kind of known that i'm curry curry but i actually grew up in a country uh in a town called west wars um that was 10 minutes 20 minutes over the other side of the mountain Okay, but it's uh, all the same thing so what in the big picture i i've i've had not spent a lot of time in australia
0: when you say the bush i go into like national geographic history of you know like i'm picturing
3: desert no, what's the bush desert. like what no. is it like
0: the hills of
3: where I you know, grew like up Beaumont is uh, where we
0: would go ride, like that kind of stuff.
3: Yeah, you have to like, like Beaumont, but more like think Beaumont, but more East Coast with trees and yeah. okay. green and okay. stuff like that. So not not deserty. Okay, when I think Beaumont, I think desert. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like. Like, similar things, you know, like... You, uh, could, you guys could the so like, tracks in. So, like, like, what was famous for us is, like, both of the tracks that we had were under the power lines, because, you know, they clear yeah. under the power lines. Yeah. So then, you know, basically, you have this free, cleared land yeah. that, that somebody did for you, and then you basically go and do it. And um, obviously, I mean, it was... It's funny when I think about it now, because it's... It was literally a one minute drive off of the, t- you know, from the bottom of the town that we lived in, you know, down a dirt road. And then it was just there. And it's like, the police could always come and get us. But no, they didn't, you know, like, I feel like, I don't know, like, just back in those days, it was different, you so know? You, like, weren't, you guys weren't causing any we, issues or trouble. Yeah, so like, and I, la- and I laugh when I think because it's like, like it was always a rule in the family, like you couldn't ride, but you could side saddle. So we would side saddle down the thing. So it's so funny and I don't know why my mom and dad and or my uncles implemented that, but it it definitely you know, like it was a rule that we had to live by yeah. and and so whenever you went onto the pavement and like onto the streets, um, you know, you side saddle and yeah. your bike. Maybe that's which a seems wheelie style. It's a wheelie style. It probably just keeps you going a little bit slower. Yeah, right. In
0: reality, you're actually
3: it's much more, d- more likely to crash. Say that, I, if I, you're exactly. the side, you're going to get your rear I brake. Think I think it's more dangerous when I think about it now. Yeah, but, yeah, true. it is It is funny, like, just little things like that. So, yeah, that's that's what I did. And I, I just would ride and ride and ride and burn fuel. And, and, like I said, it was so close. So, you know, you'd kind of go and you'd gauge the fuel, you know, consumption and come home, refuel and, and go back again. Yeah. Um, and that was... I just think that when you do that, you learn so many different skills, you know, like, you don't have a perfectly watered racetrack, yeah. um, you know, so, you know, we have, you know, our, our seasons, and it's wet season, rainy season, hot and, you know, humid, hot and dry, like, we kind of have it all, so, um, you had to learn all this. Yeah different conditions. Did you, so did your siblings... You had siblings too, right? A brother? Yeah, I have a younger brother and I actually have an adopted sister. So um, my adopted sister was 10 years younger than me. Um, hmm. But yeah, my brother wrote a little bit, but nothing... He never got into nah, it? No, never really into it. I don't know if he was scared of what he saw from me and, you know, huh. how, how dad was with me and then he just didn't want no part of it. But he just... Yeah, he never... He always had access to it, but never, never like, you know, took it on.
2: It often happens in families, you know, I think people think, oh, well, they're all going to ride because a lot of times recreationally people do, but if you go look at a lot of families, you know, a lot of people have siblings and, you know, you look at Tomac, you know, his brother went into the Air Force, you know. I think in families, you see the characteristics come out, and some someone's more like, I want to ride more the Daredevil, and someone's like, I'm more the academic type, or I want to be yeah. in in some national guard, or you know, something like that. Well, and I'm sure we can all relate to this, having kids,
0: multiple kids. It's like, you can raise two kids from the same parents in the same house, give them the same exposures, and they're totally different.
3: And they're all different. My now. girls are,
0: couldn't be more different.
3: Totally, in my three... Um I didn't know that I would say that they're all totally different, but definitely they have their own needs and yeah. wants and, um, you know, definitely, you know, it's a flavor of you and your wife, right? And, yeah. Yeah. and definitely I see that, you know, like like my kids, you know, one of them has, like, they're very dominant in Ellie, you know, very <laughs> dominant in me, and it's just, it's it's funny to see that combination. Yeah,
0: it is interesting to watch. It There's that argument of nature versus nurture, right? Yeah, is yeah. it more what you expose them to, or is it just they're already genetically coded to be a
3: certain way i i'm always personally just my own opinion is like i think that you know like champions are born not built i don't believe that you can build a champion i really don't i haven't i haven't seen somebody that you know just is an avid motorcycle rider and then you're like man the mom and dad's like you're gonna be a champion like yeah it's not gonna work
0: yeah i think there's a lot to that um you have to have the genetic predisposition to whatever sport it is, right? If you're playing basketball, you can't be 5'7". <laughs> I'm not going to make it in the NBA. None of you guys are either. Don't <laughs> laugh at me. <laughs> I can't shoot. Hey,
3: you behind. Like, I can't even shoot. You <laughs> want to be a good three-footer. Oh, time. my <laughs> goodness.
0: But you also have to, you know, I think there's a, a lot of truth to people that grow up with a lot of money don't necessarily get as far because they haven't had to... Dig deep. To to work for stuff. They haven't... They don't appreciate stuff as much as maybe somebody that's... I mean, it's a common thread through a lot of athletics. When you watch these professional athletes that really excel, they came from nothing. And they had to work so hard, they just kept that work ethic going, you know? Yeah.
3: yeah. No, it is. It's true. And I, I see it in my own kids. You know, like my kids live a very different life than I lived as a kid. Um... You know, and I don't think that that necessarily has to be a bad thing. It's just, oh, it's yeah. just very different. Yeah, sure. Um, times you know, are different as well. Times are totally different. And it is, it's like you look at me and my brother and it's like, like I was never forced to do this, you know, like it was just, you were driven. Yeah. And that's, I, that's why I always, I'm a strong believer that you're champions the born, not, not built. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> it's a super interesting topic. Uh, what was your first bike? First bike was a PW50. Oh Yeah. 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 I think that's what it started, started a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. The red yeah. and white
0: one. Yeah. So so obviously we were looking up to Ando back then. Was yep. there other Australian guys or were you looking
3: at racing in America or the or Europe and so like from the grassroots like the early early stages obviously my cousin was, you know, was who was in front of me, who was I was getting to see. Um and then obviously as we you know progressed through the the amateur ranks, um you know, we we found friends and families and things like that. So, then there was an, actually an athlete called Joel Elliott. Um, he actually passed away here in in uh, in the U.S. Uh, 94-ish, I think. Hmm. Um, he was a Australian champion. Um, you know, probably would have done what I've done. Um, really? You know, I think he was, that, right? he was that good. What um, happened to him? I came here and actually had a blank, uh, brain clot and, oh, and passed geez. away. Yeah. Yeah, actually... Clint Berry You know Clint Berry right Yeah Was his mechanic So Clint oh, You're kidding Clint never went home Funny I didn't know oh, yeah. that Yeah You'll have to dig into that Joel, story one what's day What's Joel Joel Elliott Joel Elliott I'll tell you, yeah. look at that yeah, That's yeah. really interesting So uh Yeah so Anyway jo- the, the Elliott family was We were very very close Um Joe was a little older than Craig, so it was kind of like that playbook that was even a little deeper, um, you know, and I remember going to his house and, you know, like he had his number one motorcycle and it's kind of like, that's, yeah. I, wanna, I want one of those, yeah. you know, um, when you get to keep your championship bike and things like that, so, um, you know, and obviously he was, what, he was probably seven, eight years older than I was, so okay. at that, you know, when you're so young, that's a big gap, yeah. Um, it was funny, you know, just like he was such a, in a different phase of his life and and everything like that. And I was just this little kid looking up to him, go, you know, wanting to go to his yeah. bedroom and yeah. check out all his shit. Yeah, <laughs> well, I,
0: I always I always asked that like who kind of your local heroes were because I think it's as you get better, then you you start to look out. Yeah, like,
3: you broaden your horizon.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, I can win locally. Well, now what's what's it in starts Australia? Starts locally. Yeah, you know? yeah.
3: Like I think it was Joel Craig. Um, you know, then and back in those days, it was um, more your. Uh, the guy called Glenn Bell, Craig Dak, who runs the Yamaha team, um, you know, these kinds of people, um, the Jeff Leisk was probably the bigger of them all, but he was international. And so he wasn't that, he wasn't in front of you. Right. you know? yeah. Um, so it was kind of like later in life that I learned about Jeff and what Jeff was achieving, things like that. And, um, and he was in Europe and Europe was just such a different place than what, Television was for Supercross. Um, and I think that what he was 86, 87 was mm-hmm. when he's kind of run. And I'm, I mean, I'm five years old at yeah. that point, four years Too old. Young. So I think you're so young at that point. So he'd already kind of like, I think kind of like he's, you know, I shouldn't say his career was on the downside, but he's, he'd already kind of achieved yeah. Yeah. the maximum. Um, so for me, Jeff Lees wasn't the name. I learned at an older age, you know, what he did and what he achieved more than when I was kind of coming up through the ranks. Yeah. So did you,
0: was there a point then where you were, uh, you know, you, and I thought this was interesting because you were a top amateur at a point right over there in Australia. And then you, when you moved to the expert class, you
3: skipped 125s. Is that right? Uh, when I went to pro. Yeah. 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 So then, uh, like why, what, how did that happen? So my, my thought, my thought process was always like, I always looked at Australia you know, and it, and it can always come across wrong. But I looked at it as Australia as, like, it was never my place to want to be. You know, like, I at that point, at 15 years old, like, I already had this massive goal of, I'm going to America. You know, like, that was it. Is that right? Like, Jeremy McGrath, me, America, that's it. Like What year would that have been? So, like, 99, like 98? I think, like, I'm on 8, no. I went pro at I was already pro, so like I would say that like my desire to go take on America and like like just fully fixated on on becoming Jeremy McGrath um, racing in Anaheim Stadium. Uh, I would say I'm you know because back then we could race Supercross at 12, you know. Um, <laughs> That's full Aussie right there, man. Right? Yeah, <laughs> so like see you know like and now like if you're looking at current generation Supercross. how there's the 50 cc class um you know back in those days they had uh what they called junior 80s and junior 125 which is mm-hmm. amateur 80 amateur 125 um and so we we got to do you know like we got to come and do, be a part of the big show yeah. we would do uh practice prior to them and then uh they would do their practices then we would do a qualifying race and then uh and then uh, then they would put us in um, the 80cc race was before the 125 main event pro class okay. and then uh, then the pro 125s would race then then the 125 juniors would race before the the 450 class basically um, And they wouldn't change the track no no yeah. no we just so like was an
0: 80 rider or a yep. junior
3: he riding the full super uh, full, full yeah. everything no restrictions you know none of this generation where yeah, you hey yeah. no in the triple yeah, like yeah. if you want to jump triple I'm gonna say, launch back jump back or, then, it was like if you triple. jump the
2: triple you're gonna win <laughs> yeah yeah
3: so so like so you got you got the feeling of this big stage like they did a podium you know yeah. like we uh <laughs> back in those days it's so funny to remember it but like back in those days they had the uh you know, the flatbed semi-trailers was uh, the finish line. Yeah, yeah. So they would put, I think two or three of those, you know, down and put dirt on the front, dirt on the back, some <laughs> plywood on top. And that was the finish line, you know, um, in Melbourne yeah. tennis yeah. center, you know, one of the biggest venues in the world, yeah. um, we'd race supercross there. So from that age, you know, you're, you're getting to thank sponsors. You're getting to talk to the crowd, interact with the crowd, you know, getting that atmosphere yeah. at, from 12 to, you know, 15 years old. So at that point I'm sold, you know? Yeah. And so, so get back to your question is, so I moved to New Zealand uh, when I was 15 at the end of 97. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, so basically, you, I couldn't go pro until March. Um, March was my birthday for turn 16. So basically, what do you do from December to January kind of thing? You know, like I was already signed to go race the big bike. I was going to race the 252 stroke. Um, in Europe? You'd already had no, that? in, in Oz. Oh, in Oz. I in see Oz. you so, okay, so This yeah. is when I'm first going gotcha, pro. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um... And Suzuki, just, right? You yeah, were, okay. Suzuki and I somehow I convinced them and just like I don't want to race a 125 And they're like kind of like that's how it works and I'm like, I don't want to do it You know, like just put me in a big bike You fine.
0: just were so driven to get to all the I, top level,
3: like I like, just like, wanted bare minimum like I wanted to like I wanted to win I thought I could win um, And it's funny to think about it now because you're just like as a 16 or actually really as a 15 year old kid that, you know, like how much I bet on myself and like, you know, yeah. it doesn't happen these days. Like now you've got these six, f- five to six year amateur contracts that guarantees you said yeah. years. Yeah. And I think it's so dumb and lame. It's everything that's wrong with our industry right now. But well, well, we'll talk about
0: that more. <laughs> but I, and you did the same thing when you came to the U.S. I remember you were yeah. not happy that you had to ride the two, the 125 class back then. Yeah. And I remember thinking, God, this guy's pretty cocky, like coming over here, you know, you only did one year in the GPS, right? I was the cocky Vegemite-eating kid, right? Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I wrote that. I really did. But to your credit, you went out and backed it up, dude. Like it was impressive. Even even uh, what year was it? Oh, what year were you riding the East 02. Coast? You did some West Coast rounds on two fifty, and I'm like, oh, this guy's pretty damn
1: good. Like, yeah. maybe he maybe he doesn't really need to ride the one twenty five. I was really fortunate. I remember watching him qualify for one of those. I was like, dude, you like like literally. You know, stupid American. Like, where the hell did he come from? All of a sudden, this guy's like as fast as everybody else. How did that just happen? I'll be the first one to admit, and
0: you make a joke about. I I wrote wrote some some shit about. You you. still remember that? I wrote some shit because it it just wasn't. You write shit about a lot of people. Well, I did, especially back then. I I I try not to be so abrasive anymore, but back then I didn't care. But oh,
1: when did when are you not abrasive now? Shut up, Donny. Anyway, he's
0: improved. uh, It just wasn't the. No one had done that really. You know, like nobody came out of amateurs and just wrote jumped into the 280 class, even Bradshaw, you know, you, you do your time and prove yourself, then you move up.
3: Yeah, and I think that the, the misconception there is really that, um, you know, like I was obviously voicing that, hey, I want to go to the big bikes, and more just voicing that, like, yeah. that's where I want to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to tell people your goals. And it comes across different. It just because, came across you. you know, because by what people don't understand or at that point in time, you know, like I'd already been, pro- I'd already, what, gone pro in 98, I was 99 Supercross champion on a 252 stroke. I was 2000 Supercross champion on a two stroke. I went to Europe in 2001, my first ever time out of the, you know, out of the country, well, at, at racing at the world level. And, and, that and that I, you did not again. I didn't even I think about was, that. You didn't I didn't race 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 25 GP. And I was second in the world championship. So at that point, I was already a kind of a yeah. veteran. I was already yeah. three years deep on a 252 stroke. And now you're asking me to go back to a class that I've never raced yeah. on a four stroke. And so that's that's yeah. how it was in real time for me. And, and I
0: forgot about Europe.
3: Yeah, you didn't go to the one twenty five class, no. straight to two hundred and fifty GPs, yeah, yeah. and competitive. Yeah, yeah and I won. I don't know why I just sucked on a. I didn't. I wasn't. I I was fine when I was on a. You know, as an amateur because you don't know any different. But as soon as I rode the big bike, and that was a, that was a tradition through my whole career. Like anytime, like anytime, Dad put me on the next bike up, I would always get hurt on the little bike. Mm. You know, like I just would uh. you try to you know, you just, the limit's here, and you try to go here, and you, it's, it ends bad, And, and for whatever reason, like, I just, that was, that was just the way my, my life and career went, is anytime, anytime dad moved me up, or like, you know, like, hey, I'm, I'm ruining 60s, let's put you on an 80 for practice, well, then, you know, suddenly dad's like, well, shit, now we, now you're crashing your brains out yeah. on the 60. We got to just keep, you know, keep you on. So I was always kind of just like, kind of jumped in the deep end. Um, was there,
0: was we kind of have jumped ahead a little bit, but when you, that, uh, 98, 99, 2000 time period, was there a point where things clicked for you? Like where you obviously won those two titles, but so maybe the year before, before that,
3: was there a season where you just, you sort of took off I would say, like, like, from going pro at 15, like, I was so fortunate to be around, like, like real influential people, you know? I got to go to New Zealand. Um, and at that point in time, you know, Shane King was just world champion mm, yeah. in the 500 class. Uh, Josh Coppins was na- making a name of himself. Um, and then you had a bunch of the local guys that were kind of racing in more Aussie. Um, the King brothers, the younger, the King brothers, yeah. Damian. Um, and, and then Daryl. And then, yeah, Daryl. Uh, and Daryl Hurley Daryl Hurley was there. Um so there was a lot of guys that that were really really competitive in the world of moto- motocross. Um maybe they didn't race supercross like Australians did, but they they were very good in in that and so I went there and I raced 125 and 250. Um you know, signed up for I think it was it was 3 20 minute motos. So basically I was doing 6 20 minute motos. Jeez. Talk about a, a rude awakening like as yeah. a 15 year old kid that you're just pretty naive you're you don't like, have the stamina even all the strength like, you don't have that man strength yeah you know like you're i don't care out throughout the day like e- even if somebody <laughs> had have like laid out this big plan like we're gonna go bicycle we're gonna do all these things like you just don't have that yeah. Yeah. man kid. strength yeah. you know um but where what i lacked in that i i you know i probably gained it in the fact that i didn't give a shit yeah. and i was just gonna twist the throttle and all these things that were happening to my body at the end of the motos was new but still you just like twist the (laughs) throttle and so it was really strange that I remember like falling asleep in the van, like in the passenger seat, like after six minute, you know, six 20 minute motos, um, That's a lot, right? you know, leaving the track and just being smoked. And I'm like, okay, this training thing, I'm probably going to have to try it out. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was really fortunate that I got to go and work with, um, uh, Shane King, you okay. know, and I think that, you know, back in those days, Shane was a very, very dedicated person. Um, you know, I, I really liked him. He took me under his wing and here I am at 15 years old. Fast forward that to go into Europe. He also took me under his wing you know, showed Ellie and I the ropes in, you know, in Europe and stuff like that. So I just think throughout my career, I've just been really fortunate to have people that were really influential, people that were positive people, you know, and striving to be better. Um, But yeah, to answer your question, I would say that like 98, I was your typical 16 year old kid fast. I would win races and then I would back it up with crashes, Um, you know, and quickly I learned that if I wanted to be a champion, and if I wanted to be anyone, then you needed to not only be fast, but you needed to be there week after week after week. Yeah. Um. My cousin was probably still to this day the best person at that. So I had this book, you know, like so I probably had, I probably had a, a, a higher burning desire to be better and to you know to conquer the world than what my cousin did. Um. But what I learned from him is just the the being there, yeah. you know, and you didn't, you didn't have to win. It didn't matter if you win by a minute or you win by half a second. A win's a win. Yeah, And I learned that real quick from him. Um well, it so like, off. Yeah, it did. Because being in it, you've like I feel like you've been in I it feel like 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 made a career years out now. of it. Um, <laughs> well, that's
2: impressive. I mean, I dealt with injuries. A lot of people have, there's very few that have been at almost every single race that they intended on racing. Yeah, and yeah. you
3: look at the injuries that I have sustained over the years and, you know, some of those races that I miss and seasons and stuff like that, but it's it's a big number of yeah. races, you know, like I think this weekend was two hundred and sixty four. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah, like goes like that. So so ninety nine. Um I won every race of the championship. Um uh-huh. back in those days there's only three. Um but I won all of them. Um, and then Who were your c- main rivals that, in those championships? Uh, 99, Craig was a big part of it. Um, Did that ever get awkward? Never. Meaning you Fam- looked up to families, him eventually... Family got awkward, which all families are awkward. <laughs> um, True. Especially racing families. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah? Yeah, I know. No. Yeah, um, we always joke about our families as but well. It, you know, so, so definitely like from a family thing there was like it was family rivalry but me and Craig have maintained big brother status always um I don't think we ever lost touch in or you know like and that's what's funny like I don't ever like my competitor and my person who I wanted to beat more than anything was my cousin which was my big brother and so like I've never had this hate like I need to hate somebody to want to beat them you know like I actually feel like sometimes I'm better when I'm actually like Dude, that race was awesome. Keep you know, like it's closer. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Um, so. He was five years
0: older. In '99, you're racing the championship there. He was racing with you then, obviously, yeah. right? When did he come to the U.S.? I thought it
3: was it came after a year you. after me. Yeah, okay. He actually, for the most part, took my ride. Like I moved to the big yep. bike, okay. he took my YRT ride. You kind of
2: helped grease that skid yeah, a little bit. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I met him
3: doing the German supercrosses yeah. in
2: '99. Or two thousand, or maybe both years he yep. came, both. and we ended up hanging out and getting to know each other. about Andrew was super was, cool.
3: Craig was one of the first people, maybe ever, like one of that very elite group of people that was like, you know, to wear a Red Bull helmet and, yeah. you know, back in those days, that's where Red Bull that's kind of a went. big yeah. deal. Where, yeah, yeah, Red Bull, you know, began. Yeah, and it was awesome. He, I don't think there's anyone here that didn't like him. No, super and good, I learned yeah. so much from him. You know, like mm-hmm. he was, he was a good. You know, like, I think he was a good influence for the most part. You know, certainly older cousins can be, you know, a certain influence. But I think... that He probably had the... The authority to kind of check you two if he, you were getting out of line. He totally checked me, and that's yeah. where I was getting at. He also, he's a m- bit of a more mellow dude. Well, now it'd good. Back oh, then, okay. not so much, so was but a more, loose Yeah, he was always pretty mellow, but he was pretty loose in some points. But <laughs> I've seen him with a few drinks down the street. I know he likes that. Yeah, yeah. So I there's this one race that sticks out. It was in Perth. It was in the sand, like full gnarly, like just legit sand race. Supercross and or motocross? Or motocross, I motocross. I was gonna say. And so I. Him and I race, and I smoke him in the first one. Just crush it. And I'm just like, that was awesome. Second moto, we battle. And then I kind of like, you're finally starting to break him. I pass him. And then last lap, some dudes on the side of the track breaks his clutch lever off or something like that so he can't pull the clutch in so he just basically revs the thing out throws the thing in gear launches and just full cleans me out ando comes by wins the race goes two one for the overall and i'm livid i can imagine and i'm sitting on like you know back in those days they just put you on the start straight away as a podium and and i'm just like you know just steaming a hot
0: little potato
3: yes <laughs> you know I think at that point I'm still 16, maybe I'm 17, um, and he checks me. He's like, he grabs me and just like, "Hey, it's gonna be okay. <laughs> it's gonna be okay." He's like, "Pull it together." And I'm like, hey, he like you to say." He could see, see that this, you were melting, dude. Now. And he could see, and he's just like that's great and, and he just says good ride good ride and that was it and it's kind of like i just it's always stuck in my mind that it's just like he fully checked me had my back a basically little bit. he kn- he knew you well enough he could see yeah the frustration and, and, and we maybe. had that respect you know yeah. we really did have that respect i mean at that point he respected the fact that you know and like i i pretty much put it to him that day and he need but it was good It was just one of those moments it's just a rare moment that you you know that kind of Changed you for your yeah. choices in the future.
0: Sure. That's awesome. Uh, you and I, at least '99. I don't remember 2000, but there was a lot of Americans coming down. Right? Phil Lawrence was coming yep. to almost all of them. I came down actually. This the first time I met you. I came down in '99 to Sydney. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phil Christensen was a yep. promoter. Yeah, awesome guy. So I, he had some start money set up for me, and then there was a little bit of purse or whatever. I come down, dude. I get. I mean, I had coronavirus before there was coronavirus. <laughs> I was. <laughs> It was coming out both ends of me. He took me to a pharmacist, got whatever meds. You know, it was totally different stuff down there. Like you can't find Motrin and same
3: but different, right? Yeah, Yeah. it's just so he's like, take that. I'm like,
0: I don't even care. Like whatever you got, I'm dying. And I, I tried to ride practice. I'm like, dude, I can't. Like I'm gonna die. I'm dizzy. I'm seeing (laughs) spots. Like I'm about to crap my pants every time I flex my stomach. And he was still cool, paid me my start money. I'm like, dude, I felt so bad. I said I'd come sign, but then I'm gonna get everybody sick. Like, yeah. I don't know what you want me to do, you know? I said, and I, if he would have said I, I can't pay you, I'd have been like, I get it. And he still did. I thought mm-hmm. that was super cool. So if he's out there listening, awesome guy. But I remember we, right when we got there, there was like an autograph signing thing, and uh, Jay, who's the Suzuki guy, Jay, Jay Foreman, yeah, yeah, he kind of came over because I was riding a Suzuki at the time, and he's
3: like, yeah, that's Chad Reed. He's like our young, up and coming guy, and he even goes, he's real cocky. <laughs>
0: even he said jay
3: jay knows me best for sure like jay was like (laughs) jay was like my dad was he yeah so when uh so when obviously i was a suzuki amateur kid um and you know i think jay took over the suzuki program in 96 i think um so basically 96 97 and then into 98 99 my first two years of pro um jay was my mechanic and my uh uh, my team manager um, slash dad. You know, like I was obviously underage at the point at the yeah. time. So then, you know, in those days, I didn't fly to all the races like we do these days, and I would go in the team van um, yeah. and put in the hours. Like I would drive through the night with them, and you know, sleep in the back when I could, and kibby. Uh, was the other mechanic? Is that right, Kibby? Yeah, Kibbe. yeah. He's so uh, a it was me Geico and uh, right? yeah, me and Cameron Taylor, oh. and uh, Kibby was the other mechanic. And a lot of times, uh, it would be just me, me and Kibby driving, and Jay would be, you know, he would fly in and out of the races. Um, so yeah, like all these kind of like a lot of the the core Aussies that are here and been here for a long time, um, all grew up in my town, and you know, <laughs> we're all funny. a big part of it. Like Matt Jory, Hopo. So were those yeah, guys? so Hopo was you know one of my uncle's best friends. Okay. Um, so I knew Hoppo as a, you know, as a, as a child. Um, he was always around the, you know, our family. Um, Dave Feeney, um, Feeney and Hoppo were, you know, best friends back in the day. They were my uncle, um, my dad's youngest, uh, not youngest brother, the younger brother. I think youngest brother. Um, they, they were all best friends. So yeah. it's like, you know, Dave Feeney, Hoppo, Kibby, all from Newcastle. So you know, from where uh, I grew up.
0: Hoppo was building Pro Circuit's, Race pipes when I rode for Mitch, okay. so he was a pro circuit. Now I think he's back at pro circuit now actually, but he's been around. Kibby does all the Geico Motors. Yeah, Afeni is uh, Osborne's a
3: mechanic. Mm-hmm. Uh, these so guys have invented themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we all grew up in in the same town, basically, yeah. essentially. Um, so and funny that like a lot of those, you know, Afeni, Hopo in particular, um, and then Kibby being a big part of like my you know, there was childhood and then there was that, you know, pro level and it just, yeah, it's, it's funny. So like 2000, I would say 2000 was probably the year that I became a little bit more responsible. Um, I made the choice to go to Yamaha, uh, in 2000 and, and solely made the choice, not because of bike money, team, anything like I loved, Jay Foreman was, like I said, was like a, a father figure. Um, oh, and he went to Yamaha? Did no, he was stayed at Suzuki. Oh. But, but I felt like like I, I, I acknowledged that I was young in and, and the, the Suzuki team was in my town. And dude, and I would just ride these bikes. Like I would get, I would go pick up two brand new RM250s, ride them until they stopped, take them back say, dude, your bike's broke, you know, give me two more. And it just was this repetitive thing. And I'm like, this is unsustainable. Like, I have to learn how to, like, maybe I need to change filter filter. Oh, you weren't do,
0: even changing filters. Uh, right? No,
3: you, I, they would stop before you got to change the filter. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I felt like I needed, for me, in my career, like, I'm like, dude, I really need to learn how to manage myself a little better and, you know, pull it in a little okay. bit. The, the Yamaha team was, was probably viewed as a more higher professional, more yeah. professional team. Um, they were based in Melbourne. Um, you know, at that point I'm turning, you know, 17, 18, um, you know, wanting to Probably venture out away from home more, yeah. you know. So I got to go spend time in Melbourne and you know spend it with the team, and um, so I think that, that that just helped me grow as a person. Sometimes you know? just need
2: change. You need to like, change. Yeah, you
1: get stuck in a rut, and it's like you know what? I just for the life of me, I just want something different. What kind of money can you make at that point? I mean, not exact figure, but I mean, are I'll you tell making you, Zach, a living? I'm not oh, okay.
3: Okay. Um, my first pro contract was five thousand dollars in um, Australia. In Australia. Um, so 19 hey, my first pro co- contract was for free. Yeah. Was, so, so, bonuses. Ni- so 1998, as a pro 252-stroke uh, factory Suzuki rider in Australia, $5,000. Wow. My Aussie first car, or US? My first, no, Aussie. My first car cost me five thousand dollars. So <laughs> I got, I bought a Toyota Hi-Ace for five grand. So that's High it. Hiace, it's nice. a wash. Um, and was then, there was there
0: good bonuses um, at least, or
3: no, not so much. No, I didn't even remember the bonuses. Like I want to say they're like fifteen hundred bucks or something like that. But but I felt like our race wins were decent. You know, like. Uh, in 99 I won both nights in uh, in Melbourne um it was 8 grand a night so 16 oh, shit. grand okay. So yeah. yeah like which is big Which is pretty big yeah. back in those days Yeah um and then yeah like my 90 my 99 my 2000 contract were identical they were 25,000 Yeah Well I can tell you this about so I did ride one practice down there
0: and I remember that that track It doesn't surprise me that you guys are good at Supercross (laughs) because it would be like a smaller arena. I don't remember what the stadium was back
3: then. Back, I believe what year, what year did you? 99. 99, we, uh, I don't remember if you came to the final race or if it was the regular Sydney because I think think that you actually came to, which is where we were. Yep. What's changed names over the years? Yeah, back in back, then, I always want to call it Superdome because that's what it was always called. Uh, now I think it's Kudos Bank, right? Yeah, you probably know that, better But it's I do. It's like what a
0: changed when I
3: yeah. the, between the years I was there. But it's yeah. like
0: a little bit bigger than arena, Cross, yes. but smaller than a they the
2: stadium. do a lot of concerts. I would, like on their. On I would their wall. say
3: it's it's probably about the same size as the U.S. Open. MGM, yeah. okay, yeah. Yeah, 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 floor. So I remember bigger stadium, but floor space I would say yeah um, would be MGM Grand. Yeah, was a when you turn. walk down the
2: hallway, they had like, you know, Rolling Stones yeah. have been there and all the big bands. And okay. the concerts
3: it, was the built, it was built for 2000 Olympics. Okay. yeah, yeah. Sydney Olympics. Well, I remember
2: there's a 180
0: up against the corner of the stadium. And there was just enough room to hit this triple that was oh, freaking... From,
3: from stadium to stadium.
0: I mean, dude, you, it was <laughs> from everything like the, no, from
3: one into the from other. One in the, dude, I'm telling And he ain't lying.
0: Everything you had on RM250
3: to clear this triple. Yeah. And they were and, peaky. And talk about like it's not like these days. <laughs> no, no, it no, was no. like this. <laughs> and when you land, you better be on the brakes so or you're going the yeah. You would
0: jump the entire length of the stadium, and then uh, the finish line
3: was a tabletop with a, with a single, single after, after it. it. And that was scary. Stuff so you imaginable. can't even.
0: You're like, I, I don't know. You're doing the, the tabletop. Which the tabletop he's
3: talking about is the, uh, the is the flatbed thing. <laughs> so p- picture a semi trailer that's that's built up, and then just this random single. That shouldn't okay. be out there, and you and somehow people go, oh yeah, let's jump that. No, so right. you're if oh, you case
0: and, and listen, the single is
3: yes.
1: two, three feet high. <laughs> Even if you grease it, it's yeah. a hard landing. So if you the, case it, you're head first into the uh, stadium wall. Yeah, well, you're and we ain't talking
3: about no 2020 modern no. day yeah. Supercross <laughs> suspension back in those days.
0: I just thought these guys are nuts, man. Yeah. These Aussies are wild. Um, oh, yeah. But anyway, uh, so it doesn't surprise me. You guys have technical skills because you had to now imagine riding that sick as a dog dude i was like right oh god i'm gonna die
3: yeah and that style supercross track is what we started when we were 12 you know started riding that yeah. at 12 years that's old that's why i so was asking you're out there in the 80s or in the novice yeah, class trying to blitz whoops it you know at 12 years old was awesome <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: so all right 99 2000 you win those titles
3: how do you get connected with Yonder group. So 2000, uh, there was a MXGP in uh, Broadford, Australia. That's right. Um, 500 GP. Okay. Um, I was really fortunate. I turned. I think back in those days, you had to be, I think, 18, 18. to ride a 500. Okay. Um, and I think the week it w- it was the week after my birthday, so I was able to race it. Um, otherwise, I w- at first we were kind of like, "I'm not old enough to race it." Um, so yeah, I turned. I raced a 4.26 maybe back then. I think I raced a Yamaha 4.26. Probably. Okay. Um, anyway, I did, I did okay. But I wasn't the Australian standout. Like McFarlane hole shotted and led most of both motos. Um, Bernard was second, third, fourth for both motos. So those guys kind of like went on to the world stage and that they were it. I went, I want to say I went like 8, 9, 10-ish. Um, in one moto and then the second moto it rained and I think I was maybe like 11th, 12th, 13th. Um, so kind of like right around like the, the, the eight through 15 range is where I finished. Um, and yeah, didn't get good starts like those guys. So kind of had to earn my spot more than, you know, get out front. Um, anyway, long story short, uh, Andrew gets offered the Cowie ride um doesn't really want to do that takes the Yamaha ride so he went to Europe and rode for Renaldi. um then they offer that ride to Berner Berner doesn't really want to go to Europe because he has a friendship and you know relationship with Emig so he signs with Emig so then it basically leaves uh leaves a spot open at Kawasaki and Group. being Group, GL probably actually knows him even more than I do was just renowned for finding talent you know and taking risk well him and Mitch um, used to talk on the phone about
2: that stuff like yeah. where where's the next guy that nobody's looking right now and yeah that's what that's what they told me the one time was they were always looking for because you know in Europe you know who the good French guys or you know the Italians you know they're all right there
3: in front of you but like those guys always said somewhere out there is someone of the yeah. Talent and I got to find him. So I get this random, I don't even remember what, I, I, we didn't have email back in those days. Um, facts. It was like, a, my contract got all done on facts, 100% on facts. But I don't remember how I, the communication started, like whether it came through Kawasaki Australia, and then they reached out to me or what. But
0: And you were, that was the year you ran for Yamaha. Yeah. And
3: okay. then, so I get this random call, um, you know, from this Dutch guy, hey, this Dutch guy wants to talk to you, runs Kawasaki factory team and i'm like oh yeah factory team whatever i didn't really want to go to europe want to go to america you know like kind of just whatever and then i just thought man you know what like no one's taking my phone calls like nothing no one's taking notice of me in america so i need to go and make a, make a name for myself in europe because a lot of the french guys get to go there so maybe if i go and compete and beat the french guys then maybe they'll yeah. notice of me yep. um Anyway, long story short, he offered me. It's so funny. He offered me eighty thousand US, uh, which from twenty five thousand Australian, I'm like, dude, you I'm were rich. Yeah. This is it. Life. I could retire at that point. <laughs> oh.
2: And uh, I got that. Do you remember the first time you was, looked at the cont- You see dude, the numbers? Awesome. Did you do a little was, happy dance?
3: It was eighty thousand US, which is what I remember most, just because US was like yeah, yeah. All of so a sudden, much when, more. when you're talking US you dollars, it changes talking, the game. It does. And then I had like it was like twenty thousand. Dutch, whatever it was, Gilders. Uh, was it guilders? Dutch guilders, yeah. Twenty thousand Dutch guilders, which don't even know what that man. <laughs> that was about uh, ten thousand US for the uh, for food money for the year, and they were yeah. going to supply me a van and a camper. Man, I'm like, dude, where do I sign? Yeah, let's do this. And then uh, so I I did it. I I jumped on a plane. Um, I jumped on a plane to Japan, and as you guys have all been to Japan, you show up, you go from an airport to a train station. And I'm like, how do I find this guy? (laughs) I'm like, like there's just thousands of people, and here I am, you know, with my OJO bag or Fox bag, whatever it was back then. And next minute, I see the tallest (laughs) human. (laughs) <laughs> than if I've ever I seen in my life in this Kawasaki jacket. And I'm like, that's my guy. <laughs> that's <yeah. Is laughs> that's your guy. I I was say, he, he was tall? He was like six, six, six. Oh, seven. I had to have been. He was massive. He was a big boy. Oh, I didn't know he was that yeah, tall. He, he was, big was so tall. Yeah. Anyway. And then, yeah, he so, stood out like a sore thumb. So that, that, was my, that, was my first, uh, that was my first experience of real factory. You know, And I would say even more than the U.S. The U.S., you get factory and it's legit. But... Europe is factory factory. Yeah, yeah. You, there's no rules. Well, there's, there's no, no production no, rules. There's so. no rules, you know, like, um, and then obviously... Well, there are you rules, know, but not And Ricky rules. was a big part of Kawasaki in 2000, 2001. Yeah. And so, like, you know, like, I remember just, like, we were doing, like, this test, and it was a KYB and an Owens test. And in all honesty, the, the Owens was way better. Owens has some good stuff. And then, but I was just like, I don't know how Owens is going to be on Supergrass. I'm gonna go KYB. I'm like Ricky races KYB, <laughs> you know, and Meanwhile, it's just so you're funny. Up for a GP. I fully, I fully made my decision 100 percent just on <laughs> oh. the, on the cool factor. And, and let's factor in you're living in Holland, which is deep sand. So it's got nothing yeah. to do with Supercross. Nothing. It, well, actually, in the test we were in Japan, and uh, and I remember, and the the fork, front fork was horrendous. Even to back up a little bit, we whatever the 2000 bike was. They had gone back to racing. Um, Ping, you might even know this because you kind of were. That was more your errors. Uh, Fro was struggling, right? Couldn't go through the whoop saves life. So they, Larry, well, Larry was Ward, was us so, so they, so he, they, yeah. they went back to the ninety nine chassis, uh-huh. and so that was my first experience at eighteen years old of like, wow, like you tested something that you could really go that made a difference mm-hmm. like i ride this bike and i'm like it's factory bike you know you're kind of like mm, it's pretty damn good you know like it's fast it does everything that you want it to do i got 18 people around me to tell what's it doing hey it does this and that somebody throws shit at it and whatever anyway and then they had like, and it literally was two bikes one with a little duct tape thing with a one on it and like this big and then a number two on it and then we go through and we probably do an hour or so and they're, all right we want you to ride this bike Take the suspension off. That was the only thing they did, the suspension off onto that bike. And immediately I'm like two seconds faster. And it, you could feel it. And at 18 years old, really, really fresh, not the experience that I have today. And I'm just like, that bike is badass. Yeah. And I just, that was one of the memories that just stands out. And I just remember, I'm like, wow. You know, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's what Ricky's racing. I'm like, perfect. That's what I want.
0: <laughs> you could have just said that from the beginning. Yeah. And we, would have, we didn't have to ride. Yeah. Why didn't we go with, with the Ricky bike at first? Why <laughs> didn't we go with the Ricky bike first? Do you have anything that McGrath rode? No? Oh No. no okay. No.
3: <laughs> so, yeah, that was my my experience. and 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 it's funny because, like, as many factory race teams as I've been on, I've never gone to Japan and tested. Hmm um other than that that time. So I I'm really kind of like I cherished that moment because it was a and because I was so young and so raw like it it's something that's like stuck stuck oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, Larry called that bike a
0: career killer. <laughs> he he just he said even Ricky could yeah, no one could ride it. it whatever the issues were. Yeah. Um it was not good. No. Nope. So, who went over to Europe with you? Uh just Ellie, you and Ellie? Yeah,
3: so just me and Ellie. And you guys um, were not married then, right? No, we're both 18 years old ellie finished school at the end of 2000 um you know so she would finish high school uh, 12th grade and then was basically you know she wanted to be a an um uh, you know an early childhood teacher um so she would it was accepted into university and basically long story short um you know my family was kind of like they couldn't go and so they kind of like they give you these choices you know like you're looking and like oh what if i this guy you know like i'm picking my best friend from high school i'm taking okay i'm now i'm taking an old racer that might be able to help me on the racing side of it and and eventually i'm just like dude like i don't want to go spend time like i don't think it's it's weird that i think at 18 years old i made these life decisions where i'm like at 18 years old i don't know that it's a great career move to take my best friend from high school, (laughs) you know, like, at the end of the day, we are 18 years old, we're going to a a country, and anyway, somehow, I'm just like, you know, Ellie and I were, you know, we're really close, I was spending time around her, and um, I was like, man, I want to take Ellie, Um, asked Ellie, she was like, yep, I can, you know. Obviously, you guys were serious at this time. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) As serious you can be at 18 years old. At 18, I mean, you don't really know what. But I mean, you like, you
2: probably, <laughs> like you thought, this is probably the girl I'm going to marry, was, right? I no, I mean... I, were you too young to think that? I've, I think it's
3: racist. We don't think about marriage that much. We're just like... Hey, 100%. Can you no, wash my I, boots I, and goggles? I've got to go women For the women watching, and if my wife watches this, but I mean, it's like, yeah, you don't... like Men don't think about marriage at that age, I don't think, races really. are you also know? a little selfish indirectly. Super selfish. But all I knew was like I liked being around her. She was my friend. She would, you know, she had my back. Um, it was easy. Um, you know, like we didn't, like we didn't battle, we didn't yeah. fight. Like it was kind of just one of those things where I'm like, it just felt right. So yeah. then I'm like, I asked her and she's like, yep. Yeah. And then she asked her parents. Her oh. dad was a pro footballer. Um, you know, that actually got to spend some time in England. Um, so, you know, so he'd kind of like gone gone and he's her, uh, her mom and dad had kind of done that long-distance relationship thing, and um, anyway, heard they basically that side of the family was always like, "Hey, she can defer university for one year. If it works out, then hey, it's great. If it doesn't work out, she can come back and do university." Um, and they
0: were cool with her going, huh? Yeah, they were that's, super
3: cool. That's pretty heavy. Think about that. Your then daughter. comes my conversation with my mom and dad. Oof, okay, that didn't go so clear, but. Yeah, I mean, still to this day 20 something years later. Um, yeah. that's that's the problem between m- my family and I, literally. Oh, really? Yeah, there we, was, there was a little jealousy. Yeah, yeah, just just weird weirdness, you know, and I and I I get it as a father, but then I really don't get it because as a father I thought, you know, once I had kids, maybe I would understand it more. But then I think as I had kids it doesn't make more sense even even less well i could see them being concerned wanting you to make the best decision to have the best chance to succeed but you did yeah what's there to be salty about? right so anyway long story short she her and i went two suitcases each and off we went and you know you have lived that life but i mean hmm. as an 18 year old girl that's never been away from her mom and dad and everything like that and we went to uh, Italy, I think it was. Uh, we're in Italy because obviously it's the only place in the winter that you can test.
2: That was south of Spain
3: or south yeah. of France. So, and we we had chosen. So just just wet, miserable, colder days. And, and she's running out of underwear and clean <laughs> stuff. And she's just like in this camper van. And she's just like just loses her shit yeah you know? what have i done she's just like what have i done you know and, and and i had the pressure because like here i am my family doesn't really support my decision so now i now, for me, like, it's like, I'm going to make this work because Come hell or high water. <laughs> I'm going to yeah, prove you yeah. wrong. Um, but, yeah, it was it was funny, you know. But then she just... Did you talk her off a ledge or what happened with yeah, all Yeah, we had to talk her off a ledge yeah, a little bit. Everyone gets
2: homesick. Oh, 100%. Even I, I got I'm, homesick. I cried you know? myself to sleep. So, yeah. I mean, and, and I'm not a girl, I'll admit it. But I cried myself to sleep a few times. Yeah. I'm like, why, why did I sign up for this? This is not what I wanted, <laughs> well, actually. Maybe it makes, you know, maybe that was a good choice because you were friends, you...
0: You know, she's your girlfriend, so that helps. Like, you're not over there horny and lonely, <laughs> which is a, a really <laughs> terrible <technical> combination.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, he was, he was still horny, he just wasn't lonely. <laughs> but, I mean, maybe that helped you get through that, you know? It, we did, and I think... Uh, and you just, like, I feel like that's how you even still today, like that was the core of the building of the relationship, yeah. you know, and both oh, of yeah. us, you know, both of us had never paid bills before, never knew what cell phone bill was and, you know, all these things that you hadn't lived that you, alone you, when you went. Yeah. There. Like I, you know, she lived at home. I lived at home. Uh. You'd like, the first time leaving was going to Europe and trying to live. And back in those days, the, the borders weren't open. It wasn't the yeah, European community. Yeah, you had to community. stop everywhere. You had to have all the different... Visas. Uh, where, as an Australian GL, I'm yeah, all right. So <laughs> I mean, we're, not,
2: we're not wanted <laughs> in many places. He's a Saffron. Still, you don't do this life. Still yeah, they don't yeah. want yeah. you in many places. Dude, having, I didn't, having a South African passport is like having a criminal record. Yeah. You flash that green thing, <laughs> and they're like, all right, get out of the car. Full cavity search.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we just we did it and I think that she just found her role, you know, like she kind of just really just threw herself at it and, and gave it everything and that's probably what I probably respect most from what she did is that just, she didn't like, it wasn't like, ah, oh, this is hard or I don't understand it, like she just really she she learned the sport from the core up, you yeah. know um, and I think that she's she's one of few wives that, are, that have achieved that um, and probably why we're still here today yeah. you know and not afraid, afraid to put you in your place too. Not, not okay at all. so <laughs> i i, I want to ask you about ellie
0: um, because i've never seen somebody so brutally honest you ever seen that uh, beginning scene of jerry Maguire, <laughs> where tom cruise and his wife they're like we're doing brutal honesty and she's just like letting him have it yeah that reminds me of ellie like i feel like if you ride bad Man, there is zero sugar coating. She lets you have it. Or if
3: even still just this past weekend my heat race was horrendous and she's just I saw your frustration Ooh. after the finish line. And I don't know if my frustration was maybe because I knew Ellie was gonna be at the truck. <laughs> <laughs> well they showed her in the stands. You if you could have signaled if, her, you yeah, should have yeah, said to stay. Just stay. Just stay, stay. Just stay there. <laughs> yeah. I'll catch you afterwards. <laughs> but yeah, I mean she's just yeah, like she's in sugar. Coating. But she also,
2: if you if you if you take a step back, you gotta go, okay, she theoretically gave up her life or career for you. So one, there's a commitment and two, I think, I I saw a little bit with my dad or anyone that's invested that's living through you in a sense when you fail, it's like we fail. Mm. You know, like they feel the, it, it trickles down. So I think for her at times, I looked. I'm like, I get it. You know, she's she no, did I, give up a lot.
3: I get it. And she and
2: softened up a little bit. Has yeah, she? <laughs> little bit. I what? just. This was years ago, but I saw. I just
0: was walking through the pits and ha- happened to catch her letting in you, there, letting like you have one. I was the, like, oh, I would shit. say like
3: the early like the Ricky James days. Oof, I remember Rough.
2: when I was at Pro Circuit a couple of times. I came to you, over to Yamaha to chit chat, <laughs> and I was like. Yep. I'll come I'll come back. <laughs> I'll come back. Not worth it, but nothing that important. Nothing that needs to interrupt this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: I so mean I, I don't see the good times at home where things are good or yeah, where yeah. I just saw that little snippet and I was like, Whoa. This that, chick is But gnarly. I think that's
3: also the professional side, meaning and the, pretty at the gnar- race. The gnarly thing is is she can turn it off. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah, like it it's you know, business is business and it's that you know, like we're in that together, I think. Yeah. And and she knows like I don't at this point you don't really need to say anything cuz I already feel it right but she feels the need sometimes <laughs> to <say it. laughs> see I, I had my dad for that
2: like I, half the time I'm like I, I would come with a track. I, I know I wrote like crap but I just don't want to
3: freaking hear you it You right don't want to hear it and I, and I got to a point where you just kind of like you you tell her like I'm like okay I get it I fully get it yeah. like but it's just not there you know and she she respects it okay. that's good you know
0: I mean whatever you guys are doing is working so I just I thought it was Really unique. I've never seen a relationship like that where, you know, you see like Matilda and Marvin, right? Yeah. She would never. She's much more soft-spoken. I, think yeah, she, I, I, I was about I've to say. I've seen her red, Marvin. I've seen it. Really? I've couple I of times. I bet you
3: that. I bet you. Marv. I think she just
2: does it more mm-hmm. secretively. Yeah, yeah. Ellie will just walk she's up and roll She's a new generation. She's just new generation. Yeah.
1: She learned a, she's little a bit. Cla- <laughs> she's, a, she's, a, she's a closet screamer. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost Ellie,
3: scarier. Ellie, there's no fucks given. It's just there. She'd be in the pits. Autograph, Tony.
1: Chad, you
0: son
4: of a bitch.
2: She lets you have it. Uh, that's funny alright well maybe no he- that's what I was gonna say there are other people that have those relationships where there, and I think Matilda's
3: another good one I it's think right. Matilda's a, a perfect because
2: she left with Marvin she's yeah. part of you know it's a team effort she's in there but I watched and her and you can see Marv. like
3: you know like even just from the social stuff that you see it's like she's She's in invested it. Yeah, she's yeah, in oh, it yeah. she's at the yeah. test track she's yeah. you know she's doing the the pit boarding at times and things like that and yeah. and it's that what's the same thing sh- that bond that you have and you know you know when it's right and wrong and you know when you did good Well, she helps him be a better athlete just yeah. like i think ellie helped you be a better athlete totally. you know you need that right. support
2: program as well okay so you go to europe how's that bike
0: was it just like what you test in Japan? Yeah, yeah. it was
3: awesome. It actually got better. Um, you know, like I would say that the KYB suspension that I chose for Supercross <laughs> wasn't amazing on <laughs> motocross. And it definitely was a progression. Yeah. Um, but with that progression was probably like would be one of the most influential parts of my career. of what Like where I learned, okay, I'm young and dumb. But at some point, like I can't ride this bike fast for you know, 40 minutes, I think they were, 40 minutes 40 plus, plus two, two. Um, you know, like Mikel Sean. like, I, I need help, and so with that, um, I just had a, you know, Jan de Groot was so awesome, you know, like, he just kind of, like, took me under his wing, and and I would, you know, like, he kind of, he taught me communication, you know, like, I think of my upbringing, and it was, you know, dad, dad just knew what to get out of you by saying it, and and, and at a young age, you know, you could overcome the lack of support on a motorcycle and the handling and things like that. But at a certain level, when you get to the point where you know you're, everybody's more even, you know, you're, you're becoming more yeah. of an adult. Um, it's all the little things that then it's a game of inches at sure. that point. Yeah, correct. So then I <clears> learned, I learned that phase really, really well. It was a great platform for me to learn that. And and when I think about the big picture of like you know Australia, Europe, America. I really wasn't ready for America, you know, like America and Gio, you could probably experience this. Sure, sure, sure. Like America is so different because it's the glitz and the glam and it's the love and the hate and it's the, it's, you know, it's the heckling. It's the, you know, like everything's bigger. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I learned a lot of the core cool things that, that I see people, you know, like your, your Dan Reardon's, um, who else has come? Your Jay Marmonts. You know a lot of the Aussies. My cousin—they missed that step, and mm. you see that they're here and then they're gone. They're not. It's not sustainable. You yeah. know. Like I just think that I was really fortunate that I got to kind of get my feet in a platform that was big. Much bigger than I'd ever experienced in Australia, but not America big. Um, too big of a bite just to jump straight here, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I it, think and so. Not bike, nothing. No, too big of a bite. A like, bite, yes, 100%. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's just racing a dirt bike. If you're destined to be a dirt bike racer, I don't care where you do it. Racing a dirt bike is racing a dirt bike. Mm. But it's the little things. Like, the little things that I had to learn once taking on Ricky Carmichael in 03, 04, and then, you know, me going from the rookie to then Ricky's biggest competitor, and then suddenly it's only you and Ricky, and, um, or me and James, it's just, it, it's different, you know, life changes, yeah. you know, and I, I'm a huge MotoGP fan, and I see this because I, and I mention it because you talk about, like, a Mark Marquez, very personable guy, loves to just go to commercial flights out of Spain, you know, live a very normal life in Spain. And then he kind of was always like, I don't understand why, you know, like in a negative, he would be like, I don't know why Bali takes private flights. I don't know why Valley's so private. Quickly, that changed. Now he only flies private. Now he's very locked down in Spain, um, you know, and, and you just don't foresee that happening to you, and it does. Um, so, I was really thankful that I learned a lot of those things in Europe, you mm-hmm. know, like I think that when I came here, I had, I could kind of hit the ground running. More tools uh, in your toolbox to manage yeah, 100%. what was well, coming. Well,
2: there's yeah. another aspect too, America has such a strong amateur program, like you alluded to, five, six-year contracts, all this money. When the manufacturers invest so much in these up-and-coming kids, they're not going to take a chance maybe on a foreign guy, unless they know that guy's the real deal. So you have to almost prove yourself some way, shape, or form to get your foot in the door, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was his GP results that got his, it was my GP title that got the doors open here, so I think there's also that aspect, it's just harder to just come here and go, yeah, give me a contract, pay me money, and Mm -hmm. I'm going to do well, when they've got all these kids that they've groomed and invested a lot of money, so they're going to stick with those kids where they know what they're dealing with. You know, that's saying, better the devil you know than the devil you don't.
3: Look at a current situation, you know, like when the Florida GP or whatever it was, was 2017, I think, the first time we came to the US, Hannah Lawrence won that day. Um, No, it was RJ. RJ Anderson. Hampshire? Hampshire. I think RJ won the next year. Oh, was it? The first one, I think Hunter won or Hunter did. I want to say Hunter won. I'd have to go back and look at the odds. Um, but anyway, music. Hunter did. Really, Hunter did really well. Yeah. yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and they were on Suzuki's. They worked out at JGR, and it's like everyone's like trying to sell. Like you know, hey, like these kids are going to be good. He has a younger brother, you know, the J Burn, and it's like, nah, we're good. You know.
2: Sure.
3: <laughs> Three years later, look. Mm-hmm. You know, I bet your JGR was quite. Wish that they. I think Freddie Narn was a better pick. <laughs> no, I'm yeah. just kidding. So it just that didn't go out well. <laughs> But it's I'm just, just
2: saying, cut that out, Donnie. You, 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 you close the door somewhere, and then
0: yeah, you you, you know you deal with what you get. Well, and the other things that you picked up over there, learning how to test. You know, if you had just jumped over here, and they're expecting you to tell them what you want a bike to do on a supercross track, you'd yeah. be like,
3: yeah, you've got to learn to communicate. And so and like, share with so the when I came them. here, like I felt like I was, you know, though I was the rookie, and everybody looked at me as this new kid coming to America at 19 years old, like I already had quite a. Mm you know, quite a resume, mm-hmm. um, quite a lot of experience. And so I was quickly able to kind of just be more independent, um, you know, kind of know what I needed out of a motorcycle and, and working with YRT at the time. Um, everything just kind of worked, you know, like... Well, and times are still changing because even back then,
0: it doesn't seem like that long ago, at least to me, my old right. dirt, but YouTube wasn't what it was. Social media wasn't around. So... It wasn't, that, yeah. It how was do you know about a kid named chadry in, in australia you know you just don't hear Well, about that's him. why now it's changing
3: so the first time i came to america was 99 i did a a goat breaker race in in vegas um and then we were staying on through new year's and christmas and then uh actually just new year's i think and then doing um uh anaheim one in san diego um I come up short on this massive triple, biggest triple I've ever seen in Vegas. And then uh, I missed Anaheim and raced San Diego. Um, But it's funny because at that point, uh, I was a Suzuki kid. We come over here. um, You know, I had, I think it was basically like Dave Feeney, Harpo, basically telling Rog, you know, like, Rog, like this kid's pretty good. He's from Australia. Um, He's 16, 17 years old. Rudge, typical Rudge, just, ah, uh, you know, did yeah. no, nothing. They give me this piece of shit Primal Impulse dino bike, which was probably one of your dino bikes yeah, that you had. Yeah, probably. The one that didn't work very well. <laughs> yeah. And so I get this 125. Um, here I am going racing 125, didn't really ever race it. And then, uh, anyway, I I did quite well. I won my afternoon qualifier. I did decent in the heat. And then I was up front in the main and crashed. Um I remember the track actually in San Diego. It was the first time I'd ever seen it. it was a, It was a, like you'd jump down the Gatorback, turn, and then you'd go up the Gatorback, like off to the thing. And uh, Casey Lytle got squirrely, um, landed on a Tough Block, and it come on the track, and then I hit the thing cartwheel, and I think I finished 17th in the main. Huh. Um, I don't remember that track.
0: I, I would have been racing that night,
3: but mm-hmm. I don't remember. That, that was track. when uh, the YRT boys were crushing it. They mm-hmm. just kind of. Casey, like, Johnson. Casey and Johnson, and Lytle. I think they won the first. Two, three races. Casey was killing it. Yeah.
0: So, that year in the GPs, you
2: won Lyrup?
3: Yeah. Lyrup. 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 Just
2: helping
0: you out. Yeah. No, I don't know. And so, so when that track is
2: the... You know, people say Southwick Sandy.
3: Oh. It's a hard pack. It's it's a hard pack compared to Lyrup. Yeah. So, were you a sand guy? What's special... I considered myself a sand guy. Well, you said in Perth in the sand race, you smoked your cousin. I grew up, like, really comfortable. Like, I would actually consider myself a good sand rider. And then I show up at Lommel. And I'm 11 seconds off of uh, Smet and uh, Ebbets. Yeah. A lap. A lap. (laughs) A lap. And I'm like... And I, I was and, 28 uh, seconds the hey, first time I went there. Off hey, the and so then Jan de Groot's like, oh, I, you know, like he's kind of like he's pretty. Hey, you gotta, you know, like these guys are really good in the sand. I'm like, God, yeah, I think I'm pretty good too. <laughs> and then we go out there and dude, and he tells me 11 seconds. I'm like, this fuck is fucking with me, you know. Like, and then I'm like, really? Like, I'm asking my mechanic. I'm like, my 11 seconds off? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> and I'm like how do you bridge 11 seconds i've said that same thing and, a like, million and times. i'm thinking of, i'm little legit think i'm out there like crushing it just dude dude you know just like you know lommel and anyway so then i'm like kind of like oh, okay that doesn't really but i think i can turn it up a little bit you know get in behind Smets. just goes i'm like yep not didn't see anything <laughs> and just i'm like oh my gosh all right we got some got some work to do you couldn't see like what he was doing he was just, oh, just gone
2: just gone. there's something about those sand tracks that once you figure out, figure it out you can find in one lap a bunch of time because you start riding the track different instead so of hitting different. the base of everything
3: yes. you're like kind of blitzing and skimming so uh anyway so then i start out and then um that's maybe february march and then through the year, I live in Lommel. So then I, I ride Lommel a lot. Um, my favorite track at that point was Honda Park, Almond. Um, I loved that place. Loved it. Just the dirt. It was sandy. And then a little
2: cafeteria. We'd always go yeah, get like a little sandwich always, afterwards yeah.
3: and chill. And it was just like, dude, and the tracks, you know, like it was such a different lifestyle, you know, like Aussies are definitely much more like the US, you know, get up early, sun comes up, it's beautiful weather for the most part. You know, depending on where you live, where I lived, it was always nice. Um, Lommel. The sun didn't feel like it didn't come up until 10, 30, 11. Until <laughs> April. <laughs> you know? And then yeah. tracks didn't open until 1. Oh, really? At to that let point. It defrost. I'm <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was just funny this having to relearn a culture and, new and schedule. everything like that. New schedule. So what would um, you do? Like bike in the morning or gym or? Yeah. Just basically uh, where we lived, um, I lived at uh, a guy called Johan um mm-hmm. Lived at his apartment, which... You know, a lot. So many people. GL probably lived right there somewhere. Um, I lived in the ha- has- Caroli, household. Karoli lived in my uh, apartment after me. Was oh, that right? Um, so yeah, like we were just basically right. We we're on the border, so like yeah. basically the street that we were on um, is like where I was. We were in Belgium, and then like literally less than half a mile, and it was into Holland. Mm. Um So yeah, I would. I would just ride, ride, and ride, and ride, and ride, and ride. And that was probably what Jan, probably why he took me under his gun, because I was just like, dude, I would just never give up. Just ride. I'd be like, well, let's go ride. You want to ride again today? am like, yeah, we're going to ride. And just I would just keep going and going, and to the point where, like, I told him at the beginning, I'm like, hey, you probably need two practice bikes. Nah, you're fine. Just, you know, whatever. Okay, we're going to build you two practice bikes. Yeah. And then, so just, like, all the little things that he you know, like he fully supported, like when he seen that I, like, there was nothing that he could do that I wouldn't be willing to do or try. Um, he just kept giving it to me, and just I just kept going and learning. And, um, I remember going, uh, Dunkirk, I think is the track, yep, it's it's in a, France it's by the beach by the oh my gosh, yeah, I just hey, uh, you talk about uh, uh, I'm talking like the track was. Maybe I didn't even remember. It felt like it was. You an could piece minute. it together. I feel like it was an eight-minute lap, but it was probably a three-minute lap. Is it still there? Yeah, I think it's okay. still there. It's just like nasty sand. I think whoops, a lot of the they just a lot of the beach tracks. race guys go and test. and test there. Okay, and so we go there. They were like, "Yeah, we're gonna go red sand. All right, cool. We're gonna go red sand." And I'm talking one lap kills your back, like my back, and I couldn't stand up anymore. <laughs> and I'm just like. Um, dude, it just brings back pains, actually. I was just thinking about it. My back just started hurting again. Hold on, let me crack my back real quick. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just like, I I don't know that I can do this. Like, literally, I could only go one, two laps. But the best thing was, is Mikel Bichon was there, and he was faster than me, but he was doing two laps. So I'm like, all right, if I can make two laps, then I'm at least equaling what Mikel was doing. And that was it. And I'm like... And it was just the gnarliest thing. And I'm just like, okay. And then that was it. And then I kept like, I'm like, I want to go back there. And he's like, you want to go back there? And we're just destroying bikes. And I'm yeah. like, no, I'm going to conquer this thing. So anyway. Did you get to where you could do motos I, there? Yeah, I could do motos. And, and at the end of the year, I could go I could go to Lama. I could go to Honda Park. Um, and I could throw down with Joel and, and, you know, and Stefan. And I was on pace. And then we go to the gnarliest sand race that we had at that point in time. Maybe ever. I mean... Lommel's probably gnarlier as far as sand. Different.
2: Yeah, they're a little bit different.
3: Like, different like Lommel, riding. because you
2: got some of the slower turns, whereas Lyra is a little more high speed, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's kind
3: of like, just picture this track that just, like, winds through the woods, and it was brutal, just gnarly, just endless. Like, I'm talking, I come to this track, and everybody's talking, it's the gnarliest track, and I'm like, okay, cool. Or, you know, what, I, I feel what, like I'm... It was smooth when you started, right? Steamrolled. Yeah. yeah. I'm well, I got, I got this. straight up steamrolled. Like, I'm talking, they rolled it. Yeah. I'm like... All right. My first practice, because I was, like, the second one on, because it was back in those days, it was the first year that they went 125, 250, 500 on the one day. It was just one motor format. Okay. Um, and so I got out there, and I'm, like, and just ripping lines. And then I come out for my second practice, and I'm, like, what happened? Where are we? <laughs> Where are we? It deteriorates quick. It's Yeah, really fast. And then, uh, anyway, I, I, I won the race. I beat Mikel, called him, passed him um and rode away and i was just like it was like that was that pretty was cool awesome. i only won yeah. one gp but it was it was worth it i won it was the, the, the gnarliest one it, was one. it, the it wasn't one, the right? gnarliest i think it was like the second or third to last okay. one yeah. Huh. yeah what was he doing
0: that year that you couldn't catch him
3: i mean Michel was amazing Ma- rider michael was amazing i think that you you take i think as far as like if you put a category of like talented riders, you probably put Mikel at one of the toppest of that list yeah. of of in any anywhere, anywhere in the world. Um, I think that Mikel had a full head of steam. You know, he'd been fired from Honda, and you know, like US had pretty much wiped their hands on him. And so, I think you just seen a a very motivated, committed, back in his element on a very good team and bike. Um, and and I would I would be willing to bet that like just one of probably the best that you ever saw Mikkel, um which was awesome for me because I do not know that I lined up at round one thinking oh, I want to be world champ like it was my kind of like yeah I want to be good and yeah. I want to win prove but did I ever say oh, I want to be world champ this year when I'm thinking you know Mikel is I mean because Mikel was really the only one in the field that I ever looked at and was like Mikel Pichon because he was American really you know like he was not American but like he was you that he'd come over here and done it yeah. Yeah. yeah and I knew of him you know pit R- buyer I didn't really think much of um, he's gonna hate me for that <laughs> that's it, what I just it, love at it, the time <laughs> well no <laughs> I, I mean at the time if you ever wonder why hey, I've never J-Bone if, if you ever like wonder why either. I've never been a factory KTM rider I stole his ride from Kawasaki I kicked his ass as a rookie. <laughs> he hates me. Uh, <laughs> he's not going to get over that. <laughs> no. No, he's never going to no. get over that. Um, but anyway, it's funny that I talk about Pitt, but now he runs, you know, KTM. But uh, yeah, just like those guys, they didn't... Like, I knew who they were, but they don't. They weren't intimidating. Yeah. Where like, Mikel, you put him in a certain box. Two-time,
0: 125, Supercross yeah. champ.
3: You yeah, factory yeah. Honda guy over yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. So then, yeah. so it was like... And Macau was your typical European, just ridiculously fast for one lap in qualifying, and oh, that yeah. was probably the biggest thing like there was I would be second you know like I kind of like started out and rough and I way overtrained I rode in the sand and I got to the races, and I was smoked, and That's so I kind of yeah. had to find this like, this balance, this new lifestyle of, like, what I'm doing and the motives that I'm doing, like, they're actually taking it out of you because of, you know, how hard and taxing it was. And so, I had to kind of relearn this schedule of, like, my output versus recovery and all these kinds of things. And then, about mid-season, I started, like, being, basically, I was on the podium, you know, like, at worst, I was a third-place guy. Um, The hardest thing for me was qualifying, and still to do, today, it still is. Like, when it comes to just doing one lap balls out, it just like I still despise of it today. I yeah. fucking hate it yeah. and uh, and
0: it seems like the French guys specifically are really good at that
3: there was we went to this one track uh in Switzerland, and it was just the fastest, hardest pack racetrack I 've ever raced in my life. It's where Albie hit the deer R- rockenburg Rockenburg and. I uh, raced Twice. When you're coming down the hill, and it's like I'm talking, like you shift up two gears when you go off the jump because you, you know, you need the engine to keep up, and then you're just wide open all the way down. And, and I'm then, like, and then you this p- is
2: ridiculous. When we were there, I remember dragging my foot pegs, and the, the photographer had a picture. It's the first time I saw sparks the coming sparks off the coming the,
3: the foot pegs. And yeah. so I come in, you know, feeling pretty good about my lap, and Yonder Groot and Ellie and everybody are just like, go, and like I'm like that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't qualified. You know, here I am like a, a very regular podium guy, you know, second for the most part. And I wasn't in the top 40 or whatever it was back then. And dude, I, I know that feeling. And you're like, how is so this possible? Like, oh my gosh. So then I just go out there like a spaz, like just like trying to just like pin it. And dude, I qualified 38th. Is that right? And then I got a, I I crushed my start. I was second, third off the start and got second in the race. But, Dude, like was barely qualified and then finished second in the race. Well that was my issue when and I and I, I, st- I still struggle with it today. I was so
2: busy doing forty minute motos, I didn't qualify for my first two GPs. Yeah. And then I remember Harry Everett said, No point doing forty minute motos if you can't qualify. But it was true. I mean those guys could just lay down a lap and you're like, Oh my goodness, where did that come from? Yeah. I mean you've seen Porcel do that. There were several of these guys. They would cruise around, not even, even on the even, chart. Even Ferrandez does And then it even, does mm-hmm. do yeah. That. yeah, near the end of the uh, qualifying, I'm like, yeah, I'm fifth, you know, good gate pick. And then Dude. all of a sudden, the
3: fa- the go back to the pitch the last and like five, 10 French ten guys, throw it, and you're like, and, and time it's, to go get a banker in. It still <laughs> happens at Nations. Like, it's still, like, they're still the same. They just, they're a different breed when it comes to that's that. A, that's a specific skill. It really And is. those guys work and on they, they but it. But
2: they say the same thing about Americans on Supercross. Yeah. Like, that's gnarly. You know, but that's something
3: yeah. I think we've worked at and they just worked at other things. Yeah. Wow. So, how did the deal with YOT come about? How'd you get that sorted? So, obviously, <laughs> I'm I'm doing well. I'm podium week after week after week. Um. So, Prior to that, uh, I started doing some... Uh, Steve Ramon was my... Uh, I had Steve Ramon and Mikel uh Mikel and I were on the 252 strokes, and then uh, Steve was on the 125. Steve was just a really talented, useless test rider. And, and kind of didn't really, like have that mentality to want to just go grind it out. He's kind of pretty just, just smooth, soft. Well, he was my person. teammate when I was a rookie at
2: Harry Evans's team. Yeah. And when the first time I beat him, he came and yelled at me and his dad was <laughs> I'm like, what the hell wrong with these
3: people? <laughs> <laughs> he ended up telling them where to shove it. So, but they were different. Yeah, they were just a different they family from? for Belgium. sure. Belgium. Oh, Belgium. Belgium. Yeah, and so uh, so Yarn kind of like he's like, dude, whatever we throw at this kid, he would just do it, you know. So he starts putting me on 125 and I start testing. And, you know, obviously I was pinning, you know, 125 and I was fast. And so he he comes to me and he says, you can be champion. I'm like, all right, I'm second or I was third because I didn't take over second until like the last two rounds. I'm like, yeah, no, I probably think if I stay one more year, I said, but I don't really want to stay. I want to go to America. And he's like, no, I I want you to ride a 125. And I'm like, you lost me. (laughs) You know, like I'm I'm like, I'm out. And so... I told him. I said, "Look, I said if you get Kawasaki to agree to one year here in the U.S., I'll stay one more year on 250." I said, and then I'll go to your uh, to America and you and you guarantee me a spot on the factory Kawasaki 250 team. He's like, "Okay, I'll talk to Kawasaki. He Comes back. Bruce says no. I'm like, "All right, not surprised by that." But and I'm like, "Okay, well then, I'm out." You know? He's like, "You're gonna leave?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, but you can be world champ. I'm like, I don't, I don't care. Like, I'm. So you told him you were leaving before you even had anything lined up. Yeah. So then, uh, and then you know, within weeks, uh, Bobby Moore calls me, and you know, obviously, I knew Bobby in the name, so I'm kind of like, okay, that's cool. And um, but most of all, he was American, and he was calling, so I listened and uh, told me about the YOT ride, and I'm like, yeah, do it. Like, what what do you want? I'm like. What do you got? (laughs) This is what he got. Make me an offer. Make me an offer. And I signed my deal immediately and uh, finished out that year. Told Jan. And then. uh, And how did
0: Jan respond?
3: What was his. Was he cool? He was just. I think he. Jan was obviously a smart individual and he kind of seen that that I wasn't. He was really frustrated at Kawasaki. You know, like I think that in the big picture, he wanted, obviously, selfishly, he wanted me to stay and, and be in Europe. Yeah. Um, but more than anything, I think he, you know, also wanted the bigger picture and, you know, stay one more year, then stay in the Kawasaki family. Um, and then, yeah, Bruce didn't, Bruce didn't look at, you know, Well, anything.
0: again, and not to play devil's advocate for
3: Bruce, it's like, well, I, he's not over at the, the GPs watching you. But what you have to think is, let, let's look at the, the real timeline of it. You've got Ricky Carmichael. You've got James Stewart. Yeah. He's full. Ricky's there, winning. James is In coming, the coming yeah. the next year. Why would he take me? Yeah, and this yeah. pro circuit. Yeah, who indirectly yeah. they're Which, supposed you, to kind of take you, the top guy. You you know, you, few few calls, lights deep. You have the conversation with Mitch. Mitch is still fired up. Why didn't they ever bring it to me? I wanted you, you know, like and oh like, yeah, because I, I always give him a hard time that he never wanted me. I'm like, yeah, you didn't want me. It's all good. I kicked your ass on a Yamaha, you know, like I always fuck with him. It's awesome. Well, Yamaha at that time.
0: Yamaha of Troy and FMF Honda when they came in they were like throwing a lot of money at people yeah I don't know where where they were getting it if Yamaha was funding it but well I mean
3: YRT was a, a huge business at that point too you know flipper but must they must have yeah. been killing it because they he was well, guys well,
2: a lot. also too that that was a time when bike sales were kind of going through the roof mm-hmm. and everything was Bay ramping TVs up just, yeah
3: creation yeah. so yeah so. That, so
2: then I signed my YRT deal and
3: did you want a one-year deal with him did you or did they just only offer the one I only, uh, only wanted one yeah like for me like because Bobby actually wanted me to sign two years he's like hey you know like whatever and I'm like no I only want one and you know as an agent he's like no and he wasn't my agent at that point he, really, like, he was just like dude like you need to come and do two years I'm like but I don't want to write a 125 for two years yeah did Dan, they... you know you know and you know Bobby, but you know what <laughs> you had one injury, you get one. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm doing one and I'm done and I'm going up, you know. Huh. So just I don't know. I always had that thought process that I always, I always, I always gambled on myself, and that was, you know, and most of the time it worked out. Sometimes it didn't, but that's kind of what got me. To it's where impressive, I'm and I, I did, like I said, I, I knew the coming to the
0: U.S. thing, but like looking back through your career, you did it a lot. No, I don't want to ride. I'm
3: going straight to the T V D class. I mean, who the hell does that? Like, that's... It's crazy, but you made it work. Yeah, no, it was awesome. Wow. And, and again, and then, like, when you fast forward into that 2002, it's kind of like, I was really fortunate, you know? Like, I got to go and spend the summer with Tim Ferry, so I kind of learned from somebody that was seasoned, and my teammate was Villaman, and they are polar opposites in ways, so you're kind of like... I just left europe and so therefore i understood really and then you know yeah. timmy was yeah. very american you know learning Cut. that side good old of boy. it. good old boy so i just yeah i always had good people to look up to
0: i was really lucky were you given the option to ride the 125 or no it was you're riding the 250 that's or, that's the, For direction the
3: we're going. I was i was hired to ride a 250 okay um i didn't like it and we had issues you know bike cutting out things like that um the only time I did, there was a small opportunity of me switching to a 125 for outdoors. Um, and it was just like, it was splitting hairs, you know? Like, sometimes I could ride a 125 better, but um. for the most part, um, the issue we had is, like, obviously everything was so new, it was only new in 01, mm-hmm. um, was... We had a really fast bike, but it wouldn't last 30 minutes. So then we were basically racing, you know, Supercross, our bike was pretty decent. But in, in motocross, we were essentially just racing pipe and silencer right? suspension on our on our bikes because they, they would just grenade and break. So then, you know, I always wanted to be in the title fight. So then I was like, I, I'm the, I don't want the fast bike because it doesn't last. Yeah. So let's just ride, ride a stock one. Jeez. Well... You know, I'm always surprised to hear, you know, because I was out
0: '03 right before all that stuff happened. But Mitch is saying they were blowing bikes up when they went to two VDFs, like a lot, a lot, like all the time. (coughs) When they would, when Ivan or those guys would go back east, he's like, "All right, I'm gonna ship you five engines," you know, (laughs) and they'd go through them all every other ride. So it wasn't just you guys. I mean, that was just
3: the sport of the time. It was the sport of the time, and they were just. And I, I still don't think that we were pushing limits. I just think that it was so new that no one really knew what, yeah. what was happening. Well, it's kind of like, you know,
2: I heard someone explain one day, it's like Formula One. Just getting the car on the track is a feat. Mm-hmm. Then you go five laps, something breaks. You fix that. Then you get to 10 laps, something else breaks. You get to 20 laps. Yeah, lap. look
3: at So it's a progression look of... Look at Formula One in its first two years of hybrid v6 it yeah. was horrendous mm. one so, team could circulate yeah you, now it's like now they don't break at all you mm-hmm. know and, and it's kind of like where we're getting at in
2: yeah like, well a lot of that development was also done by japanese in japan and you know with all due it's respect funny that I they may not over they may not have had deep sand tracks they yeah. don't do supercross as much so it's different elements and you bring it here and you got hot humid outdoors mm. rip tracks all of a sudden everything's under stress it shit just, happens.
3: Yeah, yeah. I remember that I hated my 250, you know, like it just it was fun like to ride or whatever, but like it wasn't a, an enjoyable bike to ride. Was that that right? was, it was quite scary, like early generation four strokes. I remember looking at it, it just looked like a heavy pig. Dude, the kids that get ride four strokes and they only know four strokes, you, you kids got we fixed it all for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, hold on.
2: Hold on. They were, um. oh my
3: gosh, <laughs> 250, uh, four strokes. Even 450s 450s, they were so scary in the early generations. You know, like the amount of times I seen Timmy get carted off of practice tracks because the thing would misfire yeah. or seize or, you know, carburetor would blow off the thing. Like, it was so scary. Like, I was scared of four strokes, you know. Yeah. Like, when fast-forwarding one more year, like, when I signed my 252 stroke deal or my factory Yamaha deal... Uh I had an option, but it was very heavily pushed for me to write a four stroke. Is that right? And we did all the testing, all all up until one week before US Open and I kind of felt like I played the you know, I played the game. I'm like, okay, okay, we I don't Watch like this thing. It wasn't horrendous, but it just wasn't two fifty two stroke. Mm-hmm. They're like, We really want you to ride this thing. So then like they kind of threw the kitchen sink at it and we rode and rode and one day uh, there was like this, you back in the old, we didn't see him anymore, but it was like a, it wasn't a gator back, but it was kind of like a wave up, um, onto a tabletop. A and so you'd kind of like almost seat bounced onto the table and then off of it. And it did it, it bogged. Oh. I, I rode it straight through the fence at Yamaha. I put it on the thing. I said, I'm out. And from that day on, I said, I'm out. I'm not riding it. The next day, they bring the 252 Strike. I rode it for three days and went and won US Open. Yeah. And then they didn't complain. And that, that Yamaha, yeah. which is
0: kind of the platform for what they have today, that's a, that was a great bike, right? When When you got your – that
3: bike you rode that year. The what? 252 stroke. Oh, the 252 stroke yeah. is amazing. Amazing. Bike. Especially steel frame, you yeah. know. Yeah. Unbelievable.
1: Everybody talks that that's like the pinnacle I of think two, f- two stroke
3: McGrath's right there. 93, yeah. or what was it? 90,
0: 93, 93 to 95 Honda. Yeah. Yeah. And then that Yamaha. Yeah, the I would Yamaha. say
3: that they're, you put them in the same category yeah. like Didn't that. you say your 04 250 was your best bike you ever rode? If I could have my 05 engine, because 04 was the first year we went uh, unleaded. Oh. So, 04 engine wasn't great it was kind of like we it was a development phase of you know figuring out there was two different fuels back then and um, so figuring that part of it out um, so if I could have my 05 engine in my 04 bike I think that that's the, that the, the that's the combo wait <laughs> hold on
2: 05 sure. 05 you we went the to the
3: no 05 we raced uh, um, they went to the aluminum, aluminum chassis frame. yeah and it, we, the aluminum chassis was horrendous. so then was it 06 you went to the 450 06 we went to oh okay yeah, yeah. I <laughs> And it just...
2: I forgot. Do you the have, it? Do you have any of those bikes? I have
3: my O4 bike. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, I had to... It's 95% the real thing, but I had to build it from parts that...
1: That's the one that you showed last yep. year on a video. Into the yeah, end. yeah. So have, you
3: didn't get your YOT bike. No, I have my bike. YOT bike. They gave it to you? So, yes, I have my YOT bike, uh, and then I had to build my Yamaha, and then none of my Yam- Yamaha. So, oh, that's right. Yamaha didn't give you no. a bike. Keith has I remember 20 of them in his fucking chair.
2: Because when I saw my deal with Yamaha,
3: I had written in there a hand at the end. And All said, my contracts had it. Because I, I, and I, I never knew. And one. they
0: still never gave it to no. you?
3: Is that right? No. What, what's I got their, uh, Suzuki kind of screwed me into Like, Suzuki, Roger promised me the bike. And then you know, it was kind of like they, was, they were slow getting it. And then Roger left. And I'm kind of like, Roger, before you leave, like give me my bike. Ah, I will give it to you. <laughs> they didn't give it to me. <laughs> so, I don't know, maybe when I retire, somebody will give me my bike. Well, that... That, that was, was one, one I cool would thing. not hold your breath.
4: That I, was I would really,
3: <laughs> I'd be scared to ride it, but I'd, I'd maybe ride it on motocross. But I would, I would really like to ride my 08 bike again just to see. Our 08 bikes were pretty good. Other than them bogging, I really think kind of, yeah. chassis, turning, stopping was one of the better bikes that I've ever ridden. If you could have put FI, EFI on that, yeah. it would have been. Yeah. yeah. So backing up, you came
0: over here, you ride the two D F you win the Supercross. How was yeah, your, thanks, first, your first Supercross year, by the way?
3: Like, was that a... Was just I've made it to where I've been trying to get to. Yeah, it, it was weird just because, like... So I started out on West Coast. I do pretty well. I'm, I think I was, like, fourth, fifth in points. Yeah, you do like, it. Like, yeah. I was pretty good. And I'm kind of, like... In the back of my head, the whole time, I'm like, just do well. Because if you do well, they'll keep you on it, you know? And then eventually, like... During the week they're forcing me to go back and ride the lights bike and I'm like, it's not working out. <laughs> you know, like I'm going to have to race this thing because the, all they saw was the opposite. They're right. like, well, the if the you're doing good here, yeah. Yeah, you're going to win here. Yeah. And so we had very different, you know, thinking and, uh, and in that particular year Craig Dak had come over and was my team manager. So like it was a best case scenario for me, like as far as my comfort zone, um, my team manager was somebody who I know, knew very well. Um, you know, and and they they gave me the support, and and, and as I was doing really well, um, Yamaha bought in, and it, you know when you have the factory supporting you and you know backing, and every decision you made was kind of fast forwarded and okayed. Um, so I was really lucky that we would were able to do it, and then uh, showing up at the East Coast. I mean, it was Brownie and GL, so we. We I
2: was just looking the other day. I was putting some plaques up in the garage. And Devin goes, wow, you have a lot of second place trophies, Dad. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, two, oh, two, oh, two, oh, two. <laughs> Like,
3: Read one, I got second, and Brown was third. Read yeah. one, and I got second, Brown was third. But it was fun. and We I had was, a couple uh, battles. We had a lot of battles. We had uh, uh, New Orleans, I remember. We battled oh, really everyone, good. You passed me on the last fucking lap.
2: <laughs> God damn it. Why, why don't you off. tell us how you feel about it? Well, Barry Carsten was in the middle of the whoops, and the whoops were V'd out, and that wasn't my specialty, nor the KTMs, so I had to go through the V, and he was just going through there like he was looking for parking, and Chad just came through on the high line and blitzed by me, and I was just like, I yelled at Barry after the race, and he told me where to shove it, and I told him where to shove it, and uh, oh, I was like, because he'd kick my ass every weekend, and it was like, all right, next weekend we're going to get okay, next weekend, okay,
3: next, okay, and then that was the weekend, and I'm like, Dang it! It, But it was fun because, like, when I... Back, like, then it, GL and I lived close to each other. We were in, you know, and I think we had a lot in common in the fact that, you know, we, we weren't born here. We yeah. were out-of-towners. Um, you know, Ellie and I both got on well with him. And so, like, we were just, we were friendly off the track. And sure. we'd, we'd go to Lake Elsinore Supercross track back then when when it was open. And it was just fun. Like, that was probably, like, for me, like, when you when you look at where we're at today and you remember what we've done, like, they were the highlight years, you know? Yeah. Because you, you you had freedom, because you could, you know, we didn't have social, we didn't yeah. have, I didn't have, I, I wasn't who I am today, um, you know, not that I hate who I am today, but, you know, it's the core version of you, and you could be you. The you unrefined could, you, yeah oh, yeah. You know, like, there's, there's things that I have to do very differently, and things that I can do that are just different in the world that we live in, and I just, that was like the core of it for me, mm. like, that was... The simplified, most, right? It was, it was so pure. simplified. Yeah. You know, taking it old school, m- moving into Lake Elsinore at the bottom of the hill, and you know, GL being at the bottom, and then he moves to the top, and I'm like, God, I don't want to be like GL. I need to get a house <laughs> at the top. I need that big contract. And it's funny, it was still just Elsinore and Tuscany yeah. Hills. <laughs> yeah, Tuscany now we're like, Hills. we would never live but there. It. But there. Was a big difference yeah. the bottom of Tuscany, yeah, I get it, and the top of Tuscany. Yeah, sure, sure. And so just. I just think it was the funnest part of racing for me just because that and then, uh, you know, and then going to the races. And I mean, we personally, I don't remember us ever getting into it, but a lot of people were pretty furious about our battle at Daytona that year. Um, oh, you and I? Yeah, we yeah. kind of like. It wasn't even a takeout. It no. was like kind of like I we just went lost. for the same line. We kind of went for the same thing. I think I lost the rear, and Gio ended up cartwheeling. now what
2: we came out of the corner, yeah, and then were, the whoops were getting broken down. But we jumped for the same line, and somehow when I clipped your wheel,
3: it, it just kind of flipped the bike it. a little bit. And I'm, dude, people were like, "That was like that was kind of like the first like people can get real mad here, <laughs> you know? Like they can be pretty brutal." Yeah. Well, how did you view like how
1: did you view America like coming here and and how? the race fans were and everything. I mean, h- how did you feel about that?
3: It was all new. Like, I didn't, like, there was things I didn't understand, like, how, like, there was, like, because you're, you're taking it to a different level, you know? Like, this is the highest, this is the pinnacle of motocross, supercross racing in the world. And so, I had to learn that quickly and, you know, didn't know what Vital MX was, quickly learned that they would... <laughs> <laughs> keep the <laughs> <old> worries. Keep worries <laughs> that hate you. Uh, this... David Pingree guy who I kick his ass every weekend, writes shit in his <laughs> magazine about again? me. What you again? The Vegemite? The Vegemite what? eating something. I don't know. What, do you remember what you wrote? I don't specifically. <laughs> <laughs> we need to buzz it out. It was awesome. Uh, and so, like, you just learn quickly what what it's about, and you, you, you learn to embrace it at first. You kind of, like, you... But you get fans immediately, and then you have haters immediately, my, right? I was really fortunate. So Jeremy retired, and I think that for the most part, you know, Ricky was very much the guy who took Jeremy down. Um, and so people love to hate Ricky. And so it was definitely that. I was very fortunate that I came at a time as a non American, inherited the McGrath yeah. fans, because then I took it to Ricky uh, and kind I mean, of like I, I was kind of, of like, like as well. I was almost the golden boy, you know, and kind of like was foreseen as like, let's just love this guy because this guy, we don't want yeah. to love him. The and sports so of truth to yeah. that. And no, there's there's no, I'm truth. being very truthful yeah. because, like, people like they love me immediately. You know, like I, yes, I had my hate along the way, but for the most part, like I was very well received. Well, we also
1: have a love for Australia here, right? So there's also that we're more closer to Australia in terms of society than we are Europe. Yeah, like if you're French, that, you might uh, have right. been a
3: little different. <laughs> and I, th- but I think that, and I think that this is why I've been here and and still continue to be here and will be here for my life. Is that I embraced it from the beginning too, you know, like this was something, this was a place I wanted to live at, from when I was twelve, thirteen years old, and you finally make it here. Like I didn't come, I didn't complain about, you know, the concrete jungle and the traffic of California and all these kinds of things. Like I was like, dude, this place is amazing. You know, like I can do this, I can do that, and like I kind of like I looked at it differently, I viewed it differently than what people prior to me did, and I don't know that I consciously learned from them to make a different decision. I just thought that if I'm gonna be here and this is the life that I wanna live, then you need to embrace it, you know? Like, I, I yeah, I don't like sure. traffic, but everybody living here doesn't like it either, so it doesn't make me any different or I'm not yeah. exempt from it. So, I don't know, I, I feel like I embraced America right from the beginning and people bought into that. Um, I inherited a lot of Jeremy's side of side of it. Um, it was really not until like, 06, 05, yeah, more 06. Ricky took O four off with his knee, I and mean, it's kind of like when he came back, he came back to Suzuki, and it's kind of like Roger has such a huge influence on the how outcome think, yeah. and how they, you know, are perceived. I think. Yeah, yeah. And when Ricky came back, we didn't get a new version of Ricky. We just got we got told different things from Rick, you know, from Ian and Roger and the team, and so therefore there was this, you know, happier version of Ricky getting perceived to the world and um and then quickly it that rivalry well, also started to come around throw in james who people wanted to embrace you mm-hmm. know because he
2: was doing the sprinkling dominating the 125 so now fans have got choices and having to pick and choose and i think when you kind of said i'm here to take ricky down i think some people took that a little bit the wrong way too you mm-hmm. know like oh that was, you know that's arrogant i'm like what do you mean that's arrogant i'm like if he said something else, I'd be disappointed, you know, like <laughs>
3: that's a champion mindset. Yeah. Um, so I, I was really lucky that, that I come when I did. And, um,
0: I think it's a big, it's a big difference. You know, having watched a lot of European riders come over from over here, if you speak English, it, it, Americans like you better, right? There's sure. nobody from the UK that's ever coming to race supercross. It seems like, but Aussies, South Africans, we embrace them right away. If they, if they, uh, embrace our culture. We, well, we're, we're like you're I in. We like, like even, even French guys. Similar. I Look think Kenny
3: a Look perfect example. Cop. Kenny, Kenny, uh, Kenny, uh, Kenny Sebastian. Embraces, you know, Kenny embraces it, and you know, yeah. Though he has an accent. Marv too. Marv seems Marv to like, too. People like, people like he embraces Marv. it here. Yeah.
0: But uh, but uh, the sport was also missing uh, a protagonist. You know, Jeremy was leaving. You wrote a lot like Jeremy. Yeah. You you always tried to right like that. He was your. There's he was your guy. guy, for sure. And so, I think people spotted that right away. They spotted your talent. That you, you, you were American just with a funny
1: accent. Yeah. <laughs> also, right. people can see effort. And when they know for somebody sure. is, yeah. is yeah. putting in what you were putting in, they they also have that level of like, oh, man, we love this guy. He's yeah. going to put it to him. There's a lot of things that well, I think you yeah. put into it. I'll say this. I mean, I've had a lot of teammates over the
2: years. but. You know, and you hear people, and, and it's not a dig at anyone, but you know, like Rhino would tell you how hard he trained and how gnarly he was. Chad never really said that, but I tell you, I've said it many a time, I don't think there's anyone that's put the track time in that I've ever seen like Chad. Like there were days I was ready to leave and he was going to do like two more motos, and I'm like, I can't freaking leave. He beats me anyway at Supercross, and I, how do I leave when he's doing a bunch more? But. He wrote a shit ton. Like a mm. lot. GL's like, all right,
1: I, I'm out, Rudy. <laughs> dude, you, you want a pit border?
3: <laughs> but like, he wrote a lot. Like, that's one thing. The sun starts going down behind the mountain at and Yamaha track, a, and the track, and the track, Dirk, I'm like, that's the time to do the murders. <laughs> you hung around with bones too much, obviously. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. bones'
2: it's theory. Oh, moisture's the yeah. rising, <laughs> times are dropping. Mm-hmm. I'm like,
0: I'm done, dude. Uh, that summer. So you won the East Coast Supercross title, got second in outdoor title. But James was on fire. That was maybe the fastest I've ever seen anybody ride a
3: 125. I mean, we have a unique version of an, an athlete. You know, like, I mean, James James was the turning of the guard of, you know, a, a new style of riding, um, new generation. And he just, he just, he, he extracted everything out of that KX 125. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You I, know, take into account, like, they just, yeah, he just was good, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I. I struggled. There was points when you could match him. You could be as good. You know, like, there was a few motors that we beat him, but for the most part, the kid was just badass. You know, and um, and it was hard. Uh, I got hurt. Like I feel like right when it was, you know, as a rookie, him more than anything because he's the real rookie. You mm-hmm. know, like in the big picture, I don't look as myself as yeah, I'm a rookie, but I'm not. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't really foresee myself like I'm. The rookie, because I'd already, I was already yeah. a big bike champion. I was like, you know, like I kind of considered myself as a more seasoned guy. So you're kind of like starting to try to, okay, let's put this pressure on him, and you know, week after week after week, because he definitely had the moments where yeah. he'd throw it on the ground. Um, and then I dislocated my shoulder at Southwick. And then it yeah. just was so hard to come back from that, you know, like mm. to have the strength and whatever. And I think it was the next weekend or the, the weekend after that. And he, it was when he messed with me at Unadilla. Una that's what
0: I wanted to ask about. Like, how, yeah. what were your thoughts on that? Cause that's the one thing I remember from that summer in terms of like that championship. What, what I,
3: I, I mean, what I remember is just, God, the kid was so good there. You know, like just <laughs> everywhere though. He was ridiculous it, everywhere. But, 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 but in particular, speed sketchy you know, tracks, back in those days, really so, good. You know, those days we did the day before practice and it was, it was, I think, top 10, top 10, like top 10, 125, top 10, 250. And we'd all get to go and do uh, our practice together. And I remember him the day before just throwing down. And like, for the most part, making Ricky look silly.
2: Yeah, he was the fastest, you period. Know, he, was he, was the, he had the fastest time. He was the fastest. There and, and it's just the like, following
3: year at Bud's Creek, yeah. he was outright the fastest. And he just, like, in. you could tell. And it's like, here I am. I'm more taped up shoulder. <laughs> and I mean, if I'm 16 years old, I'd probably do the same thing too, you know? Like, you just, he, I, I look at it and laugh at it and think, man, it's badass. But at the time, it was like, cocky little shit. You know, <laughs> like, you wanted to kill him. I, get I mean, that. like, can you imagine? If, would you have ever even thought
0: to do that? Even if you're like, you know, you're faster. I, I, I mean, I've never done. It's yet. wildly I've, I've disrespectful. Messed, I like, think.
3: I probably the, the the race that comes to mind, and like, the, really, the only time that I've really messed with somebody was Dallas '03 um, with Ricky. Okay. And they had a big set of whoops. They were actually a huge set of whoops. And then Ricky complained and cartwheeled him, couldn't go through them, so they cut him down. But the funny thing is, is when they cut them down, they just kind of took the tops off, so they actually got sketchier. Dude, and that Honda was so horrendous with Dunlop tires compared to our you know factory bridge back yeah. in those days and our bike and i just mess with him for 10 laps you know just like literally just wouldn't i would pass him in the whoops and just hang ho- wide and he'd come like this and i just sat there the whole time and i just like dude this guy's gonna be and you could tell and he, he knew that i wasn't that's not when he went into him. the
0: boat almost hit the boat no, that, was that, was a, that was like oh six
3: that was oh six okay. yeah okay that was but, a great season. Yeah. But you were you were sitting behind him knowing just,
0: I got this just guy. Just messing all day long. with
3: him. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz yeah. at that point I had nothing to do. Like all I could do was like I hope that something like, happened. I don't know what where in the run that was, but it was when I won the last six races and brung the championship down to seven points. But And he knew you were messing with him. Totally. Yeah. And and but I my my only either I try to kill him and take him out and then he's going to get back on the bike and still finish sick second and I'm going to look like an idiot yeah. or do I just ride behind the guy and try to mess with him and literally hope he cartwheels it and something he happens. No points, yeah. Um, and that was all I could do. So I just was like, pff, I don't want to ride away and win super easy. I'm just going to ride behind him and try to mess. Yeah. Me up. Yeah. You don't see it a lot. Um,
0: Eli did it to Dungey that year. Um, Vegas, yeah. Oh, at Vegas. And I thought, man,
3: that's... <sighs> I was in that race well, and almost uh, won it, actually. Yeah, that's right. But uh, it was You a got the shaft on that It la- was a a weird race. Oh, that's when Ando punted you. Well, there was, yeah. like, four or yeah, yeah, five KTM everyone... Husky people, and so you're, like, you got all these people that are basically being told what Certain to do. perimeters. Yeah. And then, so, there's, like, there's racing, and then there's not racing, and no one really <laughs> knew what were they could do. And you were coming through. And I, I think I started in the back a little bit, and I was coming through, and I'm like, oh, perfect, these idiots are going to... Get all jammed up. I'm gonna try win this thing. And, and JG Ando, was there too. And Endo hooked me up. Yeah, I, think <laughs> JG, I think, hooked me up. <laughs> I think JG got pushed. Oh, hurt. he hooked you up like a tow truck. Yeah, yeah. that would have been my. That should be. That was a good one. Should have been a win. What was the year when? Um, I remember
2: when you pushed Stewie off the track. I remember people. There was a
3: uh, 09. Yeah, where was in it? Vegas? It was 09. It, it was the week after uh, Chisholm got paid. to uh, try in yeah. in try, Vegas. Try to hook me up on that outside. And then, uh, so then I was, again, I was kind of messing with Stu and the points gap was smaller. Like I think I needed to win and he needed to be off the podium or something like that, which was going to be hard. But, and then I just kind of just ran him into the bail, uh, into the tough block. And then he ran up and over the tough block and he didn't crash though. At that point I was like, all right, this sucks. He's going to win. Yeah. (laughs) That's a hard
0: position. You know, like I looking at that Eli Dungy thing, I thought, man, if I'm Eli and I knock him down right now, is that how re- I really want to win it? I mean, I know the check still cashes, 100%, but I was going to say, that. I was going to say, that, you question
3: that? That, that in not, six months, people forget that park about that. That on the wall and that cat, that one point five million dollar check, that cashes the and same then you open the record that. book, and it's still there forever. Yeah. Yeah. Ask, yeah. ask, ask
1: yeah. Osborne. <laughs> and look, look still here. Yeah. yeah. Still. Ask Osborne. I, right. In
3: my but
0: opinion, but that was a racing move. That was a. A going for it, I don't look at that yeah, as like look, a look, cheap, but, 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 yeah. but just one? look what's happened recently.
2: Osborne. Don't tell me, um,
3: Faulkner didn't try and well, both dude, uh, Cooper, Faulk- Cooper... Cooper damn uh, near tried to take he took with tried to with take you out. Coop hooked him up in the first turn. exactly yeah. and almost was put very me on there. Yeah, I know yeah. Yeah. we saw that. We I was like, that. yes, I got a good start. Oh, Coop, <laughs> no, no, and I was just like, oh yeah, Coop's real world just locks up as he comes across DLS, yeah, and then and then everyone's heads like this and his is like this. Coop controls the inside. Kenny and Anderson never make it through. And then, but he just opens up the whole inside and just goes straight. And I'm like, ah, shit. So
2: that comes back to desperate times call for desperate measures. I I, don't know. I, I guess I was raised where it's like, if you're not cheating, do whatever it takes <laughs> yeah. and even then cheat if you have to if you can get away just with deny, it.
0: deny 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 <laughs> i didn't do it <laughs> yeah. wasn't um, me was, so you, you kind of already alluded to this a little bit but coming to the u.s versus going to europe easier way easier transition
3: i mean different because i though yeah like as a racer and as a 18 year old kid. I don't like if you ask Ellie and you ask me, probably you're going to get two different answers cuz at the end of the day I'm just going to race dirt bike, yeah. you know. And I had to deal with Ellie that was homesick. I was homesick too, but there was For just sure. just different things, yeah. you know, like um coming here, um coming here's more like you're coming and like setting up a life because this is like okay, this is it. This I have made it. End call. So yeah. it's like, you know, you you quickly learn about uh visas, um, you quickly learn about social taxes. S- uh, what is it? Social, <laughs> social security. security. What the hell is that? Didn't know what that was. I need a social security number. I, th- I need a number. Yeah, <laughs> okay. give me one of those. Yeah,
2: <laughs> can I have a number? <laughs>
3: Pull a ticket. There hey, you everything, go. everything you did. Hey, I need a social security. I, feel like I don't know what that is. <laughs> you know, like just funny things that I remember. And
0: they don't have um, that in Australia. You
2: don't have a social security
0: a number. Maybe ever? they
3: do, but I well, don't, it's like if you I have, have an think think ID so. number. Yeah, so maybe. like in
2: your passport. I don't know. So like. My ID number is my year of birth, month.
3: I always day, look at and then there's a number. I have two different lives. Sense. Like as it, I always think as a child I was Australian. As as an adult, I'm American. You know, like and I have two passports, so I can. I'm good. I can claim it. But that's just for me. Like as a yeah. as a young person, I know Australia and how it was. But I can tell you how America works as an adult and what you need yeah. to do and all this. But if I move back to Australia tomorrow, like I don't know how Australia works. Does it feel foreign when you go back there? Do you feel like? Uh, yes and no you know certain things that not really because for the most part like you go and you're around family and you know even if you haven't seen them in a year it's you quickly yeah you know it's normal but yeah I same but different just is what I was used to same say. Same but different. Like yeah. here I am. Like well, I moved to America when I was nineteen, eighteen, nineteen. Um, I'd already been driving a car since I was sixteen. I had to re go get a driving oh, license. I had to right. do my driving test. The, side of the road and all that. Um, no, not because of that. just because I need an American you need license. American license. Yeah. And then so then I drove myself. <laughs> it was funny. I remember it. I drove myself to uh, to the thing in um, it's off the fifteen. What is it? Uh, I can't talking think about of, a track? No, a place? DMV. I remember oh, yeah. driving to the one. Yeah, yeah. Interracula? Like, no, it was the one uh, uh, 15 and 91, just Norco. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've then, been there uh, before. Yeah, I went there, and I'm like, I pull in and whatever, and they're like, do you have a car? And I'm like, yeah, got it. And I drove, and well, what are you doing driving? And I'm like, I got a license. <laughs> and they're like, how do you have a license? What are you doing? I'm like, I got a strain license. Well, it's not really approved here. And I'm like... Whatever. <laughs> Just drove there. She gave me my license. So I was good to go.
0: Yeah. You don't think about that stuff. But when mm-hmm. you, you know, it's like going to Europe and all the visas you need to,
1: you know, move between countries. Did you lose your accent over the years here? And does it get thicker when you go back home or back to Australia?
3: I I mean, I always think that there's certain words that I say that are more Aussie, but I mean, again. Honda. Honda. <laughs> yeah. He
1: used to say Yamaha.
3: Yamaha. I don't know about that one. Um Daytona. But, that's yeah, that's Ricky's one. He always busts my <laughs> balls in that one. Um, but yeah, there's definitely things, but you just, I mean, yeah, you i have been here longer than I lived the in The longer show. you're
2: around, some things, say, well, that's how accents start. Kids are raised yeah. around, if you're yeah. in Tennessee, you're going to sound like someone yeah, from yeah. Tennessee and vice versa. So when you're around other people for long enough, I get to South Africa, people are like, oh, you're fully American. I'm like, really? Because when I'm there, they go, where are you from? Oh, good day, mate. I'm like, nope, wrong country. Mate. For
3: the <laughs> most part, everyone here will ask where you're from, and then you go to Oz, and then it's like... But I think it's kind of like that tall poppy syndrome, too, everyone wants to beat up on you. Like, yeah. Ah, he's Yankee. Dancing, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know, like oh, yeah. But you know who lost
0: it the worst was Burner and Metcalf, because they were both living down in Tallahassee, Georgia area. They had, like, this Aussie-American...
3: Redneck. (laughs) (laughs) Redneck. I'm like, what happened to their accent? But my kids, like, you know, like, my kids are obviously born and raised here. And um, there's certain words that they use that are more Aussie just because they go. I always remember when we were young and um, summer, you know, summer had, you know, obviously born and raised here. And summer would always, summer louch would always just have, like, you know, certain south african ways yeah. to say things it was so funny and then now, she now, it from now my dad or something yeah, yeah and then now here i am and my kids and i hear it within my kids they use certain words and they pick up on it too you know like like you say like of the car like car you know and it's like car. my daughter's always like car. i want to go to the car <laughs> and she like makes fun of it. it's funny oh, my kids close. my kids try
2: to imitate me now as well especially Haley, because yeah. you know they grew up here so they're 99 yeah. percent american accent but They'll say one or two things. Like she came in the other day. She goes, hey, dad, are we having a braai for your birthday? (laughs) You know, a braai is a barbecue. Okay. But she knows I call it a braai because that's the South African slang. So it's just funny to hear that. And I don't even notice it. And someone else will have to point out and go, what did she say? (laughs) Do you know what I thought? Obviously, I never had to deal with this. Both
0: you guys did. Going from the southern hemisphere to the north, like I think of August. It's like, oh, is hot, man. You know, December, January is cold. You guys grew up that way having it be the opposite, the opposite and
3: now you've spun around is that weird for you guys outdoor nationals was weird you know like for me always like our supercross series was always like january through you know april um so it was always really hot, hot. yeah um and then so like always growing up racing motocross was always kind of in the cold Surely. months uh going to europe you didn't really get the heat, you know. So for the most part, and then you come here, and I'm like, holy shit! You yeah, know, like racing thirty plus minute motos in the in the heat and the humidity, it's crushing. And I grew up in hot and humidity. It's not like I'm, you know, not used to it, yeah. but just dude, that that was that was different. That was different for sure.
0: Um, okay, so how did you transition out? You only had a one year deal with YOT. How did the factory deal come about? I mean, not yeah, surprising having. And,
3: uh, yeah, I signed my Yamaha deal, I think, right before t- Daytona. Oh, um, early, on. Really yeah, early on, really early Yeah, really early on, I okay. signed um, I signed a two-year deal with those guys. What was your best finish on the 250 on the West Coast? Fourth? I think fourth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean,
0: like, it was kind of a no-brainer, really.
3: Yeah, I think San Diego was fourth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fourth or fifth, fourth, I think. Good money? My first one was good, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, yeah really good. You, you were kind of um, really coming on. In a sweet spot for the money, like the money know. was really good. Yeah. I mean, back in those days, like probably the biggest thing. I think that still hit and miss on you know, like there's some still good manufacturer deals, but I think that back then there was so many. Your your clothing deal was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, parts you know, it like, was like like my parts <laughs> deal was bigger than my my factory Yamaha deal. Mm-hmm. You know, it was over a million dollars. You know, as a rookie, yeah. so it's crazy. You know, like now. I'd be willing to bet that there's not There may not even be a million dollar clothing, clothing deal, deal currently.
0: <coughs> well, there's
3: there isn't a lot of no gear
0: companies can sustain that, you no. know. Thor was losing so much money well, just to, as a loss leader to put it yeah, I
3: just thriving in other areas, you know. Yeah. Well, Jeff Fox and you know,
2: bless his heart, you yeah. know, rest in peace. He was a great guy. We know him very well, but I talked to him one day. I said, you know, how do you guys sustain this? And he said, look, the 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 beauty we have is with Parts Unlimited, we have money to throw at it. With Thor, when you guys all wear it and we throw extra money, it's a way for us to be cool and get into the dealers and have a reason for them okay. to call and order more stuff. So he said, we can subsidize things. And I was like, okay. You know, he actually opened my mind up a little bit to how business can operate. And they yeah. were making a lot of money. I was going to say, back in those days. Maybe not Thor in particular because they are paying hefty salaries, but because it, 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 it worked with everything else. Also it's, limited it's, crush. It. They, 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 really they didn't had, have...
3: And then they had dead drag as well. So. Yeah,
2: but they also had... I mean, look now.
3: You got WPS, Well, WPS Tucker, is Edinburgh's doing the sh- same thing
2: with Fly. Correct. Fly exactly. does not make money. Mm-hmm. But they have that opportunity, yeah, to do to work that deal. So they right. they've kind of done the full circle. But
0: it's yeah. called a lost leader. They, a lot of companies do that, and it's it obviously works. But I mean, there was how many of you guys were in Thor?
2: But I think you that. were
0: doing a million dollar deal with that just was, alone, and yeah. I wasn't
3: alone. You know, like I mean, it was th- a lot of guys. Think at one about point. like okay, that's my contract. You know, Jeremy wasn't cheap. You know, Pastrana wasn't cheap. They were all close you know? to that. <laughs> like I bet. And it would be like they they're at least that, you know, like especially Jeremy. They know, also had Lask, Ferry, myself. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's he yeah. They had uh KTM, YOT for a while. They were, yeah, they were pumping With, out. like everything. Everybody know? was in Thor, but I mean, but look at it like that's even the freestyle riders were wearing Thor. I feel like them. that was the era, too. Like the era was it was thriving and mm-hmm. it was like you, like. Like you, said, I mean, Jeff was one of the most amazing humans I ever got to work with, you know. Um, the day he left or pulled back, back, you know, whatever you want to call it, got booted out from his, his dad. I mean, dude, I, in my opinion, the whole company, and I was out immediately, and then the, everything just went like this. Yeah. And, well, I can you tell know. you from a dealer standpoint, we cut them off. <laughs> yeah.
2: The only thing we bought from them because we had to. As a dealership, you have to have Alpine star boots, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they were exclusive. That's all we ordered. They're they were not difficult exclusive
3: anymore, right? No, they're not.
2: No. But at that time, they were very difficult, very arrogant, and I was like, "I won
3: you a freaking
2: championship, and this is how you're treating us?" And It was pretty <laughs> much our way or the highway. Jeff was, and they took, and I told them, "Well, you're going to be on the highway."
3: I put Jeff in the Yonder Groot category. Just amazing human. Yeah. I didn't yeah. work with Jan enough to know, but yeah. I, I was, I saw him. We saw I like even the whole Fox family, you know, like his, his wife, daughter, his yeah. son, you know, like still close with him.
0: I made a huge mistake one year This is when I was done racing. I was working for the magazine and we all had gone to dinner and somebody mentioned how he loves, he's a drinker. He, he, <laughs> he can drink. And uh, they said, "Don't challenge him to you know whatever." And I, I ordered two. I ordered two. Uh, Jaeger- I, know, I know what you're <laughs> you thinking. <know> <laughs> 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 I ordered two Jagermeister Jaeger- shots, and oh. I slid him one, and I just, I stared him down, you know. Uh, and he goes, I have a "Oh!" Funny story, no. And we just started. I don't
3: think Ryan will care if he tells.
0: We started going, and. You know, he did, his demeanor never changed the whole night. Dude. And I threw up all over my
3: room had to be put to bed. not a human I know that can take <laughs> alcohol. Right. Tell your story, because so, I was there. So it. back in the fun days of Supercross and Motocross, we used to go, as parts limited athletes, all the athletes, they would take us to Madison. Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin, yeah. Wisconsin, and we'd all get to go, you know, do the factory. and. But basically, it was just all of us getting to hang out. So they would bring all their reps... Deal anyone, there'd Thousands. be like a thousand people yeah, showing up at this event, and they would bus us in on the coolest bus that I've ever seen, still to this day. Um, and it was fun, like, I mean, yeah. back in those days, I just life was different, yeah. right? I mean, it, it just it seemed know, like I, work hard, play hard, or play harder,
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> true. Um, but it was like, I mean, it was fun, it was, it was GL, it was Tedesco. Speaker myself Pastrana McGrath. There were a lot of personalities, you know, like yeah, a yeah. lot of different personalities. Like, and I'm missing a lot of people out, but it's like crossing over into the road race with the Bostroms, um, Zemke, Zemke, whoever they, yeah, like of, just just good humans, you know, yeah. and and people that in that really worked hard and were good at what they did, but they they also had fun, yeah, and and Jeff didn't. You know, didn't frown on us having fun. He was, that was why we were there. Yeah. And so we would all go and hang out. And then there's this one day where Eddie's he's bring us to his house and Rhino was there. And Ryan, <laughs> Rhino, to the same thing. Rhino goes, I could, I could out drink you. <laughs> Huge mistake. Huge mistake. So he goes and grabs, <laughs> he comes back like this. Yeah. And I'm talking, I've never seen this much tequila in my life and he's just got and he just puts it on the table. I thought he had a tray. And I'm like, yeah, maybe it was a tray. It was a tray just and just, with, with just shots. two shot glasses. And he says, oh, yeah. "All right." And then Rhino, so there's literally a table like this, which is just a plastic fold-up table. And <laughs> Rhino sits here, Jeff sits here. Jeff Pause. Pause. Pause, pause, and dude, and I'm like, they just kept going. I'm like, yeah. this is unsustainable.
2: I, w- I was, I didn't even want to come in the room because I was scared of people no. Because to the table.
3: hey, and uh, Ryan Nyquist, that was, this oh, is back yeah. when the world really was badass, and we were sponsoring VMX the guys, BMX guys. Yeah. And so Ryan Nyquist goes and like is like feeling sorry, like as we all were, and he's like, I'll, and he drinks one for uh, Ryan. Rhino. That's it, Ryan Nyquist, you're sitting here. So then, then this three goes and gets an extra thing. So they're just sitting there. And, and Jeff's just like this, just sitting here. And back Stunched then, he was, bigger, he was a bigger guy. Yeah. And he's just, dude, just shotting. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, these guys are going to die. And Nyquist legit falls just out of his chair on the ground. After how much
0: time? Uh, how I don't
3: even remember. How, how many shots? I was yeah. count, I think, around 15. Yeah. In, in a matter of like 30 minutes. Yeah. I don't
2: know, maybe 45
3: but and it was. Just, it was a lot. A I'm short like, of I'm just like, oh my gosh, they're gonna die. And my is just on the ground, <laughs> passed out, sleeping. And then next minute, we we literally. And then Rhino falls out of his chair. And he does. Done. Yeah. And then we end up having to put him on the bus, and he's just <laughs> done for the rest of the trip. And it was just. Dude, Rhino was amazing. drooling on himself yes. and everything. But it uh, was so the funny. best part is, I don't know that Rhino has ever, you know, said or challenge anybody to a drinking thing ever since well, well the I, best
2: part is Jeff comes to me and he goes these
1: guys are a bunch of fucking pussies I
3: was like you're, you're right you're right, right. You're right. right. We
2: are. You're
1: I'm like right. I'm not challenging anyone Rhino's oh, probably God. never drank again
3: after that that same that yeah. same night is when we lost Neil Hodgins. Oh, that's right. <laughs> we lost him. We you, know, up. you know the World too much yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we show up the next he day. Went, he went on a he walkabout. He went on a walkabout and ends up sleeping. I mean, Madison's not a warm place in this time of area year. And it ends up just passing out in the backyard of his, uh, in a, just a launch chair or whatever. And we ended up finding him the next day. Oh, it was, it was oh a my good times back then. Yeah. yeah, that was a huge mistake. I. He probably didn't even have a buzz by the time no. I was there. But
0: I was tits up, thrown up in my bed. Yeah. And they had to put me to bed and
2: went out. Well, went it was also fun because we got to go to his property. And, you know, the tracks, water, everything's manicured. He's got all these toys, best man cave. You, you know what I mean? Just you could imagine yeah, what it's like. Yeah. And I remember we, we started drinking and he's like, well, if you're going to drink, you probably, probably shouldn't ride. So we started drinking <laughs> and he's like... But you could ride a quad, <laughs> yeah. and all of a sudden, there's all of us just just
3: broad sliding around this track on these random it's, quads because it's raining. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That was maybe one of I would put that in my top five most fun I've ever had on a motorcycle. We're popping wheelies, doing shots. So all of us, and then so you you know, like the group that you're talking about—motocross, supercross, road racing, B-Max guys—and just think of like this wet, super slippery track, and somehow I think, and then he had just random production, uh, you know, two, uh, four strokes. Okay. So we were just out on 250 po- uh four strokes and all of us just riding back in those days. And you just ride the shit out of it. And the thing was just like sliding everywhere. So you
0: guys no helmets oh, or gear. No, probably. no, no, We were full gear. Oh, you were geared up. Okay.
3: Yeah, no, we were geared up. And then, but it was, God, it was so much fun. I mean, and then I think that was, we did that two years and then it was kind of like the manufacturer started getting word of it. Well, all these, um, cause that's
2: dealers and all that are coming and you know, I, they probably have this image in their head and then they get there and they're like, this is a shit show. These guys are out of control. They're freaking mad. Guys are wheeling quads, going the wrong way, riding Uh, in the woods, crashing, laughing,
3: doing shots. We (laughs) made this track through the woods and it was like, it was literally impossible to make a lap and it was just we were doing lap times. (laughs) I hit a tree so hard. I thought I separated my shoulder again.
0: All right. well in that same vein,
3: Grant Langston's
0: 2003 championship party at Brock Sellard's. (laughs)
3: <laughs> the one that was really well prepared it was very well you know prepared. the real organized one were you staying at brox too or you were just i a- was at brox too in okay. my okay. motorhome yeah that's right um so yeah like obviously we had gone to i think it was like uh, what the walmart week before it was the week before the race was supposed to be yeah we were staying there and and it did not stop, stop raining, raining the whole time yeah. and it's like the first day or two you're kind of like ah oh, shit and then it starts just like, it's not going to stop. And then you start getting word like this thing's going to get canceled. And it just, dude, it rapid just went like this. We went to a dealership. Well, we the bought, be, well, hold on. The we, best
2: part is you you were like, yeah, I suck those. I hope it's done. Woo, let's <laughs> party. And you're like, I'm not going to win anything in it. And I'm like, guys, I'm fucking stressing over here. And you're all like, yeah, screw it. And I, was, I was genuinely stressed at
3: this time. So carry on. <laughs> I would, that'd be another top five moment for me. Like, we went to some dealership, local dealership. Fred Andrews. I, we, was that what it was? It I was think his it, dealership. We bought... I don't know if it was... I think I bought four 110s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we literally could barely fit them in the truck. We bought four 110s. You, you got... I think you purchased... Maybe I got did you two. Get, you got maybe, two. I got maybe two. Maybe I got two. You got two. And then two. I think
2: Brock got one and someone else got anyway, one. We got so, seven so or something dude, total.
3: And so we just for days in the rain and just didn't stop. And we just made the gnarliest, muddiest, nastiest pit bike track. It remember like, it went through his it barn? It was supermoto. Really? Like, yeah. Remember yeah. when it was yeah. like the lights were out? Remember Ellie? Oh, my gosh. Hey, all, uh, she hit and me and you so freaking hard. All you could see, <laughs> all you could tell was but people were smiling because the lights were out. And it was like, dude, it was just polished concrete. No, but she grabbed dish
2: soap <sighs> and then we came into <laughs> the arena and I was sliding and she... We locked it, it up,
3: yeah. and she t bowed me so hard.
2: I had a like, hematoma. <laughs> <laughs> Ellie Reed may have been the gnarliest takeout I've ever yes, had in my life. Yes.
3: On a pit bike in a slick barn. And the only reason you could tell it was Ellie was because she would just start screaming. And, like, other than that, it was just, like, you were just bashing off at people, yeah. and then you could just tell it was Ellie because she'd yeah. be screaming. The track came up as
0: he had a big, long, concrete driveway, and then went into, like, it wasn't a barn, but what was that thing? Like? Yeah, it used to be a horse stall. Of a, it was, it kind was a of pole barn. small barn, I guess. Yeah. And the track went into and there then and then around the outside. Then it
3: would like go down the gnarly hill and yeah. how slippery and so it was. And then I so think muddy. we were meant to go on the uh, peewee track, but it, we, just, we, we just we just we just the track it. and came back. Up. And then we ended up. Uh, Oh, then I think we bought a bunch of uh, paintball guns. Yeah, and went to Walmart, and bought all their paintball stuff. Yeah, it, literally everything <laughs> and like, everything camera. Like, yeah.
0: Oh, I still have we, all that stuff. I do too. I have hey, those paintball dude, guns. I don't so know why. Actually, these. I just
2: thought of something. I remember Brock, Brock got a little bit pissed because we all came back with like extra small denim sh- oh denim God. jean
3: shorts <laughs>
2: no. like he used to wear. <laughs> I remember, and I, Ivan I, had these. The, Ivan could barely get it. Thank yet, God. No social
3: media. The pictures. The we have, and I know that we all have them. I've seen some. Oh. Yeah, that's <laughs> Dude, right. I have this best picture. Sorry, Handy. I have this picture of Ellie. I want um, to think uh, of his bores. Picture, yeah. I have the this mankini. gnarliest picture of uh, Josh Hansen in Ellie's thong, and he's got it up over <laughs> his shoulders in like in chat, basically just cut off jeans. And we went to the club like that. He went the, we went, we no, went actually, to. I wouldn't call it a club. No, no it was the, the red engine. <laughs> <Red Island>. yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. There was more chicks than teeth. Oh
0: my gosh. I was I remember doing karaoke with Ellie. Mm-hmm. That four
3: non blonde song where those like screaming. I, all I remember is IT wore those jeans for like years. <laughs> would just they yeah. would just surface and I'm like, there's those jeans. He would have this cutoff shirt, his wife beater, yeah. you know, with the big cut-up. And then these tiny denim shorts. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. <laughs> that was a fun trip. That was a time. you know what we celebrated pre and post GL's championship. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We all won it together.
0: Was that you had another championship party back at home, right? That's when my wife got all booed. I just out. remember yes. that
3: Davey Coombs calls midway through us partying. And GL starts, he's going, like, like we're all going to listen. And he's like, GL gets on the phone, just typical GL. I just picture it. And he's like, you know, serious. Yes, yes, Davey, yes, Davey. But so it's, so it's cancelled. And like, all I hear is, it's cancelled. That's it. And not even everyone no confirmation. Screaming. Everyone just starts yelling. And it's, just and like, it's back on. It's back on. Yeah. yeah, I was like, oh, thanks, Davey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> all I heard was cancelled.
2: <laughs> that That's was so the moment great. where everyone went nuts. That was probably the best. That's the best party I've been doing in a while. I slept I in content. a dog bed.
3: Oh, my god. Well, I didn't
2: sleep the whole night, Did but I took a power nap I, in a dog bed. One thing I
3: remember, remember when Chelsea turned the... Uh, somehow Chelsea unplugged the freezer and uh, thawed out <laughs> all these uh, meat? Do you remember that? The freezer? Oh, no. Well, yeah, the freezer... Something broke downstairs. Yeah, it's it thought and it leaked, leaked water like, everywhere. Oh, yeah. It was a big deal. And then we, we moved on from that real quick. But I was, was going to say, I didn't even know I actually, that. We should actually apologize to Brock. Probably yeah, we, we should. We picked his place up really bad. <laughs> Sorry, Brock. Sorry. <laughs> I think he inherited a KLX out of it. So yeah, somehow. <laughs> hashtag worth it.
0: Um, yeah. All right. Hey, let's take a quick break. We'll be back with more Chad Reed. I want to introduce you guys to PowerDot, a wireless muscle stem unit that is controlled by an app on your phone. It's incredibly simple. This is something I've used for a little over a year now to help with arm pump and nagging injuries, and I've had amazing results with it. They recently worked with Adam C. and Cirillo to help rehab his knee after surgery. He had an ACL replaced, and after talking to him, it's something he swears by. He's adamant that this is the one thing that got him back on the bike bike quicker and got him healthy. So if you have any muscle pain, any nagging injuries, or you want to recover the best way possible, head over to PowerDot.com forward slash whiskey throttle for a chance to win a free unit. Or get 20% off your next purchase. That's PowerDot.com forward slash whiskey throttle for 20% off and a chance to win. You can thank me later. See the sunrise I wake up in the morning feeling so nice I burn a couple bowls of the alright I
3: look out to the world and it's all mine
0: Yeah, it's all mine I see palm trees and joints, kids Move palm trees like ointment My wee breath is fresh Cause I keep my appointments Now I can finally see Like I smoke some DMT What you think we should sound like? What you think we do at night? Cause we the best of this shit We made a mess of this shit We wreck the rest of all the Wester With the recklessness if you's a bitch, you might get snatched up like some necklaces. This is where the rest of us live. You 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 say? You say we feel like a West Coast? I say we shine like the Coast You say we
4: feel like a West Coast?
0: That's a TLD timeout. Big thank you to Torily Designs uh, for supporting the show. As always, go over there and check those guys out and all their full line of uh, moto gear, mountain bike gear. The paint department's open and cranking. Uh, Also want to thank Fire Department Coffee. All of our guests get a little bit of... uh some goods and a mug. So, Chad, I don't know if you drink coffee. I do. He does. Skull-crushing espresso. Love me some coffee. And a mug. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, these guys are super cool. They give uh, all of our listeners a discount and then also donate to firefighter charities. All firefighter-owned and operated. So, really cool company. Love it. So, well, for a good um, cause. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so jumping back into your life here. Um, now we got
2: the potty stories out of the
0: way. Yeah, some yeah. of them. Some of them. <laughs> Not all of them. Uh, so... Take us through that first year on the in the big class on the factory Yamaha.
3: Yeah, so big first year, obviously, I started out. Well, really, we started out, that was the first year that we had World Supercross. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like, it was the beginning of, like, when you start to learn the politics of the sport. Because, yeah. you know, like, you start to go into the bigger class. We were promised as Yamaha, like, you know, like, we were the only ones that really supported it. KTM did, too. Um, but as far as, like, you know, sending the full team at that point in time. Um, obviously, Jeremy was a part of KTM, so that, it was a big deal, too. But the uh, KTM only Hon- thing made more sense. Honda and Cowie didn't go. Yeah. But Suzuki, Yamaha, and KTM did. <clears throat> yeah. So, we, we went, like, you know, and we were kind of, like, promised a lot of things. Like, you know, it was going to be this big thing. Like, if you do it, you you know, there's better things to yeah. come. Anyway, I did really well. I crashed at the first one. Um, That's you when know, on you hit
1: yeah, Sebastian in there.
3: I don't know if I crashed or I got taken out. but <laughs> Yeah, it was right in Seb, front of me. I remember Seb, seeing uh, that. Seb, Seb yeah, went right <laughs> on, yeah. the, on the jump. And uh, anyway, I, I didn't even know where I finished. Maybe third, fourth. I wasn't on the podium, actually. You maybe were behind maybe
2: fourth, me. I got, I got second.
3: And then so maybe I, was I, no, I passed Sebastian. Because I don't think I was on the podium. No, you're right. I passed Sebastian <coughs> on the last lap. And Billy won. And right. Villy the Villeman won. Yeah, so I think I was fourth. And uh, anyway, so then we went to Holland um i won holland Snugged everyone yeah won holland uh beat Morocco. i think was second um, i got third and then uh, so yeah it was kind of like you had a little bit of steam going and mm-hmm. you know you oh, no, right. go to the first one and then you're kind of like okay it's anaheim you know shit gets real here and you know now ricky's on the gate and um i don't know i just was one of those moments where you it's like it was literally the easiest race of my life but the biggest. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how that works. It, like just is. they had they had big whoops. The track was really challenging. And my it KTM just, loved the whoops. a <laughs> I bet. And everything just clicked. Mm. It was just one of those weekends that just was really simple, really easy. Um it all came to me easily. Um Ricky yard sailed multiple times and still got second. Um and so here I am I win my first ever race and it's just and in the stadium That probably is the most prestigious, in my opinion, just like being a McGrath fan, the house that Jeremy built, um, you know, from a non Australian standpoint, Anaheim was just always special. Yeah. And so to win my first ever one there as a rookie in the class, um, it was awesome. And then, you know, like, and then from there, shit gets real, you know, like, then it's like, okay, then you got to do it sustainable. Um, Two races stand out for me in the fact that uh, Anaheim. Two or three, I don't remember, but I I was really fast, but just kind of like find myself in the wrong place and was pushing the envelope, crashed. I think I got sixth. Next one was Minneapolis, was ridiculously fast. Like I just remember this one. you know come from back past Ricky, cartwheeled it over the bars, and, and I remember, actually I, I lost remember the front, exactly what happened. Lost the front, got back up within. <laughs> two, three laps. I'm back in the lead. It's just one of those moments where you're like, everything was just you, clicking. You just needed to pull back a little bit, and it would have all been okay. Um, anyway, I just kept pushing the envelope, <laughs> and, and you know, just trying to ride away. And then I seat bounced. Somehow, went over the bars. Caught wheel, pulled triple. That. It broke the subframe, and the seat fell. Um, it was a three
2: foot, five foot, three foot. <coughs> and you came out of the corner, and you got on the gas hard, and your front
3: pushed again a little bit. Yeah, and then and it, it came, and then went. I think I came to your truck and said, Dude, Dude. you had <laughs> that. Them. You just you, you anyway, went you went again, mental. It got six again. So two six places and then other than that I was on the podium every weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you add up the six times six yeah. times two and I was minus seven at the end of the championship was uh you know, you just it's that it's that reality check that, you know, you you are a rookie. Um, even though you've yeah, you know, been in it a little bit. So uh, and then it sucked because even though you were winning
2: he just had to be behind you, and that was <coughs> not difficult. Yeah. No disrespect, but you guys were on another level. And I, if I remember correctly, I think for the most part, Ernie
3: was the last, a distant uh, third. So the last six races, I you know like I forget what it was, but it's like I showed up at St. Louis, won St. Louis, and then we went on a tear. I won six in a row. Ricky finished second, and then third every time was Ernie. Ernie it was the and same. Ernie. was no and Ernie was his teammate. So at any point that Ricky wasn't really in it you know like yeah. the teammate thing was always going to come into into play yeah it's a tough position to be in how was that bike
0: compared to like what you had ridden the year before uh was that well ch- I
3: mean it was like as far as my 252 stroke yeah yeah like was the YRT bike yeah. yeah I mean my YOT bike was essentially your typical pipe silences okay. suspension you know okay. yeah you get factory clamps you got you know, kit fork, not factory fork. Or if you do have factory fork, it's a three-year-old fork. Yeah. Um, just that normal okay. program. So like, it was kind of like, it was the topest, you know, the highest level of support that you could get at that point. Um, bike was awesome. Really. You were stoked yeah. on that bike? No, yeah. I was really stoked on that bike. That bike was uh, like kind of that, O three oh four bike was unbelievable. And then really honestly, the biggest upgrade to 04 was the bell bottom forks. We got that at the end of 03. Uh, That made a big difference. Yeah, yeah, huge. Like talk about like it's like the I still can kind of visually feel it or just mentally put myself there, but I remember the first time I did it, when you land on a triple, you know, back in those days, I mean stock forks were forty six you know, and then race forks were 50. It was a big difference, you know, and then kit was 48. So, you know, kind of like, you know, be in that range. And then then we went from a 50 mil fork, you know, to a bell-bottom 50 mil fork. You would just land off the triple, and, like, when you go into those 90-degree turns where, like, it lands and you need to give input and whatever, the thing would just go boom, boom, and turn, you know, it's like, like, it just felt like it was... Even the yeah. worst setting, like, the first setting was plush and badass, you know, obviously we evolved from there, but it was really just... That um, big of a change, Just huh? a crazy change, yeah. Mm. yeah. Same feeling that I have today, which is funny with the steel frame, is when you take a KTM and you put the 52 forks on it, same feeling, you know? It's is that just, right? Like the bike just comes alive, you know? Mm-hmm. Like you have mm-hmm. a really good, solid bike, then you put 52s on it. <sighs>
0: so do you think that's a, so like, you know, I watched this kind of pattern throughout all all of the racing years where they had steel frames, and it, everybody went bigger forks, stiffer, try to
3: stiffen it up. Yeah. But as the aluminum frames came in, that's when- w- Well, you know, show was <clears throat> 51, then they had to go back to 49s, right. you know, KYB 50, then back to 48. It's too stiff, right? Basically, yeah. Like KYB, when, when I went to Yamaha,
2: they had 52s. Because I remember I was like, geez, like that's a lot on mm-hmm. the steel frame. And I remember we were I was like back to stock, which was 48, stock clamp, stock everything, because they just went, in my opinion, in the wrong direction. So big. Yeah, and, it,
0: and if you watch certain bikes, you can still see where like maybe they're a little too much in that direction and they need to have something that gives a little more because mm-hmm. that's the aluminum frame just doesn't
3: flex like the steel does. No, it doesn't. And, and so then it's, like, kind of, like, essentially the frame's stiff. And then so you just – it is what it is. You know, we're – you know, steel frames and all that. You know, like, there was more – Like, there was more opportunity. You could brace it. You could do these things to, you know, like, the general public liked them. But then, as a race team, there was, like, a window of opportunity where you could, you know, massage it a little bit. Um, When you get this big old stiff piece of aluminum. And I don't necessarily believe that they're all that way anymore, you know. Like, I think that actually some of them are too soft, Um, you know. but Or potentially soft in areas. (coughs) Soft in areas, correct. I still think a lot of them might be a little
2: too rigid up front where you kind of want that feel but i agree i think some of them they've loosened up in that mid-lower section yeah yeah
3: so yeah just kind of like that the evolution of you still prefer
2: the steel frame feel
3: i i like you know like my ktm i love it i really do i think as a bike um it's probably one of if not the best bike out there um but then i don't hate aluminum either you know like Mm. uh you know, like for the majority of my career, I've spent on aluminum now. So, sure. you know, aluminum feels normal. Um, this, it there's a combination and I think there's a trade-off. Um, I think that aluminum has a plushness that steel does not. Mm. Um, like, sure. I don't know if you guys ever ride an aluminum bike or like for me, for instance, and I didn't really, I didn't pay attention to it, but when I broke my ankle at the end of 17, I think it was, um, I did, I rode my old full bike, and I rode it, I'm like, man, this thing feels harsh, like, just really Mm. harsh. Mm. And and then I rode a KTM and, and the Husky, and it just, that harsh feeling's there. You know, like, it doesn't, like, aluminum definitely has a plusher in in this generation. I, maybe not I, I, maybe I know not what in, you're saying.
2: <laughs> I know it's hard and to I, explain, but I and I, I think, think get that what you're when saying. you
3: when you look at ultimate feeling and lap time and turning and all these kinds of things, it's just a feeling. Yeah. It's not a it's better or it's worse. It's just it's what do you And different people like different feels, Correct. right? Yeah. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. sure, sure. So yeah.
0: maybe that harshness, because the frames flex more, you've got to go to bigger, stiffer suspension 100%. components.
3: I, I loved my husky. The only thing I didn't like about my husky is I just never really felt like I got access to good suspension mm. um this you know when we were for the whole pandemic thing and we were, the world was on pause i rode a ktm two stroke and i'm like man this thing actually feels really good i remember how this thing feels i got a 450 i rode it loved it and then i was really fortunate to get access to the 52s and then putting 52s on it, it was like okay now i really like um, it i'm going racing on this thing did you Let's, look good
2: on the bike seriously yeah, like the it's last a few fun weeks bike. It, yeah.
3: the bike reminds me and I and I think you can take a, the steel chassis out of it. The, just ergonomically, um, the weight distribution of it—it it just feels more a little bit more old school. Mm. And I think that that's why it's probably the best bike still. You know, I think that you know. A traditional Yamaha or a new generation Yamaha and Honda, just they always have so much weight on the front. You know, I think they've done they've worked so hard in their center mass. Now it's just this rock. You know, everything's in the middle. So then when you brake, it goes like this. When you accelerate, it goes like this. Mm-hmm. And I think a KTM. Um, still has distribution it has of, good of, inertia. Weight, of weight one way or the other. <clears throat> you know? And I
0: think there's a
2: big difference too
0: between...
3: Centralized mass. is the big thing. Yeah. Like yeah. Everyone's pushing this centralized mass and but just, it, but it, I don't believe it. In works, it works.
2: To yeah. me, it works in Formula One. It works in car yes. racing where you can plant that inertia in the center oh, of God. or everything. But in motocross bikes, like you said, you're, the weight's either this way or this mm. way. It's very seldom it's offloaded. So, if you've got centered mass, when you brake, it gets thrown forward. When it's like having a massive cooler box in the bed of your truck. When you break it, you're gassing. You, know, you know, it's not a good situation. Yeah, well,
0: but I also also think there's a difference between what the the common customer would want yeah. and the feel they're looking for. I mean, a great example is the Yamaha's winning all the shootouts. Mm-hmm. But I think potentially as a race bike, it's probably the worst right now.
3: Yeah. And that and could and be, that could be… And unfortunately, I think it's been like that for a while now. I, I will say that I haven't rode the new generation for um, Yamaha. In stock
0: trim compared to stock, 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 from, from it's every, really good.
3: From everything that I've heard, it's better than the old generation. Yeah. And, and I honestly thought that the old generation, as a, as, a, as a fan that wants to go to the racetrack and just ride you know, and have fun with my buddies, it's a, an amazing motorcycle. Yeah really yep. is. And so I just imagine that that's just better. But for whatever reason when you you start stiffening the suspension up, you start giving it a little bit more power, um, it exaggerates some of that stuff too. Yeah. Though. They they haven't figured that, that part of it out and yeah. I have my own reasons why yeah. <laughs> why they haven't figured. Uh,
0: out. you don't have to share those
3: if you don't want
0: or you can, that's up to you. Yeah. Um, okay, so that first title. What is that? What does that feel like?
3: I mean I mean the first title is just it's your your lifelong dreams or as long as you can remember you know, in the past 10 years at that point. Um, Did you wrap it up at Vegas or before? I had to wrap it up in Vegas because we, um, I got penalized from winning. I lost 25 points because of fuel. Fuel. Yeah. I remember that. Mm-hmm. So I would have wrapped up in Salt Lake. That never got overturned. I thought that I got overturned. Just no. Ricky's. <laughs> only Ricky's. Yeah, only only, only Ricky's got overturned. Only, only, <sighs> only Rogers got overturned. Yeah. Mm. Funny how that works. Weird. So, there's no politics in motocross or supercross. No, so you go, oh no, no. Just I make love, sure everyone knows. I love. I too. So nothing, nothing. No, but
2: he's that. gonna do what he can do. I mean, Why if you, you could,
3: that's your that's your job. If you could manipulate it or pull shit off, the, I don't know that I agree with your your cheating analogy, but <laughs> you do what you can, and, and you use your yeah. you use your powers that. be... Well, <laughs> when I said cheating, my, my my opinion
2: on that is everyone has a different version. So in, there's always been, I think, in motor racing what people consider a gray area. Some people exploit it. Some people won't touch it. I, I know when I rode at Yamaha, there was a rule that's a little gray and I was struggling with the bike. I'm like, hey, you know, you could shave that. And Keith McCarty said, no way. At Yamaha, we don't even flirt with gray area. I was like, shit, that sucks. Well, who, who was the team? Was it Cowie that was shaving those bikes'
0: frames down? Was it RV's bikes? And they were polishing... The frames? I don't know. That
3: JL's telling you the full story. It may or may not have oh. been Kawasaki. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly. Any, what but is, but you I know what, exactly. There's <laughs> the, a thing. I know okay. the exact area of the bike. I know everything. But that I'll tell you about. this.
2: I I know there were. I'm not going to mention names, but in, people that studied the rule book and went and said, "There's a tolerance. We're just going
3: to be on this side of the tolerance gap." Yeah. There's a, is so, that cheating? No. So there's a yeah. There is a tolerance and. So no, if, I'm not going to say on who it the is, but there's a particular manufacturer that never gives a frame; they just give a drawing, and the drawing buys you plus or two mil. Mm. So essentially, you're buying yourself a four millimeter window. It's yeah. a pretty big swing. It's a very big swing. Hmm. Smart. Hmm. It is smart. Mm-hmm. But once again, w- there's no there's no politics in our sport. Mm.
0: I was int- I, there's so much f- f- funny shit that goes on. Uh, <laughs> We had Kurt Nickel on, and he was telling us the first year they wait, was it the very KTM first year with the four. Dude, we didn't have enough bikes over here to to meet the homologation rule. We totally lied. We we we, were we sent sh- them, sh- like we shell gaming. Oh yeah, here is all these bikes. Look at them. And Then they put
2: no, no, here they're over here. Look at look at all these bikes. We <laughs> they get. had like six bikes and six yeah, different yeah, dealerships, right. and they <laughs> got <laughs> homologated. <laughs> the, the, the same. same there were <laughs> there were only
3: four hundred. The behind. same six bikes. <laughs> so so yeah, right. first championship. Um, just you know that realization that it really became true. Um, but then we're saying that it was like, it was all those feels, but it was also like there was there was something missing, you know, like, like the year before I really honestly felt that, that I was good enough in, you know, carrying what I learned in 03 to really take it to Ricky and be a legit, like, Hey, I think I can oh, take for it to sure. Ricky yeah. over 16 races. I don't think anyone um, questioned that. And so for him to get hurt there was like that little missing. It you seemed know? a little blemished it's, for you, huh? Yeah. yeah. Like, did I celebrate it? Did it feel whole? It did. But it was like, there was always that thing in the back of your mind as a racer, strictly just as yeah. a racer. Like, I know that I could have on this motorcycle could have taken it and could have mm. challenged. You yeah. know, we'll never know. Yeah. But I felt that I had what it took to, you know, to take it to him and to, to win. How were um, you guys
0: getting along at that time? <laughs>
3: Were you guys buddies, or were you? No, we were always cordial. Yeah, we were always cordial.
2: That's how
0: I would
3: describe it. Like Ricky and I always had this. There was always respect, Mm -hmm. you know. My entourage, his entourage, not so much. Mm. You know, I feel like that's where the they get too personal about. it. It's like family, like very, very personal. But as far as like Ricky and I staying on a podium, I I felt like we could shake hands, we could high five, and we could genuinely have a conversation. Mm. James and I was very different. That was more, it was more personable, you know, like it was like, just, I don't know, like we, we butted heads mm-hmm. and I think it was his personality, my personality, whatever it was, it was just, it was different, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I, I honestly say that like I never was like, oh fuck, I hate that guy, you know? It was just, there was just something missing that we just went like this more than, more than anything. Yeah.
1: Yeah. One, one thing, that, f- Photo of you with your hand on the back of James's neck. What were you saying to him at that time?
3: That was what, yeah. He cross jumped me and almost killed me on the triple, and I was not happy. Um, were you squeezing his neck, or was it just like you're no, pulling I him? In close? Yeah, no, I had. All of them. Oh, you give him a little. Yeah, <laughs> I got in trouble. I was on probation. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Bad boy. are so like giving him a neck massage? Yeah, a little neck <laughs> massage. Gosh, AMA. You seem a little tight. Here, yeah. let me get both hands. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let me really in, in the, the front thing. as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah his I neck was that, sore right here. Yeah. Like, winning that championship was really, like, really special. You yeah. Know? Like, as far as, like. What's a lifelong goal realized? And realized, and I think that, like, a lot of, like, I grew up in the era of, like, the Hondaverse, Yamaha. Um, you know, was a thing. Huh. Um, they they both wanted to win. It was it was Thor versus Fox. Like yeah. it was just it was I was Scott versus Oakley. Like it was all these things. You know, like just oh, yeah, like it out. was just like everything was, Bridgestone, was opposite. Bridgestone Dunlop. Like it was just. The only thing you guys had in common was the boots. Yeah, like <laughs> that was. It was just. It was so. Like everything was fueled. You know, like mm. from every area, and it was just. It was like I don't know. Like for, for me, it was the ultimate time to to race dirt bikes, you yeah, know? like when when people really cared, you know, like Yamaha cared like they truly cared about winning, and Honda didn't want to be beaten, they wanted to, their dominance, and it just Today, I don't see that and don't feel that. Um, and so for me, that was what was really special because I, I very much bought into the blue side of the, you know, the, the world and I bled blue and, and I was, you know, we were, when we won, we won, you yeah, know, yeah. And, and it was it was awesome. Back in those days, the cycle news ads that would come out and they'd get yeah. creative and it was just, yeah. it was a fun time to be winning races. Did you, um,
0: because Jeremy had done his time on Yamaha and one, did that, Kind of feel like home for you too, because
3: you yeah. kinda, you know. I mean, obviously, when I came, Jeremy was on Yamaha the first year, and then, um, but you you kind of seen the. It's funny; I've experienced both sides of it. I seen I seen Yamaha be very cutthroat, and and I probably learned a lot from that because I seen they chose me, you know, like they chose me over Jeremy, you know, like obviously o2 was a horrendous year for Jeremy. I and st- and, we and, I, buddies, and
2: I, I remember this,
3: and I was like, wow. Like, I watched Yamaha go and make that choice. Like, okay, we're done. Like, this guy's not going to do it, and this guy can. And I kind of watched it. And then from the flip side, I watched it happen to me when I was back there, when I recreated and basically run them out of retirement to racing and then them bringing Cooper up. And I I watched that whole thing like play i've out. seen this before. i've seen this before There's, i've seen this play out but it's so it was, that happens
0: at every uh, manufacturer it, and right? it's normal and, and,
3: and i and i accept it 100 yeah and, and but it was very sometimes at the time you just don't you don't get it and then down the road you look back and go yeah all oh, right because know. i saw it and i'm like oh wow you know but then you're kind of like yeah but why wouldn't they? like i'm yeah. better than him at this point <laughs> yeah,
0: you know but i mean
3: <laughs> of course they're picking you. yeah yeah so but it was funny to see the flip side of it and, and I think a lot of times, because for racers,
0: it's very personal, everything, you know, this Always. is your life. Mm-hmm. But for the guys in the suits behind that desk, it's business yeah. yeah, it's numbers. And okay, what guy has the best chance of winning
3: right now? And there's number crunches. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so, so right then and there, they kind of, they showed me, like I saw it, even though I was young, I I experienced what was really happening, you mm-hmm. know, and I kind of, and I feel like, I don't know, like maybe I was beyond my, I don't know, maybe I seen it differently than other people do, but I yeah. Acknowledged that what was happening, even at that young of an age, you That's know? Good. You, It's good. You of like, seem
0: like you're. That
3: uh, was a big sponge. You're very
0: perceptive. Yeah, very yeah. perceptive. Of what's going on around you? Can learn yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. And so, so I seen it, and you know, and made what was best decision for mm-hmm. me, and um, yeah. So it was, it was interesting to
0: see that. You you kind of mentioned like back in that day, Yamaha wanted to win, Honda wanted to win again. I feel like if you're if if you're looking at the sport now, KTM wants to win. Yes. Um, Those guys with Cooper, I mean, they're doing everything they can do. Kawasaki really wants to win. Maybe because they have the guy or whatever, but you're right. You see some of these other manufacturers, and, I mean, Suzuki's asleep at the wheel completely, but, I mean, I think, is it it just, like, upper management? Whoever doesn't control it, if they're a fan of racing, that trickles down? Is that what the deal is, or how does that change and evolve over time?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's... I feel like I always get myself into trouble here, but... (laughs) Oh, well, I don't do that. (laughs) No, it's not that... Truth hurts, I think, and I yeah. think that at this point it's not like I'm trying to get a factory right. Yeah, yeah. Um, just strictly my deci- You know, my opinion is that it it, it always happens from the top down. Mm-hmm. Always, sure. You know, um, I think that when you look at KTM and the decisions they're making, and the team that they have, and the people even behind the scenes, um, there's so many people behind the scenes that are are and were a big part of this guy's career my career like you know there's just there's so many moving parts of the the puzzle and and you look at I think, and I was always really tough on Kawasaki, when I went to Kawasaki in 2010, it was one of the worst teams I've ever rode for. Um, but I currently look at that team, and you look at how it's evolved, and it's kind of like it's it's weathered the storm, and they've, and you know... And it's changed. And it's it kind of like, when I was there, was when two road racing guys came in. And then it was kind of like, they were the black sheep and then I was essentially the black sheep. So then I liked them. Well, then I was told that I couldn't communicate with them because now I was, faz- you know, it was just a weird kind of yeah. way. I look at Kawasaki now and I think that they are equal in the fact that they have a badass race team, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I, really, I, I would definitely, agree I with really that. believe, I mean, just the, you know, I hate to name names because one individual can't make a difference but you know when you got o- Oster Widerman who I have nothing but respect for you know he was also my mechanic you know, your mechanic yeah uh, yeah and there's just you, the decisions that I see Kawasaki making make me really proud for them mm. you know and I have nothing hey, to do with Kawasaki it's, I it's, just it's think,
2: resulting in sales too yeah like from the dealership level when you look at numbers because they show you that uh, Kawi's yeah. A dent I don't in the think big I don't think
3: it's a mistake that you're seeing a better version of a of an Eli Tomac this year. Sure, you mm. know I really believe and I, and I strongly believe that you're only as good as the people around you. And mistakes, amen. There's no such thing as mistakes. Mistakes is a part of preparation, and good and bad people around you. And that's the best way to learn, and I too. think that that's yeah. the that's the only way that I can put it. I think that you know when you have a solid group of people around you, everything commonly, you know, like like good people win, mm-hmm. sure, you know, or good groups win. Yeah, um, we always used to say good things happen to good people. Yeah, and I and I just I, I think that that's that's Kawasaki and. Um, and, and KTM but you think that starts up pretty high right oh. and then it, and then that passion for racing yeah trickles down like right? for, for me mm. like you know the the, the the sensitive part of the subject is is Yamaha like Yamaha is not Yamaha you know just it's so old school there's an individual that's been there forever the sad thing for me is that that individual has influenced so many layers below him that even when he's gone it's gonna carry it's, on. It's still. It's a carry on. Mm. Then it, it just. And, I, and I, <laughs> no disrespect, but it, like, Yamaha needs a, a clean house. Mm. They really do. I, in my, for them to become a challenger in in that higher level, there needs to you be need some. There some, needs some enthusiasm. Be a, a full, some. There just needs to be a full clean house and just and, and inject it with some enthusiasm mm. and, this and some, a new new direction and it's. And I, and I say that with experience. I've been there, you know, I've, I've been there a lot. And yeah. I've been there two times. Mm. One, yeah. at, one yeah, at the yeah. beginning, one at the end. And th- the same things that made me want to leave here made me want to leave here. Wow. So I just, that's what I, that's what I think. Wow. Well, listen, we're, um, that's great stuff. We have so much more of your
0: life and career to cover that this isn't going to get done in one show. So uh, we're going to do a part two. Uh, we'll coordinate that with you soon. So stay tuned. We're going to get through the rest of his life and what's coming up later. Uh, but so much good it, stuff. This would be a nine-hour show if we ran through it all in <laughs> one. So uh, Chad doesn't have that kind of time. Thank you for Cheers. coming on. Thank you. And uh, Buddy, we'll see you soon. To see you, brother. All right. We'll be
3: right back. At Nihilo Concepts, we have a passion for innovation and for motocross. Our mission is to develop parts that will improve the durability, functionality, and the appearance of your motorcycle. We're proud to say that everything from Nihilo is made in the USA in our state of the art manufacturing facility in Stewart, Florida. Whether you race every weekend or you just ride for fun, Nihilo offers high quality, innovative parts that you just won't find anywhere else. Mihilo offers custom engraved engine covers, one-piece titanium footpegs, brake tips, internal engine components, specialty tools, frame grip tape, carbon fiber components, and so much more. Check out our website, mehiloconcepts.com, and see for yourself why teams like Red Bull KTM, Rockstar Husqvarna, Troy Lee Designs, and some of the fastest riders in the world choose Mihilo Concepts, MihiloConcepts.com. Yeah, 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 yeah I want nights where it feels so nice So I'm feeling a photo Right now, right now, right now
1: Let's do this right Go a lot the moonlight It's still
4: shining One day I'ma let go, yeah. yeah One day I'ma let go Everyone's using me But maybe that's something I like Yeah, I've been on something since last month But I'm feeling alright Who's in my mind. So since last month, but I don't feel
1: right. it's me myself. It's me against myself. I'm black yeah. I'm
2: staring at the stars. I'm I'm staring
0: All right, welcome back to the Whiskey Throttle Show, guys. Uh, Big thank you to Chad Reed for coming in. Uh, he had limited time here today. And like I said, this was going to be such a long show. He's got so many things to go over and to talk about. Um, so we will plan on getting him back in as soon as possible. He's coming to Cali for a little bit here shortly so we can connect and, and uh, finish his show up. But, man, some pretty cool stuff uh, just in that first bit, you know, like... Um Even just some funny stories, too. And then Yeah, I mean, look... <sighs> It's cool for people to to kind of get a, a peek into those old days, and there's still stuff we that I want to ask him about as we get moving on further. But uh, you know, there's a lot of things I didn't know about his early days, overdoing the GPS. You know, I just you don't hear much
1: about it, and so sure. uh, interesting to hear about that. And the how stuff. about his first contract? Five grand. Five grand, yeah. dude. I got nothing, and I was stoked.
0: <laughs> like, mean, hey, can I get twice as much as that?
1: <laughs> What's my deal? Nothing? Nothing. Ten this times nothing. Yeah. <laughs> crushing it. Hey, you guys, when we were on break earlier, um, I was talking with him for a second, and he said, you know, I, I've done some of these interviews, and he told me how stoked he was to do it with, with GL. He said, sharing some of those experiences with him, and it it was kind of cool to hear him say that. He's like, it, it made it really fun for him. Well, you know, uh, typically when a guy does an interview, it's it's
0: just with some some media guy who, yeah. who, who d- can't really relate to the experiences. You two not only... Competed together at a really high level. We rode uh, together quite a bit. You rode together a together. lot. You live near each other. <laughs> you guys did a lot of stuff together. So yeah, uh, it probably feels a lot
1: more just like. You've been shit faced together. Like, yeah, yeah. We yeah. have well, done a few things. GL, have you been shit faced? <laughs> mean, recently? <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: Halfway there. Whoa. there there's, anyway, there's a lot of stuff coming there, up. There's, there's not a lot of guys. I mean, there's a lot of guys, but there's not a lot of guys in his category. I mean, he's... No. He, I mean... But even just the things that he's been to and done and
2: been a part of, and good, bad, or indifferent, you know, he's ridden every manufacturer. He's started more races. He's, you know, he's rubbed some people the wrong way. He's created a huge fan base. He's He's been through the highs and lows. Um, I, I have a lot of respect for the guy in the sense of he is gritty. He is dogmatic, I think, is one of the best ways to explain him. I don't know if him. that's the right word
1: for what you're trying to say. Dogmatic? It's it's the right automatic, hydromatic. <laughs> oh, don't bring up grease. <laughs> oh, hey, you God. know something else? I knew you guys were going down
2: something. They were hey. like, I shot the clerk. I shot the clerk. Oh, I shot sh-
1: the clerk. You know something else? Did you we- know I was from South Africa? <laughs> Do you know, that Did you know that? Along with Larry Ward, Reed's also been a professional in three decades. Yeah. So he started in yeah. ninety nine in nineties and. Went to Europe and then came here. So yeah. it's like, okay, he d- wasn't three decades in the United States, but yeah, no, incredible career.
0: And, and there's, I mean, if you if you think of something we haven't asked him yet, that's from the first half of his career, uh, feel free to leave a comment yeah. under here, or, or better yet, insta, put us on our Instagram page. Something but, you'd uh, like us to ask him? Yeah, if there's something if you, got you want something us good, to get we're into,
2: definitely going to ask it.
0: So yeah, it's we we already have questions kind of laid out for him,
1: but if there's something you specifically want to hear about. Please feel free to shoot that to us, and we'll make sure we get the. The nice answers. thing about Reed is, if he doesn't want to answer it, I'm sure he won't answer it. But I don't think he cares too much about what he well, says. That, that's, that's always been his M.O., though. Well, going to he's, gonna say, gonna he's a little you. bit like us, to be
2: honest. You say what you think. I say what I think. And he, yeah. he, he's yeah. always said what he thinks. I, I, Good, bad, or indifferent. You know, we, we've all rubbed people yeah. the wrong way. Well,
0: and I want to talk to him, too, about the transition. Because when he did come over, I did, I did write something...
1: To the effect of, <laughs> oh, he remembers. <laughs> yeah, he does remember. He, he remembered, he remembered it better remembered than that. you did, yeah. dude. So like, not don't don't even remember. It. You know I mean? remember it. He remembered it spot like verbatim.
0: Yeah, Vegemite. I don't remember that. Vegemite, Vegemite arrogant v- Vegemite eating. Uh, you know, Vegemite Australian. Eater. Yeah. Anyhow, Vegemite. Um, I, you know, I stand by what I said. He was very cocky when he came over, but like I told him, he backed it up. And then, and and now, when you go back and you look at the whole thing, where he came up as an amateur and said, no, I'm not riding a 125. I want to ride the 250 class. And he wins right away. Goes to Europe. Now nah, I'm not interested in the 125 ride. I want to ride the 250 class. Comes to the U.S. He's pissed off he's got to ride the 125 class. He only does
2: it one season. <laughs> well, and and he right had to to get his foot in the door. So at the same time, wasn't his first choice. But right. he, he took it in and was like, this is my chance to show everyone why I deserve to be up there. But well, And look at it like this, too. Even if he had somehow
0: put together a 250 ride over here, look what he did on that Yamaha Troy bike on the West Coast in those open hands. A fourth? Are you kidding me? Some guy just comes over on a satellite team, a a privateer bike, essentially, and gets a fourth? And there was a lot of depth at that point, too. Yeah, there was. I mean, what he's done is is incredible. And I'm really anxious to ask about his his mental. I want to know. To me, he is the most mentally strong rider, maybe,
2: that our sport's ever seen. Well, you've heard Ricky talk on the announcing. Ricky said, the guy gave me nightmares.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've never seen a guy. And, we'll and ask, that's the goat. You know, so, yeah. the, I mean, you know. We'll, we'll, we'll be sure to ask him this in the next uh, episode. But I have never, ever seen a guy. You know, usually confidence has to be kind of built. This guy could hate his bike, be out of shape. He could have horrible results the weekend before. Maybe even a hangover. Probably a hangover. He, <laughs> goes, he goes to the next round, and he genuinely thinks, I'm winning. I've and I've never were times seen a guy that like he that. He genuinely won.
2: Yeah. And I'm yeah. like... You can't ever.
0: Well, I also remember
1: out. some of the mechanics specifically saying that if Chad Reed rolled down the tunnel, he said, "Oh, I'm winning tonight," and that he would win that night. Yeah, no, no matter. No what. one
2: questioned it. Nobody
1: questioned. He would just say, "I'm going to win tonight,"
2: and it's like. I think they were more concerned when he didn't say that. Yeah, to be honest. Mm. But the cool thing is, you, you talk to his mechanics; they'll tell you. You know, if you have a real in-depth conversation, they'll tell you. Yes, he can be difficult. Yes, he could be an asshole. Yes, he yelled at me. blah. blah. But I would work from any day. I love the passion. We worked through it. We got stronger. We have a bond. Like, I relate to some of those things. I don't know that you... feel like I didn't... I was never like... I guess I try to not yell at someone because I didn't like the bike, but I try to tell them why I didn't like the bike. I think Chad sometimes, he just says what he thinks, super and it can come across super the wrong well, way he, And he
0: made a joke like, sometimes you just got to take a
2: breath, you know? Like, yeah. And uh, that's probably something he's I, learned. I don't think... Well, so. I had to learn, too. I, I said things in the heat of the moment. I mean, I told my suspension guy one day, he said, what can I do to make it better? I said, resign. <laughs> you know? As you can imagine, <laughs> Did it didn't he go very well. Probably Did he, no, <laughs> he just he thought I was a dick, and I don't blame him. Is that Kaipo? I'm not going to mention names. <laughs>
1: Hey, listen, a lot of guys like Chad Reed that have the kind of all the pieces of the puzzle, and if he feels like somebody else has failed him, but he has all the pieces of the puzzle, a lot of times they get upset like that. It's like even a businessman or or whoever else or any other athlete. I've been in that boat where I felt like so-and-so is holding back this program. Mm.
2: What do you do? Like, think about it. What do you do? Everything, if you don't perform... You're the, you're, you're, you're the loser. You're, your money goes down, your stock goes down, you lose your ride. So when you th- yeah. think someone's holding you yeah. back, what, seriously, put yeah. yourself in that position. No, you're like, sure. this guy or gal or whoever <laughs> should resign, <laughs> <laughs> should get a lateral promotion to the marketing department of your brands. <laughs> you know, <a> little <laughs> in other words, tell them to
1: lateral right out the back yeah. door. <laughs> um,
2: I, I,
0: one other thing I picked up on that I thought was interesting, and, it, and we this is sort of becoming a recurring theme that I've learned on these shows. Guys that are really uber successful spend a shit ton of time. See what happens when you riding. don't drink, I know, on I need bike, a drink? On the bike. RC. Car- Carmichael. Reed. Uh, Marty Smith. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even McGrath. Even Jeremy. I mean,
1: they that's just ride a lot, yeah. you know. It's more than they Larry. About Larry Ward. More than they think about training off the bike. Larry Ward told us the same thing, right? He goes, "I didn't. I wasn't really much for training, but I, I rode a lot." How can you build skill on the bike if you're not on it? I think that's really telling. And if you are like, ah, I just don't like to ride a lot. Well, this might not be. This for might
0: you. not be for you. I. I, I mean, well, get you a lateral promotion. <laughs> get you a lateral promotion. The hell out of here to a junior college. To the speedway team. You <laughs> just slide it left. <laughs> All right. Well uh that was a rad show. I I'm stoked for part two. Stay tuned. It won't be long. We will uh we'll get it done in a relatively
1: short amount of time. We also um, have some good questions. Hey this is lined up. Uh, this yeah. is uh unprecedented for us, a two-parter. Yeah, first two parter we had. Yeah. But I'm not shocked at all. And, I'm not And either. honestly,
0: I the only other one that I, I, I wish maybe we would have done this on is DeCoster. He just had we we had to rush through I had questions we didn't get answered because we were already at well an absurd amount of time. We yeah. were
2: also Complete virgins. Yes, we were. were. Um, so yeah, we were
0: fumbling around
1: trying to find the hole. If you know what I mean. Whoa! You know the whole the whole thing. The whole thing. I mean, okay. I mean, its, I mean, it's yeah, entirety. I got you. What I mean. I'm I'm picking up what you yeah. right now.
3: All right, take a second. I'm gonna read the
2: sponsor <laughs> list. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you Yamaha. I mentioned it earlier, but actually Chad Reed won both the Ross titles on that machine. And if you look today, it's the leader in power sports. So Yamaha, the best. Make sure you buy one. I know a place you can get one. Powder, twenty percent off a checkout using the code Whiskey Throttle. They really are great products. Um, as Ping and I have said, we use it. We're not just selling it because they pay us. We believe in it, and everyone that's used it will probably attest to that. So, get one. I'm serious. Like that's one of those machines. If, Donnie, you have one.
1: You. you it's use really helped me. I've, yeah, I've it's really it. helped me through this. I, I wish I
2: would bring it with me
0: more often. I keep. That's that's the one thing that I hear from people is, gosh, I just,
2: I forget to use it. Yeah. When I use it, it totally works. I notice I'm better. I forget to use I it. I came up here, you know, Well, we did. We ride, we do this, and then wake up. I'm like, it
0: so, would be really good. Disclaimer,
1: like, hey. it, it, it doesn't work if you don't use it. I started it. keeping it out on my desk. <laughs> I started keeping it out on my desk. So then I'm so like, see it. oh, that's yeah. right there. So I yeah. just take it and yeah. use it.
2: They are good. But it's like anything. You've got to actually, it's like your treadmill. You've got to use it. <laughs> yeah. Buy I your bought treadmill. a treadmill.
0: Why am I not in shape? Yeah. Why am I it's 10
1: pounds? You're like, you haven't plugged it in, sir. So. Oh, <laughs> hey, it I was really messy. heavy getting it inside yeah, the house. I knew I was,
4: was sweating, sweating more.
2: All right. Method race wheels, just the best. Um, maybe I'm biased, but I've had them on multiple vehicles now. And I truly believe they look good. They perform good. They're great. And you can also get 20% off using the code Whiskey Throttle. Um, most of these wheels are over a thousand bucks a set, even though I think that's very well-priced because you yeah. pa- pay the same for the rubber that goes around it. But they do have some more affordable options. If right, you're looking for, sure. for something, yeah, no, there's, there's
0: all kinds of, That's what know, surprises
2: me too. But anyway, yeah. with 20% off, everything's under a grand. So that's a good news. And they're badass. Trust me. Troy Lee Designs, um, Ping mentioned it earlier, new helmets, new gear. They always got something new coming out. Check them out. Um, I know at our dealership, we're being close to TLD, we get a lot of their new stuff very quick, so it's kind of fun just seeing the, the cool collections coming through. There's always something cool going on. SKDA, um, they are, um, in our opinion, the best when it comes to um, put graphics on your bike. They're very creative. they got some cool uh, designs. They uh, did one for me on that 250F that I harassed Ping about that I... Ha- swindled. Have you seen the new, uh, they've got like a retro line of
0: yeah. 90s looking Hondas and Cowies it's and It's better than it looked in, so it's cool. It's the yeah. same, but
2: different. Yeah, it's like a, 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 a tip of the cap to the 90s, yeah. but like a modern take on it. Sure, very, very that's cool a good stuff. way to put it. Yeah. yeah, so they got some cool stuff and um, um, I believe, so I'm kind of stoked, but the, the, the graphics that they designed for that 250F, um, they're going to put that on their website because they had good uh, rapport from it and you know everyone saying that they thought it was pretty cool. Um so I thought that was cool. They designed it. I'm not taking the credit. I just was like yeah you guys are really are pushing the envelope. So check them out, check their website. Uh these guys do phenomenal stuff and even though everything's made in Australia, it's unbelievable how quick these guys turn stuff around. It truly is. Um I can speak first hand. So check them out. S K D A best stuff. Get some whiskey throttle graphics. They are pretty trick. And they've got them in colorways that'll match any bike that you run. So Dunlop, you just don't be a dick to your bike. Just put those on your bike. I'm telling you, Ping's got his... Uh, I've, rid- I've ridden a few varieties, and I just think that they're pretty good in general. And I've ridden other brands. I'm not going to mention names, but Dunlop, just they get it. Mm-hmm. I think what they learn and the feedback from racing, they put it into multiple tires. Um, I think I ride a little bit different. So I've used some different tires. I'm like, I agree with you. And then at times I'm like, 53 is also good. 53 rear? Front. That's what I
1: like, 53 front.
2: Oh, you... you oh, mean sorry. the 33? Yeah. Sorry, I had the yeah, other way around. It, some of it may be the way you ride, you know. I, I, I like... I put some emphasis on my front. So sometimes I feel like, man, that's good. But yeah, yeah, it's different, different it's strokes, different strokes different folks, for
0: different folks. I know the sidewall on the 53 is more... Um, Forgiving, uh, forgiving. Yeah. So if you have little chatter coming in, it absorbs a lot of that. Where the thirty-three, you'll feel a little more of it. Uh, that was one of the things I really liked about it. And under a load, like when you if you come into a, a turn when you really got weight on the front tire, it it will roll less. Yeah, it, it stays more planted, and I noticed that. And I I, I just like it better. My no, I mean, but,
2: and that's the thing. Yeah, they have options. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. if you don't like, I one, will you this: one.
0: I don't know if there's ever been another tire that's more all around than the MX33 rear. You can run that. I mean, guys are running that in Supercross. I agree. (laughs) I would have to agree with that Even in Salt Lake, where it's hard as a rock and slick, they're running that 33 rear
1: or the race version of it. They just never stop developing. And that's the the key, right? They don't like, it's like they're always developing a tire just to try to get better and better. Well, it's also hard to develop if you're not really involved in the sport.
2: So, you know they are heavily involved and they keep reinvesting. Anyway, I'm just a huge fan of Dunlop. We, we we sell the shit out of it at the shop. When people come, some people want something cheaper and you get what you pay for, but most people, if they're into Moto, they buy Dunlop. Trust me on that one. I always say trust me. Anyway. Trust me, you just gotta trust me. <laughs> yeah, just don't question me, just trust me. Adidas, they make good shoes, we'll leave it at that. And great clothing. Sportswear, wear it all the time. Pro circuit, they race, they win. Be interested to see how this uh, pans out going in the outdoors, but pro circuit really looking good at the moment. Nahilo Concepts—they make cool stuff. I was even looking at our buddy who we're staying with, Spencer. He's got uh, some covers over there, and they're all custom made by Nahilo. They just do really cool stuff. Check them out um, if you're a bit of a geek like I am about just cool random Blank, stuff. Yeah, they just—they just nail it. Um, uh, sorry. Oh, I missed, did I miss Pro Circuit? I did. Pro Circuit? No, you mentioned them. Yep. Seat Concepts? <laughs> yep, trust me. Yep, trust me. I mentioned them. They race, they win. <laughs> seat Concepts, don't be a dick to your ass. They make some cool seats. I promise you, as someone that's a little overweight and lazy, I sit a lot, so I ride my dual sport, and I have a seat from them. Trust me.
0: It's like a sofa. It's really nice. Trust them.
2: Yeah. It is. I borrowed his bike. They're amazing. So I know. Fire Department Coffee, I know Ping loves him. I, I love their brand. I love what they do. I love their brand. Chad seemed pretty pumped on his little gift um, for a multimillionaire. It's cool that a bag of coffee and a cup made him happy. But yeah. those guys do cool stuff. Seriously, like Ping said, you buy if you drink coffee, buy from people that are involved that support and do cool things. And they support injured firefighters and their families. Um, so a really cool thing. And, 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 and for me, someone that he brought him on, I'm just pumped they're a part of this. They do cool stuff. And... I don't know, I just feel like they fit with us and it's cool. So please, support them. Don't get Starbucks crap, seriously. Trust me. <laughs> Specialized, best bikes ever, Ping Road, earlier, I didn't make it, altitude gets to me sometimes, so I was struggling, but he had an epic, oh, they mm, even have an epic. Nice play on Ooh, words. that was accidental, but I'll claim it, they have an epic, but he had an epic ride this morning on uh, the uh, Levo, right? Levo, yeah. And we usually ride the Kenevo, but anyway, Specialized, check them out. They just had some record-breaking months because people at home had some money. They bought the best, but they're restocking with so many cool new models. Go to their website. Trust me. OGO, best bags ever. I'll leave it at that. Paleo Ranch Food. Donnie and Ping are investors. I've had some of their food. I've been to Walmart and purchased it. They're jerkies. They have some good stuff. Go check it out. And then finally Langston Motorsports. Um, If it wasn't for them,
1: I wouldn't be here. They wouldn't be there. Hey, I want to say uh, (laughs) thanks to Spencer and Steve and his family for having us.
2: Big thank you
0: to Spencer. I'm sure a lot of of you have
2: seen um, riders showing videos of being up in Utah at the Flying Horse Ranch, and that is... Flying Iron Horse Ranch. Iron Horse, sorry. Flying Horse. It's yeah. their
0: facility. They've got, they're actually got another property. They're trying to build, it. they have a national track built. They're in a little issue with the county, but looking at maybe potentially having
2: a national there. These well, people. Davey Coons came out and said he would love to, yeah. and they had all that, but yeah. they're dealing with the council. But when we were up there, it would be. Epic, Unreal. if they had it right. Unreal. The dirt yeah. that they bring in, the the way they do it. These guys are like almost OCD, but mm-hmm. in a good way.
0: Yeah, Spencer uh, has done some builds for us. You might remember the KTM-150 we shot uh, maybe a year ago. Uh, we did a KX-125 that he built. We were up here shooting. Uh, you can go online and see it now over at Vital MX. A KTM-350 that's incredible. Incredible. <laughs> Jill and I both rode it. It's it's amazing. And Even at altitude, that thing barked. I don't want to... Give away what we've got next. He's about three quarters of the way through another Dude, bike. Dude, I
1: can sit and look at the stuff that he's done, like, all day long. Hands down, I've never seen more f- finely finished you, project just bikes. Just the most beautiful stuff I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Everyone's going to yeah. be going nuts, because every time we talk about
2: how cool these bikes are, Pinging and I are looking off behind the camera, but... You might have to take a
1: couple little... We can't show that one yet. This the, one will be up at Vital. I'm building that KX500, and it's like, it's not even going to be... I know. It, he bums you out a little bit. It's not even going to be on the same plane. Like, <laughs> Donnie's like, dude, I'm going to do everything. And then he comes in, and he's like, well... I'm doing I, nothing. Okay, I'm going to uh, do, do a lot of the things. The bike will be rideable, as mine will this be. This is a $20,000 KTM 350.
0: If you want to see what that looks like, head over to Vital MX. You can see that video. Uh, his bike he calls Fifty Shades of Grey. It's sexy. So it's a big thank you to them. They let us stay here, took us out riding. I mean, just awesome people. Yeah. Uh, his father, Steve was an old team green rider back in the nineties, eighties. Yeah. Uh, but just an awesome family. So
2: appreciative of their support. Yeah. And um, they really love the sport. Yes. Like, talk yes, about dedicate. We need more people like them. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you boys. Uh, big thank you to Chad Reed for making it on. We'll work on scheduling for uh, part two. Uh, appreciate you guys listening and watching. And we'll see you next next time.